Hot, hot, hot. That's what it is in Las Vegas right now. Still 90 degrees outside at almost 9.20 p.m. here on the very first day of June as we're coming near the end of the first major event of the World Series of Poker known as the Colossus. I played it. I did not cash. Brandon played it. He did not cash. Seven other people on Poker Fraud Alerts forums played it and did not cash. We did have one member who got pretty deep and did cash. We'll talk a bit about that. But, uh, uh-oh. Do we have a failure with radio? Is radio down? That's, that's a bad start. That is a bad start. I mean, it looks up to me. Okay, it's good. All right, thank you, everybody. Uh, you guys scare me in the chat. I should just, like, not look at the chat room. You guys scare me. Uh, anyway, I'm at the Rio, so I have to, I'm at the mercy of their internet. So we will move forward. And I'm going to put on my co-host here, provided he's there on Skype. Strangely enough, we're both in the Rio, and for reasons I'll have to get into shortly, uh, we're actually having to do this from separate rooms at the Rio. And I don't see Brandon on, so I can't do it through Skype. Yeah, we wanted to do it from the same room, but uh, we don't have the setup. In fact, I'll explain it right now. But be- actually, before I explain it, let me talk about the free roll, which is starting very shortly. I think it's at 930. Uh, the free roll this week is Limit Hold'em. It is not no Limit Hold'em. It is Limit Hold'em. The reason we have a Limit Hold'em free roll is because I am playing Limit Hold'em tomorrow, the $1,500 World Series of Poker Limit Hold'em event at 4 p.m. So in honor of that and in honor of hopefully will be a good tournament for me, we're having a Limit Hold'em tournament tonight. If you don't like it, then just don't play. $80.50 are up for grabs here. And the way it breaks down in the prize pool, first place will be $40, second place will be $20, third place will be $10, fourth place will be $5.50, and fifth place, almost the same as fourth, $5 even. So it's 40, 20, 10, 550, and 5. I know I have other free roll money we could be using, but uh, I'm keeping it to $80 tonight because... This is a show on an off night, and I don't want to put too much money on the free roll when people cannot make it this late or on this day. So sometimes we don't even have a free roll if it's on a strange day and time like this. But if I wanted to have it, but I, I don't want to put more than $80 into it. So if you donate, it'll go toward a future week. Speaking of a future week, if you enjoy this show and can't wait for the next episode when we finish one episode, you'll be happy to know that the next episode is just five days from now on June 6th. In fact, it's about four and a half days from now because it'll be at June 6th at 3.30 p.m. Pacific time. So all you East Coasters now can listen at a reasonable hour. That is provided we don't delay it in some way. But uh, that is the schedule 3.30 p.m. this Saturday, June 6th will be the next one. After that, you have to wait like nine more days. I think the next one after that is June 15th. So radio today, radio five days from now. How long will we go tonight? I don't know, provided uh, I find Brandon. You know, these shows always seem to go a long time these days when Brandon's around. I just don't see him right now on Skype. But when he manages to appear, then we will include him. Oh, he has appeared. Here he is. Brandon Drexel-Gerson, I was just talking about you. Hello. Hey, can you hear me okay? Yeah, I can hear you. I think this might be somewhat of a fail. Maybe some. 
monthly better than me can help me. I, uh, I have a different computer than I normally do radio with. I have a MacBook Pro with me. And uh, I just brought my normal headset. It's like a, what is this, a Logitech headset. Um, and when I, when I just use it with normal computers, it just locates the driver, downloads it. It's no problem. But for some reason, it's not accepting it on this MacBook Pro. So I'm just using the obvious the speaker through the computer. Well, it, Does it, anyone it actually, know how to get this fucking thing to work? It's been a hell of a day, Drop. I, I should maybe call Dell Technical Support or something. I don't know. Okay. But I'll no, call you back. No, right. no, I, I'm not even serious. But, it, I mean, this sounds okay for the moment if you want to stay. But uh, Or you can try okay. to fix it. it. What do you want to do? It's up to you. No, I'm going to stay. I, I don't know what to do. I put it in. It doesn't come on. I, okay, I well, Google something. You know, it doesn't we'll just, work. It, it will just go with it. You, you actually sound fine to me. There was one little okay. bit at the beginning you cut out a tiny bit, but since then you've been perfect, so I don't, I don't think Hold on one second. There's two nice European uh, men at the door that want to check my safe to make sure it's working. Hold okay. on. I'll be right back. Okay. All right. So here's Brandon. He's going to be speaking on the ex- the internal mic of the computer, which is usually kind of poor sound quality, but I hear him fine. So It's I, a $2,800 MacBook Pro. Are you yeah, fucking okay, kidding well, me? That's probably why because i have just noticed on pc internal mics they're terrible but you sound fine so good i mean you have a much more expensive computer than i do i have i have a you guys want to know you want to know this is how bad i run yeah i'm on the uh 30 30th floor 30th floor i don't give a fuck so i wait 10 minutes for the elevator i mean there's because there's three there's six elevators yeah and this shit tower and three of them aren't working (laughs) they don't even work there's no numbers they don't they don't open nothing why do they need it to work i mean it's a 10 minute wait's fine for an elevator so there's three elevators, okay, which starts getting jam-packed. We're waiting. We're waiting. We finally get on. I'm on the 30th floor. The fucking thing goes up to 60. So I'm thinking, okay, and, you know, I'm, I'll be honest. I had to go to the bathroom. I just had a big meal with you. Yeah. And it, it wasn't like it was, you know, I was going to shit my pants or anything, but it just was that uncomfortable feeling. Yes. Where, you know, you got to go. Yes. You know what I mean? Yes. So I'm thinking, okay, well, you know what? There's 60 floors. I'll get there relatively fast. You know, I just got to fade to 21 through the 29. Yeah. What do you fucking know? 21, 23, 24, 26, 28. I mean, are you fucking kidding me? Yeah, and you know if you didn't have to go to the bathroom or didn't have to rush, then it would have gone straight up. It would have been fine. Like, what are the odds that there's 15 people in the elevator and they're all under 30 except for one? <laughs> Jesus. That is running bad. Well, I'm coming to you live from the luxury Samba Suite here at the Rio. And when I say that, I'm in a hotel for free. Um, it's comped. I would never pay to stay here. But I'm actually thinking that it's so awful in this room. When radio's over, I may just go home. Really? Wow. I mean, it's, 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 I, I tried to plug in my, my, uh, MacBook Pro into this, you know, there's like a little desk, like a prison desk here. Sparks started coming out. <laughs> then I noticed that the, uh, the faceplate, you know, that's connected to the, the, you know, the outlet is, is, there's not even screwed. Wow. It's not even screwed, so I'm like, fuck that. So then now I'm laying on the bed. See, people, this, like, is, this, is why you have to go, this is why you have to go to the Ipanema Tower. I know you tried. They just did, they weren't giving it to you. But, uh, but tell uh, them the story. Tell them the story. Okay, okay. Well, okay. Before we get to the story, let me quickly tell you the free roll here. Uh, I already gave oh, you guys the prize pool. Okay. I already gave you guys the prize pool. Uh, it is limit hold'em, as I said. And um, 25 minutes of late registration. I think it starts at 930, if I remember properly. Uh, if it doesn't, then whatever. I'm, I think that's when it starts. I'm not going to look it up further. And uh, the money this week came from Real Talk, who gave $50. Painless One, you know him, it's uh, $5. Uh, then uh, Richard Brody's Comb Over, not Richard Brody, but his Comb Over provided $5. SMI Florida gave 20 And Flipper Fair was very generous. He gave us two quarters. No, not $50. I mean 50 cents. 
And he was actually kind of angry when I announced this because he said, I didn't give a 50 cent donation. Why are you saying this about me? Well, last week I actually held over 50 cents of his donation of $37.50 for this week because I wanted that, or it was actually two weeks ago, I wanted the free roll to be exactly $63 in honor of Garrett. So that's why 50 cents got held over. So that's, that's why it's 50 well, cents. I thought right. his name was Caitlin now. <laughs> <laughs> So uh, that was beautiful, by the that way. That was a great Photoshop. I mean, I've seen a lot of Photoshop's, and it takes a lot to really just make me say, "Holy shit!" But shout out to Super Allah for those of you listening that have not seen it. Go to the my name is Caitlin thread in uh, the flying, flying stupidity. Yeah, and, yeah. And it's, I mean it's a fucking work. Yeah, of you'll, fucking you'll, you'll see a, a Photoshop of uh, Bruce Jenner uh, in, into Garrett. So you guys will enjoy that. A very good Photoshop. So anyway, that's the prize pool this week. That's who donated to it. If you want to have access to the money, you know, it takes place in the No Fraud Online Poker Room, which you can find near the top of the screen. You need a separate account there, but it's free. And if you want to actually win the real money that I will pay you via PayPal, bank transfer, Bitcoin, cash, if you want to find me at the World Series or check, uh, it's real cash money I'm going to give you. And if you want to qualify for this free money, you have to either have a form account that's dated 2012 or 2013, or you need to email me, dandruff at pokerfraudalert.com, dandruff at pokerfraudalert.com, all lowercase, and convince me you've been listening to the show for three weeks or more by telling me things you've heard from three different shows that are not in the official show description. You should have a lot of stuff to choose from for the last few shows because they went so long and we did so many things that were not on the agenda. So that is what you need to do if you do not, do not have a... a hypothetically, if someone messaged you and said, I like show, show is good, show is nice. Would that be enough? <laughs> I have to think it would be a big fat no. So, uh, fortunately, I, I have not had anyone attempt to lie to me in these emails. No one has attempted this, except someone did it as a joke, like they sent an email like that to screw with me, but nobody seriously attempted to trick me that they listened to the show when they really don't, unless they did a really good job, like just skipping around and finding segments that were not in the show description, but that's pretty hard to do. So if, if you can do that and trick me, good job. Then, then you'll get the free money anyway. But you have to do it, by the way, before the free roll takes place, which is very, very soon. So send the email quickly. I don't want you to win first and then make up the story later. So that's how you do it. Uh, here is the agenda tonight, and then we'll talk hold, about Hold on, one last question now. Yeah. You were giving out ways of payment, but do you pay in person? So hypothetically, yeah. if I cast, could I literally walk to the other tower and collect right yes, after? Yes, yes, you could. You could walk over here. You could, and, and people who want to stalk me at the limit event tomorrow, the fifteen hundred dollar limit at four p.m. If you win something in the free roll, you can come over and demand your money and say, "Pay me now, and I'll give you the money." I, I, I even gave people advice last show that uh, for those of you that listen to the show that hate me or that uh, want to serve me with papers, or even if you want to you know, bring a gun to the Rio and shoot me, uh, what you need to do is, is go to the Limit Hold'em event, because you know I'll be there. You know I'm not going to miss a $1,500 Limit Hold'em event. And, and it's not a huge field event like the Colossus where it's hard to find someone. So that, that's you know, where to do it. Suicide King's uh, mother-in-law, that's, that's her best event. So we have no <laughs> shot. <laughs> yeah, she, Suicide King's mother-in-law apparently did better than both Brandon and I in the, in the Colossus. But we'll, we'll get to that shortly. Uh, if you want to call into the show, the phone number is 775-FRAUD-55, 775-372-8355. You can also call the Mount Charleston line. Mount Charleston is a mountain kind of near Las Vegas. I have an old 70s rotary telephone sitting on top of the mountain, which I visit every so often, and it forwards to wherever I am. You need to call 
And no matter which number you call, you need to show your caller ID. If you want to text me during the show, I will read your texts on the air unless you ask me not to. That is the same as the main phone number, 775-372-8355. These numbers are also listed in the thread for the radio show on Flying Stupidity in case you forget those numbers. If you're listening live, you can go into the chat room. You need a flash-enabled device to be able to participate in the chat room. You also need a forum account to be able to get in there and then you can chat with the other people who are listening live. I don't read it that much because I'm busy doing the show. And if you call up and we don't take your call, just try back in about 15 minutes, and we probably will. It just means we're busy. But don't hammer us over and over, or else I won't take your call at all. Someone just logged on to the chat name Rapist, or at least onto the, the site as Rapist. So there's a rapist on this site, apparently. That's, that's very nice. Uh, we we also have a Sam Grizzle Jan Fisher baby is the he's back and you know that's he my actually, favorite new name of 2015. Well, he by won the, way. the free roll last week, and boy was this guy aggressive about getting paid. I mean, he was he was hassling me constantly. When are you going to pay me? When are you gonna pay? like? I mean, yes, I've been slow paying people occasionally, but this guy he was all over me. But I I did pay him. He did qualify. Some people said he shouldn't have qualified. He did. He 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 met the requirements. But uh, yeah, sometimes I'm just busy. But I, I did send him the money today, the fifty five dollars he was owed for winning last week. A- anyway, we're glad to have him on the site and everybody else. There's some uh, some guy who just signed up today to the forum and has been posting about his experiences in uh, in Cambodia. Uh, interesting thread. So anyway. Check out the forum if you haven't yet. And here's the agenda for tonight. We have a lot to talk about, as we often do during the World Series time. And uh, we will, before all this, talk about the fail at the Rio before we get going with everything else. But speaking of fail, remember last week I said there's no chance the Colossus World Series of Poker event, the one expecting 20,000 or so people, would go off without a lot of major fail occurring. I, what is this? I think someone's pranking my room. Let's see this. Hello? Yeah, someone's actually prank. Someone's pranking the room. Good job, you found me. Someone someone called the Rio. I'm checking the phone off the hook. So someone called the Rio and uh, asked for my room and then just shouted something when I answered the phone. I'm sorry you guys couldn't hear the shout. Didn't that happen, uh, like, last summer when you yeah, were in real you know, hammering at you? I, I'm always careful to say where I am, like, to not to say where I am, partially for this reason, because I know we're going to get things like this during the show. But now now you guys can't get through. Now the only way to bother me is to figure out what room I'm in, which is much tougher, and bang on the door. That's the only way you're going to bother me now. The phone's well, up. You know, it is, it is Rio. They, they, hey, what the, what room is Todd with Tallison? <laughs> One second, we'll connect you to, you know. Yeah, yeah. So, okay, so, so at the Colossus event... Here's a big list I'm going to give you, and then we're going to talk about each one of them, of the different fails that occurred. Okay. Uh, some are more severe than others, but, uh, boy, this was mostly a mess. They did do some things right. I'll give them credit where it was due when it's necessary to give that, but there's a lot also to give them anti-credit. So here are some various fails that occurred during the major Colossus event that was $565 buy-in that was expected to attract about 20,000 people. Uh, first of all, they actually planned to sell out. They didn't make enough room for what they expected in number of players. They actually planned to sell it out and didn't make enough starting days and just figured whoever shows up after the sellout can play one of these late flights where they start as late as level 7. <laughs> okay? Seth Polanski, who was operating the 
at WSOP account on Twitter. Um, some people were expressing unhappiness with the coverage of the World Series, not even about this event, but about the coverage of the World Series of Poker events that uh, Poker News is no longer doing. And uh, they ended up in, here, Druff. They, they ended up in a big fight back and forth over Twitter. <laughs> the the pre-registration while that did guarantee you a seat to start the regular level one flights of colossus people thought oh i'm pre-registering that means i'm pretty much good to go so i won't have to stand in these ridiculous lines no once again we had the six hour pre-registration lines when people got to the world series to convert their pre-registration into regular registration <laughs> of course this was a full table event a lot of people who play events like this especially recreational players are not comfortable playing shorthanded no limit hold'em a lot of them have no clue because when they play in their games at their local casinos it's nine or ten handed well despite the fact that this was sold out so early a lot of people were playing at three- and four-handed tables during Flight B, and maybe even Flight C, uh, because of the way that they processed those who canceled because they played in an earlier flight. <laughs> Speaking of canceled seats, if, let's say, you played, let's say you bought into all four flights and you liked how you were doing in the A flight, so you didn't need the B, C, or D, so you canceled them. What happens to those seats? Well, you know, like on Flight B, they just sat empty. So I asked the WSOP Twitter account, can I buy one of those canceled seats? Because I knew I wouldn't get to Vegas in time before the whole thing would sell out. And I didn't want to play one of those late flights. I didn't want to play one of those where I start on level four or seven. I said, how about the canceled ones? Can I buy one of those? And I was told, absolutely not. We're trying to be fair to everybody registering. Therefore, we are not reselling canceled seats. Well, guess what? I did start on level one. I did get a seat to 5D six hours after it was sold out. How did I do that? Well, somehow I got one of the canceled seats that I wasn't supposed to get. <laughs> and, and most people couldn't get that. Just randomly certain people were able to get it, and I lucked into it. Well, speaking of lucking into it, let's say you made it all the way to first place, which means you're probably not a Poker Fraud Alert uh, forum poster because all of us are gone now, but uh, whoever makes first place probably was envisioning before this was announced that they're going to get really, really rich. I mean, 22,000 people, which is the number they got, 22,000 and some odd people entered. Uh, even at uh, only a $565 buy-in, you had to think you're making a seven-figure payday. So they announced the first place prize money, and everyone thought it had to be a mistake because the first place prize money, I, I believe, was uh, $638,000. <laughs> <laughs> And, and by the way, that was a, a whopping 5.7% of the prize pool. So you win the whole thing, you outlast 22,000-plus people, and you get uh, $638,000. Everyone was furious about that. You can make about half that playing the Aria 125, apparently. <laughs> so so the uh, this is not a fail on the part of the World Series. This next thing is a fail on the part of this site. I like to think that we don't have a bunch of fish on this site. But apparently we do, myself included and Brandon included. We had at least 10 forum members playing in the Colossus event. It's the most by far that we've ever had in one World Series event from this forum. And I know we had other people who listened to the radio show, a lot of other people, who also entered, some of whom 
you know, tweeted about it in some way. And I'm sure plenty of people who have said nothing about how they listen to this show, but they do. And I, I'm not exactly. And, and shout out to uh, Anonymous. He went uh, at least three bullets, possibly four. Yeah. I mean, yeah. you and I just did one bullet. Right. Uh, yeah, right. So so first of all, of the ten, only one person cashed, and that was Suicide King. But ha- however, his wife managed to cash and his mother-in-law got close to cashing. <laughs> but but the rest of us not only did we not cash but none of us even came close a few of us made like day two with a short stack but when i say us i don't include myself or brandon i i didn't even make it to the second break brandon made it even less than i did uh anonymous i think made three or four shots at it and didn't get close than any of them uh we've had a number a number of our other members did a few shots at this so so i mean we've had a lot of buy-ins on this site and the only one of of people who post on this forum that cashed was uh suicide king and he actually finished 255th which usually 255th you go uh Big deal, uh, 255th, what's that? Well, that's 255th out of like 22,000. So he outlasted almost 90% or 99% of the field, which is pretty impressive. I'm not even sure how much he got, but it was, uh, I think it was close to 10,000, so, somewhere in that neighborhood. So good job, Suicide King. And uh, everybody else, we, we failed big time, and we embarrassed Poker Fraudler. Honestly, you know, thank God for Suicide King. If he wasn't here, we would have batted zero, and we would have just looked horrible. We would have looked like a, a forum full of uh, the biggest fish. So... Back to the fails on the part of the World Series. If you did cash in the World Series and, you know, you bust out, you're in the money, you kind of have mixed feelings. Don't you hate it, Brandon, when you, like, min cash and they tell you congratulations? Yeah. Yeah, it's really annoying because, like, like you've totally not done what you want to. The only way I'd feel like a congratulations are in order a little bit is if I, I had, like, no chance to go on and I just, like, nursed a tiny, tiny, tiny stack to the bubble and then you know busted. What? got a good example for you in yeah. the uh, first event i played the 08 uh late in day one i mean really really late like nine levels in uh genie and this is with about 500 people left genie had two big blinds oh, left wow. she was really just saying you know just wait for me let's get up i'm gonna go and i'm gonna be out soon and she ended up doubling up then tripling up and i mean she just she just already said it was over and she ended up playing uh, for another three hours that night, wow. plus about seven hours the next day. Oh boy! And finished eighty uh, first. Wow. So then, when they said congratulations to her, she she was happy. She, yeah, I mean, she basically yeah. was free rolling. Yeah, yeah. She she I mean, she, she performed she way above herself out. Right. You know, when she had she literally didn't have enough for another orbit to go to go by. No, so I understand. She's just, yeah. Like it's done. Yeah. She would have easily taken half of her buy in. So when she got almost double her buy in back, I think she min cash for like twenty eight hundred something like that. She was happy. Yeah. Said congratulations to yeah, that's fine. But yeah, otherwise it's kind of annoying. But anyway, uh, at least after they congratulate you, you know that all you have to do is go collect your money, which is a little bit of a process, but not that long. And then you can go back to your oh, room. No, 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 the computers aren't working. Yeah. You can go back to your room or whatever you want to do. Go eat. No. Uh, apparently of the 1,700 or so first people who busted at a, at, in, the, in the money, that is. So like they paid about 2,200 something spots, 10% of the field. Uh, all but the like top 500 finishers, you know, the 1700 who busted, who made the money, but didn't get past like the top 500. Of course, a big line starts up because yeah, as soon as the bubble bursts, you know, people start busting really fast. And so a, a big line builds up, which you expect that they can't really help. But what they could help was that people are waiting and waiting and waiting. And after 193 people had their cash outs processed, 1500 people were still in line. And guess what? 
the computer was unable to continue processing cash outs because, quote, it was too much information for the computer to handle. (laughs) So those 1,500 couldn't cash out. I don't even know if they've resolved it yet. Next thing. What if you got a refund because you entered all four flights and did well in the first one? You you didn't want to play the other three, which was very much your right to do, and they, they made sure you understood that, that you can register for all four, and you are entitled to a refund on whatever you don't play. So it's not like these people are, are having to make exceptions for them. This is part of the policy. Uh, the refunds are being handled poorly, according to a player on Twitter, who says that they are refusing to give him a refund because they are incorrectly showing that he already played, and he's heard of other incidents like this occurring as well. <laughs> and, and finally, I, I haven't looked about how many people are left at this point, uh, but somehow they believed that with a massive number of people entering day three, which is today, that they're going to play down to the final table today? (laughs) So other than that, it's going great. Other than that, they did a bang-up job with this. So we'll, we'll talk in more detail shortly. Other World Series news. The World Series of Poker is not doing a very good job with chip count reporting and hand reporting. Uh, poker news, people used to give them, give them such a hard time, people thought they weren't doing a good job. And to be honest, they, they had a very tough job to do and they didn't have that big of a staff to do it. So I totally have to defend poker news on that one. But, you know, if some people were unhappy that the coverage wasn't as good as it was during the heyday of poker in 2005, 2006, when there was enough money in the whole thing to uh, support these huge news staffs. But people are wishing and hoping and this, praying that poker news is- comes back. This is the thing. I thought, and I was entirely wrong, was that what they were going to do was they were going to take, you know, their, I don't know, maybe 30, 40 pros, you know, top pros are in an event like, you know, just Todd Brunson and uh, Jennifer Harm, you know, just the names that people know. Yeah. And they were going to follow them. But what I've noticed is even those players, uh, you know, the TV pros, as I like to call them, that the public likes to follow – they're going four, five, sometimes seven, eight hours without even updating them. Yeah. So, so which just, is, I mean, not even the people that you know, the Phil Helmuth, for example, <laughs> yesterday. I mean, I know, I know, a lot of people don't care, but he was in the Deuce to Seven tournament. That it was a ten k Deuce to Seven limit tournament, and there are people that you know, like myself, that want to follow that, and they went hours and hours, and they didn't update his stack, and I mean, just. It's preposterous. Yeah, I don't so get it. There's pretty much no coverage this year. So that's uh, people no, are angry about awful. that. So then uh, here's another World Series fail, which is not about the tournament itself, but it's about the online site associated with the tournament. In fact, that a tournament will take place on this site, WSOP.com Nevada. It, it's pretty much a ghost town, despite over 20,000 people in town just for the Colossus. Okay, I, I'm going to break my rule and, and answer this call. This person's been hammering me. With calls here. Uh, Caller, you're, you're on the air. You've, you've been calling a lot of times in a row. I hope it's important. <laughs> hey, Todd, it's anonymous. Anonym, anonymous. Now, you've heard so many times they say don't hammer the phone lines. I don't know why you're hammering No, but here. you know what? It's, it's my fault no, because no. I invited him to co host with okay. us and I didn't know the number. He was texting okay. me. Okay, I'll, I'll, so. give him a pa- I'll give him a pass. I will yeah, give him a he's pass. Gonna let, let the kids stay on. You know, I think he should. We're all at the Rio in different corners. Yeah. You know? Yeah, we're all at different parts of the Rio. Okay. <laughs> Okay, so Anonymous, well, welcome to the show. He's, a, I guess, a, a co-co-host tonight. And uh, what, uh, Anonymous, what, what tower well, are you in? Oh, te- temporarily. Uh, I'm in over in Masquerade. 
Oh, oh you're so near you're, me. You're in the fail tower with Brandon. Okay, so what floor are yeah, you on? Yeah, I'm, I'm on the pet. I'm on the pet floor floor five. Oh wow, he's on the. Oh pet. yikes! That's, well, that's even worse. worse. That's even worse, Brandon. You could yeah. be down there. This is the pet tower. That, that was a that was a that was a bit of a Rio fail right there. Well, how, how does it smell? It a, I, I booked it. It smells terrible. I booked it as a smoking room, and I have my preference on my total rewards at the smoking. I go to check in, and I go, your preference is non-smoking, right? You have, we have a non-smoking room oh, for you. Boy. I'm like, no, it's smoking. And I go, well, what do you – and I'm like, it's listed as my preference, and I booked it as smoking. And then they go back into the system, and they're like, well, all that's available is on the pet floor. And I'm wow. like, oh, whatever. So. Awful. You but yeah, I have a uh, a real fail story that I was okay. talking about. Okay, we're, we're about to get we're about to get you, uh... we're about to get to that. But but uh, by the way, I want to give you a suggestion, a Jew suggestion that uh, unless you're getting this comped, uh, I would definitely demand a, a healthy portion of your bill back for this mess up if you can prove that you know it, that you had the reservation. And they, it's a, a pet floor is that's just totally unacceptable. That's not. It's well, not if even. If you like get us room comped, apparently it doesn't matter because they can't uh, yeah. promise you nothing. Is, is your room comped? Or are you yeah, paying for? Are you paying for? Or is it comped? I'm paying for it. Okay, well, you, you should definitely get something back for that. I'm not even kidding. Okay, so take Trump downstairs with you. He already knows everybody. Yeah, down yeah. The I'll, I'll give you some assistance. They'll say, "Oh, not this guy again." So, all right. So, <laughs> so, so anyway, uh, the, the uh, WSOP.com Nevada. There was not last night a single person sitting at any limit hold'em game, low or high or medium, on the entire site. And this is a few days before the World Series of Poker limit hold'em event and. With the Colossus event, with most of the people busted out, you, there should have been a lot of people on. Even the no limits were more active than usual, but but it was still overall a fail site. It's just not getting people on there, and and we'll you know talk about why maybe. Uh, well, fi- finally, the the um, world uh, for the last World Series story is not about the World Series itself, but uh, I made a tweet that apparently got some popularity. That it was mentioned in Poker News about where I said that trying to guess the number of people who would enter the Colossus. Is like, or no, who are trying to guess the number of people that have entered so far because they weren't updating it well, uh, is like trying to guess the number of jelly beans in a big jar. So not only did Poker News seize on this and mention it, and you know, they credited me, but two plus two actually had a contest where they mentioned me my name, showed my tweet, and said, you know what, this is actually a good idea. Let's have a contest where you guess the, the jelly bean jar contest, where you guess how many entrants are going to be in there, and there's some kind of prize, and this is on a s- site that I'm banned on. <laughs> so that's what, two, that's what 2 plus 2 did. So I, Didn't the WSOP have some sort of jelly bean contest one year for something? They, I don't know. I don't know. They might have. So, uh, yeah, okay. so uh, update on Amanda Leatherman. Uh, we called her at the – we tried to call her oh, – uh, rough, real fast. I'm getting uh, three texts so far, and uh, I'll just read one of them to you because uh, they basically all say the same – Brandon, please do me a favor. Walk over to that goddamn Empanema Tower and break Druff's laugh track button on the computer. They, they, they think you're going a little hectic with the laugh track tonight. Right, I'll, I'll keep that in mind. I'll keep that in mind. Okay, I'm I, just I, giving you the feedback. Okay, the no, I count. understand. I understand. It's uh, uh-huh. their words, not yours. But okay, we're not running Bitcoin uh, Bitcoin show here, Brian. You know, the people <laughs> you know matter. Okay, uh, the uh, Amanda Leatherman. We're gonna have an update on her about her show. That what we've discovered about it. Uh, what we suspected last week turned out to be true. In fact, more true than I even realized at the time. Uh, Maria Ho has quit her job as commentator of the Heartland Poker Tour. We'll talk a bit about that. Vanessa Russo, we mentioned last week that she is in a lesbian relationship, and it seems like no other news outlet or forum. We found info tonight yeah. from a source. We did. We found that, too. 
And uh, actually, I, I already knew that. In fact, I was I already posted that. I think most of that info already. Uh, but yeah, we found out that her lesbian relationship goes a lot further back than most people realize. And I also found something weird related to an old YouTube video that she made with poker stars that she may, uh, I, I can't say really say she did this, but she seemed to have a very close relationship with another girl during the same time she was in this relationship, which I'll play you guys a clip of that. This is a YouTube video from 2013. Brandon had a world series of poker encounter with Mark Hoke. Seriously serious asked, what's with you guys and Mark Hoke? Do you have like some kind of history with him? No, 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 no. We, we have nothing against Mark Hoke. We've just mentioned. No, we like the guy, actually. Yeah, we we, we like Mark Hoke. Not at all. It's just a funny thing. Yeah, we've just been messing around about his show, but we have no problem with him. But uh, Brandon actually got to meet him, and uh, he'll talk a bit about his encounter with Mark I Hoke. I posted a picture. I, yeah. We hugged each other. Yeah, he, well, you're giving it away. But yeah, Brandon will talk oh. about his encounter. Uh, I, I'm going to talk about my never-ending battle that goes back years with the Rio housekeeping supervisors. It's it's me versus the, not the housekeepers themselves, not the ones who actually clean the room, but the supervisors, the managers of the housekeeping department have a passive-aggressive battle with me that's been going on for years, and the war continued during this hotel stay. I'll talk about what's been going on with that. Dennis Hastert, who was behind the 2006 UIGEA, the thing that uh, officially made running an online poker site illegal in the United States. It turned out that uh, he paid a $3.5 million bribe to what looks like a former student of his when he used to be a teacher, a male student, that it appears that he had some kind of sexual relationship with. (laughs) Don't get too mad, guys. That's not the laugh track. That's a different sound effect. I have a right to play that. So that's... uh, People are... poker calling out the hypocrisy here that someone trying to kill online poker for morality reasons was uh having a sexual relationship with a boy who was probably underage and and then paid a lot of money to cover it up and is now in some trouble not about that but uh uh but about actually about the money that he was paying out that he wasn't reporting it they, they got him on some kind of technicality with that we'll talk a bit about that a hundred five twenty five dollar aria tournament player you know, you you enter a $125 tournament at the Aria, you're not exactly balling. And uh, you may dream about playing the huge tournament, like the 25K with all the pros, but you probably never will. Unless you just decide to take your chips over there and play in the 25K tournament anyway, which is exactly You know what's what... funny, though? Real fast, a little side. Sometimes I get on these little Wikipedia, just internet, whatever loops, where I'll read about something, then click on something else. So, uh... Anyhow, I was reading something about Robert Williamson. He uh, remember the you know yeah, guy, yeah. another TV pro. Yeah, PLO. He, he, he got cheated badly on UB too. Yes, and uh, I was reading there was an article about how he went into business with one of the real housewives of something. What is it, Orange County or the? I, I don't yeah, know. Something a, like that. Some reality yeah, show. There's a number of them. They, they made some kind of vodka together. I don't even know how this fucking collaboration began. <laughs> But there, there was a lawsuit about it, and it recently got settled, and uh, he, he won. She basically scammed him. Wow. And uh, so then it just made me think, oh, shit, I haven't seen this guy in forever. So I clicked on another link and another link, and it brought me to his hand and mob page. And I was looking at it, and it was really amazing because it seems, since, like, the last three or four years, he's just continually grinded that ARIA tournament. 
Yeah, we've During talked about that on we've, Fridays and Saturdays. We've talked about that before. We, we were actually going through a number of pros that we hadn't heard of in a while, and we're looking them up, and we found things like Robert Williamson playing these small tournaments. Oh, okay. And then yeah. another one was Kenna James. Like, literally almost every cash he's had in the last five years is those ARIA $125 tournaments. So, again, the question, you know, I propose, and, you know, we talk shop. I mean, we just talk to talk. Do you think that means someone like that is broke? Or is yes. he enjoying it? Yes, for sure. I mean, just because he likes, you know, he just likes those little tournaments no. and it's recreational. No, because then you, you would think see he's him, low on money. No, then you'd see him a lot in bigger ones too. If it's, if you're liking the recreational ones, you're also going to play the big ones. If that's the reason. If, if and he hasn't played the big ones. He hasn't I don't, the big I don't ones. know. He hasn't cashed. You're just anything. not seeing. Yeah, right. You, you, whenever these people you're seeing, they're entering low buy-in tournaments. All of a sudden, you'll never see that along with big buy-in tournaments. Uh, you'll you'll just never see it. You'll always right. see that it just shifts to that, and that's nobody just voluntarily. Nobody in poker just says. You know what? Even though I have plenty of money and I've been doing very well, I'm just going to stop playing these big buy-in ones and shift to the low buy-in. Now, some people will say well, I'm going to – An example is, though, I mean, when I went to St. Martin for the card player thing with my friends, none of the tournaments were huge. They were all, like, between the $300 and $500 buy-in range. So I cashed in a $375 Omaha tournament. So that doesn't mean I'm broke. No, just... but but you're playing once in a while. You're not you're not grinding this every day. Oh, yeah, no, no. I've, That's the uh, thing. Yeah. That's the thing. It's, it's it's fine to play one. Yeah, like I'm not saying it's wrong to play them. And you know, and also I understand people who don't want to play like the 25ks anymore, or it's just too much money. But when you do a massive reduction, an order of magnitude reduction in the buy-ins you're doing, and, the, and then you play them regularly, it's just not. If if you can afford to play those big buy-in ones, it's just not fun to go play regularly and grind 125 dollars buy-in tournaments. It's just not, not for me, not for anybody. Yeah. So, uh, I'm not. You know, if that's if you're just a recreational player or if you don't have enough money and that's what you have to enter, that's fine. I'm not putting down those tournaments. I'm putting. I'm just saying that it's clear that anyone who is playing much bigger and then now is suddenly playing those is because of money 100% of the time. So uh, let's so, – so, yeah, so we'll talk about the the weird things happening at the hour. We're still doing what we're talking about. I thought we were already doing this show right now. No, no. The first hour of the show is always talking about what we're going to talk about. <laughs> that's, uh, that's the order yeah, of the show. Yeah, don't forget, though. I know we don't have that uh... – What's the kid, Trader Joe? The, the, a trader, the young boy? A, tra- a trader ski, yeah. But we have Animus here with us, so let's Anonymous. keep him yeah, Anonymous, yeah. Not, so, yeah, know, he can take Trader Ski's place. Uh, yeah, trader the, other ski, host, the other host fell asleep on us last week, so let's not have that happen again. You know, Trader Ski actually, <laughs> well, he, te- he texted me after this, after this, uh, where he was the co-host and actually fell asleep, and every once in a while, every once in a while he woke up and muttered something and then went back to sleep. Uh, he, he, he listened to the show after then, and he said he thought it was hilarious. He, he thought it was really funny what happened. So, uh, well, I, I actually don't have much time because I'm just waiting on a first round buy. Oh, I probably got about a half hour. Or so, man. okay, we're second priority. I see. Okay, so yeah, uh, we'll get to you in a second though about the what your Rio fail. Final topic we're going to talk about tonight: Los Angeles has not had a football team in a long time. We used to have two, and now we have zero. It's a, a big reduction. It, it's uh, it, it's kind of like the same way as like when you have a girlfriend. And then there's some other girl who really, really wants you, and you, you like you, you know, if it's something happens to the first girlfriend, then no. uh, you always have the backup who will date you after that. Yeah. And then one day, like not only does your your girlfriend break up with you, but then the one who you wanted you all this time, she doesn't want you anymore either, and you have nobody. That's kind of like the L.A. football situation. But Hollywood Park's horse track, which I, I've been to a number of times, uh, it is no longer. It closed a while ago, and they blew up the grandstands in an implosion. In possible pre- preparation of the San Diego Chargers or maybe another team coming to play there in Inglewood, California. So that's we'll talk a bit about that. You know, you call me Chris. You ever one more time, I'm gonna knock you out. 
<laughs> you remember where that's from? Yes, the, yes, the, the Jim Rome reference. Yeah, and then Jim Everett fucking all hell broke loose. There, there was rumors that that was staged, though, so I don't know. I don't know. There's rumors about it, so... You know, I never liked that guy. That guy always irritated me. Really, you know, it, it's—I've never been a Jim Rome fan. I—I—I I, I just... I, I listen occasionally. I, I don't—I don't dislike him, but I'm not one of these obsessed fans. I just like—I'll turn it on occasionally. I—I I, I guess I—I I can enjoy him in limited doses, but it does get on my nerves after a while. Uh, but uh, Jim Rome, uh, something a lot of people don't know about him—he's really, really short. He's like five foot three or something. Kind of like Tom Cruise. They always put him on those with those. Uh, heels, what do they call it? The things that increase uh, the ele- your... elevator shoes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like Tom Cruise is like five foot four. Jim Rome actually went to the same school I did just before me, like the same uh, college that is. He went, but I wasn't there with him. He's older than me. Did he have a problem with getting the the meal price that he paid for at the buffet at the college? He, he probably uh, he probably did. He he probably said he probably said, "Oh, I just paid seven dollars <laughs> zero to get this meal." <laughs> That's cute. So, so okay, uh, that's our agenda tonight. We've got Anonymous for the next half hour until he goes and does something more important to him. And uh, uh, let's let's, be, let's begin with a, with a Rio fail. Okay, Anonymous, you you take it away. Tell us what happened to you besides being stuck on the pet state floor. Yeah, so I'm playing the 1K buy-in satellite for the 10K heads-up tournament tomorrow. Um, and basically, what happened is I I went to take my seat at 7:45. It starts at eight. Um, the dealers had no idea where people were supposed to sit. They labeled the, the seats one, two, three, four on the cards, but they had nowhere to, they had no idea where to sit. Tournament directors kept walking by and they just kept completely ignoring the dealers. Then after about, uh, like 30 minutes, we're already 15 minutes past. They finally put everything up on the TV, the Bravo and everything and show that there's like 80 some players registered. Um, they said that they were waiting for more players to register and then another 45 minutes passes by. With just nothing. We're all just sitting at the table. Tournament was supposed to start an hour ago. And then the guy goes, we need to redraw because we did not draw this right ahead of time. So basically to balance it out, you know, during a heads-up tournament, usually you go 64, 32, 16. Yeah, yeah, there's yeah, more yeah. you draw yeah, down. It, the yeah, it, yeah, it has to be like a power of two. Yeah, you go ahead. Yeah, and, and they they hadn't accounted for that. They just completely ignored that and just gave people random seats. So after about a total of an hour of just sitting there at the table at this 1K buy-in um, satellite. Um, they just said, you know what, screw it. We're going to redraw. If you want to unregister, the line's over there. So, so, how, long was it? so how long were you guys they gave sitting? Everybody how long were you sitting? And wait. So, everybody, they, so you signed up for this this uh, the, the satellite. Uh, it's a heads-up tournament. And, and you just sat for an hour after it was supposed to start, just waiting, 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 and nothing was going on. And then, and then they said, we've got to redraw it. Is that pretty much what went on? Yeah, and then they basically said, there's the line, we're giving you 15 minutes to unregister. <laughs> so they they gave everybody 15 minutes. It, it had it ended up having like 89-some people in it, and then a good maybe like 40 people just instantly hit the line. Just but then it was still the, was still the wrong more number. People started lining up. But it was still the wrong number. It's like 49. You're supposed to have like a power of two, like uh, to where you can have uh, um, people that uh, – you know, so you can have not only enough heads-up tables, but but to where when those people win, that they can move on and play each other. Otherwise, you have too many buys. So they're trying to do it where it's uh, it can perfectly move down. So what do they do with the extras? Just give them buys? 
Uh, yeah, right now that's where I'm at right now. Is I'm just on a buy, waiting for my. Right. my well, uh, I guess it helped you. First round I guess it helped you though because you you get like a free win. Uh, I guess technically, yeah, I have to play one less match, which is nice. So yeah. I can't really complain in that regards. But the the way this whole thing's been handled, because essentially when they did the redraw, they just said everybody line up over there, and then we're going to hand you a card. Then they handed everybody cards, and we all go to our tables. I noticed I didn't have opponents. Three of the tables, each table is supposed to have four players, two heads-up matches. Three of the tables ended up having five players trying to sit down at the table. <laughs> so then we had to sit down, and they had to figure out what to do with all those extra players. And then after that, I, I noticed I still had a bye, and I sat there for like 10, 15 minutes, and everybody else with the bye there sat there for 10, 15 minutes while everyone's playing. And it's like, can you tell us what we're supposed to do? What no, they never, they never give any, there's never any communication. It's like the Monster Stack last year when, when my day two table was a cash table, and I'm like, okay, this is a cash table. What am I supposed to do? The what? Like nobody knew. Like, and it turned out like tons of others – you know, 10 tables were cash tables and they shouldn't have been. So you have like 90 people, including me, with nowhere to go and no direction, no announcements. They're just sitting and waiting. They haven't started it yet, but the, everyone's sitting there waiting, wondering what the hell's going on. No direction. There's such poor communication. And I don't know why. Why not just get on the mic and say, okay, there's been a mistake. Uh, some people's tables have been our cash tables at the moment. We're working to fix it. Please wait. Please come there here if you've got this problem. Nothing. You just... You just wander around to try to find what to do. It was uh, so. This doesn't surprise me. They, for some reason, they never communicate in these situations. Yeah, there's just been zero communication in a lot of things. I mean, there's been they handled the Colossus really well, but then I, I've noticed that too. That just well, you haven't heard my list of where something's wrong and there's no communication. You haven't heard my list of what went wrong. The, the Colossus, I, I, we're going to cover that shortly. But the Colossus was kind of good and bad, and that that once they recovered from the initial fail, then a while, then for a while they did okay, and and the whole thing seemed to run smoothly, and then they started to fail big time again. So we're going to talk about all the different things that happened, good and bad. I, I just listed the bad of the, the intro to the show but okay so that, that's uh, what happened to you now brandon are you still here well i'm here i'm here yeah so what happened so we're let's talk again about your room so 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 brandon well you were there with me yeah i, I mean you i can stories better so you can okay you I, know, tell I, everyone about, about the rooms you tell them okay tell I'll, I'll tell you guys so i i've suggested before on this show of the two towers in the rio while they like to tell you that the masquerade is the newer and better tower it's not uh it may be newer but it's not better so what you, the, the Ipanema Tower is better for so many reasons. The, most, the biggest two reasons are the elevators are better, and yep. it's much closer to the, where the World Series takes place, which is why you're at the Rio in the first place. They so, ain't got no pet towers and no Ipanema either. That's true, too. There's no, there's no pet stay rooms as far as I know. So anyway, uh, it just kicked me out of my own chat room, by the way, for no reason. But uh, hopefully Don't it's not spam a spam. It. it says if you spam it, it kicked you out. I think I was too inactive, and it's like, it's like frozen now. Wow. Okay, well, I'll, I'll have to go back in my own chat room. That's, that's, that's always nice when my own chat room kicks me. But anyway, uh, the, the I always tell people stay at the M&E. Well, I guess the secret's getting out, maybe thanks partially to me. But uh, the Ipanema, it's getting harder and harder to get rooms. They're now, Brandon, you can't book the Ipanema Tower. So, But he booked a room which was listed as a luxury Samba suite. And Brad, I live in Las Vegas, too, now. Yeah, too. yeah. He just did this for convenience, so uh, so so he can easily go there, you know, to and from the events. I guess the whole but room. Also the camaraderie with you and the radio show and dinner and you know brotherhood. Yeah, I, I think like the whole I, I think the whole site crashed. By the way, so if, if you guys uh, got kicked out of the chat room, just go back in. 
I see everyone's coming back in. Yeah, the whole chat room crashed for whatever reason. Yeah. But anyway, uh, yeah, the so so yeah, he took a, a room over here just because that's where everybody is, even though he lives in Las Vegas, and he reserved a comp luxury samba suite. Which I've stated one before. It was decent. It looked like a real suite. It wasn't like a super luxury suite, but uh, it was listed as 890 square feet, which is about what I remembered it. And uh, so, so they gave that to him, and he was hoping to get one maybe in uh, in the Ipanema Tower. But at least he knew if he ended up in the Masquerade Tower, at least he'd have a nice room. So he gets there, and uh, first they tell him there's no rooms in Ipanema, period, suite or otherwise, which was very surprising with 99 percent or more of the. Colossus field gone. So you have 22,000 people. 99% or more are out. You think most of them just packed up and left. So how could there be no rooms in the Ipanema? So that, that was the first weird thing. But they gave him the masquerade, and he said, okay, well, I'm getting a Samba suite, right? And they said, yes. So he went up there, and the Samba suite in uh, that he gets in the masquerade tower was not a suite at all. It was just a regular hotel room with two queens. There was nothing. And you came up into the room, so you have the proof. Of yes, life. I, you I, saw. I went up there. It's just, it's totally a regular hotel room. In fact, I'm telling you, it is smaller than my Ipanema Tower regular room. I don't have a suite or now, anything. Now, for those that don't understand the way I book rooms, um, I'm only a, I'm a mere diamond member now. I'm not a, a seven star like Druff. The last year or so, I've concentrated. Uh, my energies into uh, trying to get a decent status over at MGM properties because their rooms uh, are much better. And although I do live in Las Vegas and you know, you'd say, well, why do you care about that? Why do you need rooms? But I have a lot of friends, a lot of family that come to town and I like having that perk. Um, and then sometimes even myself, you know, I, I want to just go to the Bellagio for a night and kind of, you know, maybe stay out late and not have to, if I want to have a drink, don't have to drive, just, you know, it's a nice perk. So I've been concentrating a lot of my energy on that. So but what I do, and it's very, very simple, I don't even deal with hosts anymore. I just literally log into uh, Total Rewards, and uh, I have so many offers they still send me, such as, like, you know, stay for three nights and get a Kindle or, you know, stay for three nights and get an Android device or free play. Um, I can always find an offer to use at any of their properties and do that. Or I could just put in the property individually and, and book it without an offer, without using a host. And then what it does is it will show you by default. Say I said, you know, I suggest the dates. Then I say I want to stay at the Rio. Then by default, it will list all the rooms that are available starting with the least most expensive room, even though it's a comp. So it will just say like classic king. Okay, then after that, it would be followed by classic two queens. Then it would be like king with mountain view. And then by default, it just goes to the highest price room that they're willing to comp, which was the Samba Luxury uh, Queens, two beds. They're actually were out of kings. So I booked this about a week ago, and I walk in here, and I'm like, this can't be right. I mean, this room is just – it's awful. It's very small, and it's just – it's, it's you know, it's, it's just – it's very, very tiny. It, it looks like it's relatively been refurbished, like in the last five years. I mean, the Rio's been around now for – God, almost about 20 years. About 20 years, yeah. Was, yeah. So, but still, it, it, it's a complete fail. There's no view like I was promised. So, Druff comes up immediately and, you know, takes one look and says, nope, this isn't right. My room is better than this. No, this isn't right at all, Brandon. We're not going to tolerate this. So, <laughs> I call downstairs and, you know, Druff's next to me. I talk with a nice uh, Hispanic lady who uh, puts me on hold for 10 minutes and then comes back to confirm, yes, Mr. Brondon, you are, you are in the right Samba room. 
So then, you know, Druff is still saying, I'm a great nut. This isn't right. We can't tolerate this. So we go downstairs to uh, the uh, Diamond uh, check-in, Diamond Seven Star check-in. And a uh, nice little young gentleman who thinks he's going to go somewhere in this company is there. And he's typing away at his computer. And he's like, well, no, you're you're in the right room. And then uh, I'm like, well, but there's no view. It, it's not as big as it's supposed to be. And he's insisting, well, you know, the views we can't promise, even though I'm like, that's what it says. Luxury. Well, here's, here's the ridiculous part. They were claiming now yes. that any regular room in the masquerade tower that's been renovated is a Samba suite. <laughs> I don't care if you don't like the laugh track, and that's a, that, that's what, that's what I felt like doing when I when I heard this. So so they have apparently renamed. So making, making a long story short, um, or trying to anyhow, uh, he shows me a picture. He turns his monitor that's facing him towards Druff and I, and he says, "Look, no, it's only six hundred square feet. You know, this is the room, and, and it says Samba. It says Deluxe Samba, uh, two queens or whatever." And then I start showing them the reservation, but look, look at your own reservation that you sent me. It's a luxury Samba suite. It's different. It's not a deluxe. It's not. And then, you know, he's typing, he's looking, I'm showing him like, you know, Rio reservation room, the lot, you know, luxury Samba suite says it right there. Looking at his computer, he's typing, he's looking, and he looks at Druff, and I says, we don't carry that room, sir. Yeah, yeah, we don't have a luxury Samba suite. And Brandon's like, look at my phone right there. Your own system sent me a confirmation I have a luxury Samba suite. So Brandon booked an 890-square-foot luxury Samba suite on their own website, and he gets the confirmation email saying luxury Samba suite is what you're in, and then he goes there, and not only don't they give it to him, they tell him that room type does not even exist, and he has to take a lower room that does exist. They don't even know what he's talking about. And then... So then finally, I, they know that we're not giving up, and they know that we're in the right because I'm, I'm showing them the reservation. Then they find uh, some loophole, okay, where it says, well, you know what? If you look on your reservation, it says that we have the right to – what is it? If For comp rooms, we have the right to substitute, exchange, or not guaranteed what the comp is supposed to be. And then, of course, I look under right – under like the Chihuahua pet clause or something, and there's something about that. The room there, and it says, yeah, we have, you know, Rio holds the right to exchange comp rooms, to not honor the exact reservation, so on and so forth. So at that point, I'm like, you know what, Jeff, fuck it. Let's go eat and be done with this. I mean, it just... I mean, I know you would have gone on for a while. Yeah, yeah. No, I actually, you know what? I was Trying actually, I was ready to just give up too. Like they, they, unfortunately, they have a weird policy here that if your room is comped, no matter what your what category it's comped. They're, they can give you anything. It's just like a suggestion to them. So if they decide to take – if you get comp to suite and you get travel all the way to Vegas, let's say you're coming from a long way. At least Brandon's right down the street. Let's say you come from New York and you're expecting to stay in a nice suite that you're promised. If you get there and they say, no, we're giving you the worst room, we're giving you a pet stay room, you have no choice but to take it. Like they, they actually have the right to not give you in their fine print, they, to not give you the room type you were promised as a comp. Which I think is awful. I think if they if they give you confirmation we're comping this, that they they should be on the hook to give it to you. Otherwise, you you can put a lot of time and effort and money to come to Vegas for this and then not get it, which is awful. So that they showed that you know we saw the fine print that says that they can do that. So we just gave up. Anyway, uh, that's uh, that's just that's some of the fails. So the reason we were so late tonight, the show started around nine fifteen. And it was originally scheduled for 6.30, then it became 8, then it became 9.15. The reason it kept getting delayed, it, it, there was a number of reasons. Brandon and I, we, we, we had plans to go to dinner tonight. Uh, Brandon, uh, yeah, he had some unfortunate... Dealing with, you know, it's okay, you can yeah, see, it. no, He had some, 
uh, issues. You know, someone in, in his uh, a friend of his who lived in a condo he owned and was renting to that passed away, and Brandon's been yeah. dealing with that and the guy's family, and, uh, and so so that took up most of the afternoon. And then when Brandon came over here to check in, then we had all that fail, and then we still had to go to dinner, and neither of us had eaten. So and, and so we went with uh, and we you know we went to dinner with uh, with Jeannie and had a nice uh, Italian meal. And then, then we came back and, and got the show started. So that's what's delayed it. And you know, someone was complaining in chat, why do you guys even bother? Most of your listeners are on the East Coast. It's after midnight. Why even bother with the show? And I said, well, look, I can just have no show. Because we have like 90% of the listeners are in the archives anyway the next day. So that's number one. We've got to do the show at some time. Uh, and... It's either no show or sometimes a late show because uh, this is not our job and this is we don't make money from this. And during the World Series, it's especially difficult. So rather than just saying we're not doing shows during the World Series, like tomorrow we're both playing the Limit Hold'em event during when this show would normally be on. So we can't do it. That's why we're doing it on Monday. And then... And a lot of people don't listen to the whole show anyhow. They yeah. break it up over the week. So Yeah. yeah. So, you know, you, you get what you pay for here. But... Uh, you know, I know the schedule is sometimes erratic, but the bottom line is, for the most part, once a week we have a show. And then when we can't, I, I, I'll do these weird things like have a show five days later on a weekend. Like the next show will be on June 6th, a Saturday at 3.30 p.m. So I apologize if, if I'm not there all the time when I say I am, but at least I get the show done once a week usually. And it's a lot harder to commit to something like this than you might think a week after week after week. So anyway, I, I appreciate those who listen regularly. And I'll tell you, by the way, we, we have good ratings tonight. Even though it's starting late, we have uh, actually better than average ratings live on the show right now. So and welcome. to I know we have some new listeners as well, so welcome to you guys. So let, let's get to the Colossus fail. And I, I knew we were going to have fail here. I knew there was no way it could go off without a hitch. Now, to defend the World Series a bit, if someone tasked me with putting on this event and said, okay, Todd, it's up to you. Let's see if you can do better. I think I could do better if I was in charge. I'll start off saying that. But would I make zero mistakes? No. Would there probably be someone like me, an asshole like me, who's going to come on a radio show following the event and criticize me? There probably would be, and they, they would have valid things to criticize. I'm not saying I would be perfect doing this. Uh, there are inevitable things that will go wrong that you sometimes don't expect. There's a lot to think about, especially with an unprecedented field like they had here. Now, it wasn't 22,000 individual people because you had a lot of people rebuying uh, after busting the previous flights, but it still is a five-figure number of people, which they've never had to deal with before. So I didn't expect it to be perfect, and I'm not going to give them a hard time for it not being perfect. I'm going to give you the honest truth about what was good and what was bad. But I think people were giving them a bit too much credit uh, for a while, at least, because of uh, there was a period where it seemed to be going well. Uh, there, there's a saying that uh, this is, goes back to the old days when people just used uh, regular razors, not electric razors. But there would, um, you know, when razors would degrade, uh, they would have a. Uh, there, there was an ad campaign where your last shave is as good as your first, saying that the the razor just uh, stays sharp and, and works very well for a long time. Uh, there's a saying, if your first shave is good and your last shave is good, you forget about everything in between. So sometimes when things are going well, uh, it's easy to forget when they weren't. And that, that happened somewhat here. But he, here's the truth about how the event went. First of all, I take issue with the fact that they only scheduled four starting flights over two days. 
So they had a morning flight at 10 a.m. They had an uh, evening one, which at 6, that they moved to 7. Uh, so the two per day. And it was supposed to accommodate the entire field. Now, if that's what they really expected to show up, if they really thought forced starting, starting flights would be sufficient to accommodate the number of people interested in playing in this, and then they got a lot more than expected, as kind of happened last year with the Monster Stack event, and then at that point they work to accommodate these extra people rather than turning them away, that is admirable because they're working on the fly and adjusting. But that's not what happened here. They actually had a planned sellout. They actually had four flights and then sent out information saying they planned four flights and then before the event began or even came close to beginning, they said, oh, we're also going to have these late waves which you can get into after the event sells out, you can get into these late flights where you start on level 4 or level 7. And let me tell you, you don't start with enough chips to start on level 4 or level 7. You just don't have enough. You start with 5,000. So they planned these late flights, and I said, wait a minute, why are you doing that? If you know the four are going to sell out, and if the World Series is seven weeks as it is, add one extra day to the World Series and make six starting flights instead of four. It takes one extra day, and then you accommodate everybody. And then if the six sell out, which they wouldn't have, by the way, by the number they got, but if they did sell out, then at that point you could say, okay, that was a shocker. We didn't expect that many people, so now we have to do our late flights. But they were actually waiting. They expected this to sell out and planned for it to sell out and planned for these extra flights after the sellout, which I think is ridiculous. They should always have planned to accommodate on level one the number that they expect to show up, and they didn't, which makes no sense to me. Um, Yeah. Actually, uh, Druff, if you read the Colossus Important Information PDF that they released, these late waves have actually been planned since the beginning. That's what I'm saying. It wasn't something they they added um, after the sellout. It's something that they actually recently added. That's that's what I was saying, yeah. Yeah. I, I agree with you on the three-day things, but one observation that I had um, would be a bottleneck that they'd have to fix is the whole refund issue that they're having. Because when I started 5C um, and 5B, 5B not as much as 5C, but when I started 5C, half of the tables in my room were playing four-handed for about three hours before they could finally pull in the old stacks and bring Th- players that, in. That, that was 5C? Mostly because players, yeah. Yeah. Good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I heard it was only B, but I, I, I wasn't sure about C. I, I said I heard B for sure, and I wasn't sure about C. But yeah, I'm going to get to that. Actually, that's that's another one of the fails I'm going to talk about. But yeah, I, I yeah, had that. Yeah, because if they, it, it would have been even worse if they had three days. But yeah, if they, if they planned the refunds a lot better, then three days would have worked out perfectly, I think, in their favor. Yeah, yeah, and they knew it, as you said, they planned from the beginning to have these late waves, knowing it was going to sell out. So why not plan it to where it doesn't sell out? They can make unlimited days for whatever they need to just make one more day. I just don't get it. So did, did we talk about, uh, or is in the pregame show, uh, the insaneness of the strip in terms of poker rooms and prices for rooms this we, past we weekend? We talked about it last week, but go ahead and bring it up again. It's an interesting, it was topic. even more so than, than you even imagined. I mean, I would never think that B tier rooms like, uh, Treasure Island and Monte Carlo would have 40, 50 deep waiting lists to get into their games. Oh, you're talking about the I mean, poker rooms. Okay. I, yeah, I, I thought you meant yeah. the regular rooms to stay where you're paying uh, $153 plus tax to get into Circus Circus and, and 200 something to stay in uh, properties like the Excalibur, Treasure Island. Like it was uh, obscene. It was literally like, it was literally like uh, 
New Year's Eve. I yeah, mean, it was like it was of, like New Year's Eve present. Yeah, those are the only times of year that a place like Excalibur can extort that kind of money for a room. Yes, yes. You know, so so, so yeah, that was going. And I, I didn't even know the poker rooms were all jammed everywhere. That I did not know. Oh yeah, and, and not only that, um, I guess you know I'm just reading, but yeah, places like uh, well, you remember you saw the the funny tweet that I you know that I included you or the thing on Facebook. Oh yeah, how it's <laughs> joke that you went to Prim, to, you know, to find a cash game. But a lot of the rooms, uh, like Treasure Island, and I mean, there are a couple other places. There actually, there were tons of places that were having daily, you know, nightly tournaments. Canceled them because they needed the tables for the cash games, and of course, they're making more rake. You know, in a lot of cases, you know, with with the place full of cash games and having a tournament. You know, a $40 tournament that's going to go on for, you know, four or five hours. Yeah. Um, so like the Stratosphere is another place. They canceled their tournaments and they just had the whole room filled with cash games and just every place in town. Uh, in some, some cases you're, you're waiting literally on average. If you just showed up in, you know, the afternoon or early evening, four or five hours in some places to get into a game, to get into a one, two, no limit game. You're waiting four or five hours, which I've never seen anything like that before in all the years I've lived here. <laughs> yeah, it's it's uh, that's crazy. I didn't even know about that, but you're right. That's, yeah, nobody played on WSOP.com. Yeah, that's what's so funny. That, that, that's the proof that I've been saying all this time is that when people come to Las Vegas, they just don't want to sit in their room and play online poker. They just don't. So, like, the people on WSOP.com are mostly just locals. I would actually guess, make an educated guess, that more people that were in their rooms, whether it was just on wine or they didn't want to deal with the crowds... What is, hello? Yeah, I don't know what's happening there. Okay, oh, Anonymous, are you okay? Anonymous, you alive? I hope he didn't uh, get. Maybe I, they got his safe. I, yeah, I'm here. I was just checking on my table. Yeah, it, it, yeah, it got, it got noisy. Over. We, th- we thought you were getting mugged or something. We thought maybe you were in the parking lot and got mugged. But I, I would, I would actually say that more people probably that were in their rooms, unwinding, relaxing. We're playing on other sites like Bovada. That's what I was doing. WSOP. Yeah, that's what I was doing. I, I wanted to play on WSOP, but uh, there's no games, so I, I played on Bovada. You know, you know what WSOP needs to do? That what WSOP.com, which is a ghost town, uh, especially Limit Hold'em, they, there wasn't a single person sitting. Uh, they need to start giving massive incentives to start tables. They need to say, if you're the table starter and the game runs for such and such amount of time, then you get 100% rake back or something. Like, it needs to the be real some... problem is these fly-by-night... Bitcoin sites that are taking away <laughs> business in Nevada. They need to be shut down. The people behind them need to be prosecuted. These criminals need to be off the streets. <laughs> well, on uh, 5A, actually, when I busted on 5A, uh, I couldn't find anything to get into live. So around like three thirty, four o'clock, I loaded up WSOP. There was one person sitting at one PLO table, no one at any other table, and they canceled all their tournaments. Yeah, it, it's a. I just I had a feeling this was going to happen that people were not going to want to sit in their room and play online poker. I have to admit I played a lot on Bovada since I've gotten here, and I have to say it was kind of depressing. It, it really was. I I felt like I, I should have been doing something. I felt like it's just weird to sit inside of a hotel room in Las Vegas and play online poker and play and play. It, it's different than like at home, but to, like to come to Las Vegas and just sit and sit and sit and play. And, and I, I barely left the Rio, and I, I just felt kind of crappy, and it was kind of depressing to me. So I, I can see how people just don't want to do it, especially if it's a novelty to come to Vegas rather than something people do all the time, like me. Uh, anyway, uh, what they need to do on WSOP.com, they need to 
step outside the box, and they need to say, okay, forget what Poker Stars does, forget what promotions they run, forget deposit bonuses and all that nonsense. Run something that will make games go. Start rewarding people who start games. Give incentives for people to sit there alone and get games started. Or, or hire props. Do something. Don't just sit and watch yourself fail, which is the, what they've been doing. I don't understand it. So, uh, speaking yeah. of... Yeah, what were you going to say? Yeah, currently the only promotions they're, they're handling right now is you get, for your first time deposit, you get a 100% match, and they give you a ticket to a... Seven tickets to a welcome free roll every, for every day of the week. That's yeah. like a $300 free roll. That doesn't get it done. I mean, that yeah, it's nice for new players, but that does not make people sit in the games and get them started. So, to get people playing on the site, you need someone sitting there. You know, a forum... Or a chat room and a poker site are not too different in that you need activity to bring more activity. So a forum that is sitting completely empty, you know, kind of think of the one I used to be involved with, uh, is not going to have any posters because anyone who goes there that intends to post sees nobody else is posting and does not post and they leave. Same with poker. If you show up and games are not running, you usually do not want to sit alone and wait for someone to come play with you. You just leave. You just close it. So they have to incentivize this behavior, and they're not. And I don't understand why they're not. And if I'm telling you, if I were in charge there, I would I would come up with so many innovative promotions to bring people in. I know what grinders want to get these games started and all that. I would do that. I would not. I would not just run standard run-of-the-mill industry promotions because it's not getting the job done, and I don't know why. They, they just keep doing the same thing over and over and expect a different result. It's so strange. Now, another... Let me, let me ask you, since we are talking about the WSOP.com site, do you think the tournament... The well, and For those that don't know, this this year they're going to have a online tournament. I think it's July... It's right before the main event, um, where you play online... And then when you get a heads up, the, the final two people will meet the next day at the Rio and, and heads up play will commence until there's a winner. Do you think that will spark by getting all these people to play that have never even registered accounts online? Do you think that will do anything? Because obviously, clearly, it's a marketing ploy. Yeah. That's why they're doing it, to yeah. try to get people to register and in hopes that, oh, wow, I didn't know the software was this good or <laughs> oh, you could do this or whatever. And they're, well, they'll keep the deposit money on it. You know, when it gets closer and play the cash games, do you think that will spark anything? Or do I, you think think... It, I think it'll temporarily spark, but I think they made a big mistake by having it towards the end of the World Series rather than the beginning. Yeah. I don't know why. I, I, yeah, they, they should add it, like, today. Yeah. Today or yesterday. Yeah, yeah. Great. Right. Because then people know about it, they have money on it, and then they're playing the whole summer. So yeah. what what is the logic about that? Why, I, I don't know why they had it towards the end, and it makes no sense. And, and yeah, I think it, what, what it would do, though, is, like, a temporary bump, and then, uh, then again, people – I just don't think people – for the most part, want to sit in the room and play online poker when they're here. And so what you've got to do is you've got to do what you can to, for those that do open it and do want to you know, play on there, you've got to, you've got to make sure they don't just close it without playing and they're not trying you know to do really that. You know what's really funny? I recall back at the height of the poker boom, um, and even even a couple of years after, as you know, recently, it's like 2010, 2011, I'd be at the Bellagio. And I'd be playing upstairs, you know, whether it's like 8160 or a mixed game or limit hold'em. And when games would break, and I'm talking about big games, not, you know, that were being played upstairs, like say a 400, 800 mixed game or, you know, 100, 200 PLO. Instead of moving down to something smaller, like, you know, 2550 PLO or, you know, 5100 no limit, they'd, I remember so many people always saying, well, you know what? 
I'm just going to go upstairs and play on stars. And that's what they would do. And it's the same thing in commerce. I remember many times, you know, people like Newhouse, who lived at commerce, when the game either wasn't great or wasn't going at commerce, he'd go upstairs because you could find bigger games online than you could in the actual casino. Yeah. You know, so it's it's well. Those days are obviously well, over, yeah, but they, just, uh, they need to. They just need well, to incentive whatever people are opening it. They need to incentivize them to not close it and to actually play. And if they don't do that, it's going to fail. Yeah. Well, one of my concerns with that event actually is, um, how are they going to monitor the security on that? Make sure that there's no collusion or players sitting in the same room playing because. Or, or I think even I mean, worse, people, people take care of players registered to the Rio, and they could, no, you could have 10 of them sitting in a room. Not only that. There's no not, way they can. Now, Cloney Gowan once said, and I wrote about this yesterday, <laughs> that Full Tilt had satellites right above uh, the Earth, right above outer space, that would monitor to make sure Full Tilt poker was safe. So that's when they, they need to borrow Full Tilt satellites, and, and uh, <laughs> they need to spy, spy on each room. But, yeah, you know, you're, you're right. And not only that, I think it could be a big problem is, uh, you know, let's say you're here – uh, and your wife is here, and, and uh, your mother-in-law is here, and, and you all enter this tournament, and then you bust, and your wife busts, but your mother-in-law, who isn't very good, but apparently good enough to beat uh, you know, Druff and Drexel, uh, your mother-in-law is still alive. Well, and let's say she has a pretty good stack. Well, at this well, point... Well, why don't we just be honest? Suicide King mother is still alive. <laughs> so, She's so, playing so, Suicide King's mother still alive. So Suicide She's King's mother-in-law King. is, still, is still doing well in the online yeah. World Series event. And Suicide King who says, you know, mother-in-law, uh, you did a good job so far, but, you know, I, I'm the real baller here. L- let me take over for you. And, and he just starts playing on her account. There's no way they can tell. They can have total like a yeah, swapping. Well, right, tell if he had like the Iraqi ski team window open on the browser too. Then it's a kind of <laughs> tell, but okay. Yeah, you know, and that's and you can even have people calling each other, like someone who is an okay tournament player who has a friend who's just a really good tournament player, and the friend busts, and 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 in the meantime, the okay player uh, starts running deep. He calls the friend up and says, uh, "You know what? I think you'll do better with this than me. Can you come over to my room?" Oh, sure. I mean, I'm sure that's going to go on. Not even that. I mean, you may actually have, and I think you will, you know, roommates, people that are all together. You know, would you really think people that are playing that have rented houses this summer, these, you know, young 21, 22-year-olds, I mean, they really have the ethics at that age that they're all not going to be in the same house. And if they get bumped to the same table, even if that doesn't happen, other people helping. Meaning, what do I what do I do here? What's my pl- you know yeah, what I mean? There's just, too many people know. right. There's too people ask before what's the difference between that and a stars tournament. Well, stars tournament, people are all over the world. There, there's not many people geographically close to one another to enable right. this. You have everybody concentrated in a small space where they can easily come over and take over for each other. It's a totally different. Even thing. for a, a tournament like Sunday Million, even if you had five of your buddies, the odds of you at one point getting to a table together where it's that meaningful. It, it's it's astronomical. Yeah, but this this is it's just too easy to just have someone come over and take over your account or or have people play in teams all together and like like you know everyone sits together and they all discuss together what to do. Like there, there's so many ways it can be. If you just play this by yourself, and I believe me, I'm not telling you guys to cheat in this. I'm just saying if you play normally, you're going to probably be facing a number of people cheating in some way. Not not cheating so much of necessarily colluding, though that can happen too if they end up at the same table uh, or sharing whole cards, but, but even just people who have taken over for their friends or a bunch of friends together who are, are kind of uh, uh, all deciding together what to do on uh, on certain hands. So it's it's uh, I, I wouldn't feel very comfortable playing this thing. I just don't think it's yeah, I mean, safe. 
I mean, it can happen in pretty much any tournament. I agree with that, but it, at the same time, you got to bring in this is a this is a bracelet event, and, and, and everybody's what together. Is they're behind that bracelet? But I mean, even more so. Like I said, what's definitely going to happen is you know, say Druff, you and I were roommates here at Rio, and we're both playing it, and I have. You know, I have queens in a spot, and I'm confused. I'm like, what do I do, buddy? What do I do? And you're going to come over, and you're going to look, you know? Yeah. That's definitely going to be going on. I yeah. mean, it's not going to be one hand per person. Yes, yeah, so that's no what I'm saying. Obviously, right. you know, they, they counteract that. And, and it's very helpful to have somebody else who is not emotionally involved in the hand to just say, okay, like, you know, Brandon has queens, and he gets shoved on, and he's like, oh, my God, what do I do with my tournament life? And then So then I could walk over and say, hey, Brandon. I don't have the emotional involvement in your, you know, in, in your stack here, in, in your tournament. So let me think, and I can think with a clearer head, and and, and maybe give him better advice. And think of like you have three other friends there too, and everybody gets together, and then they figure out the right thing to do. Whereas uh, when you're alone, you have to make the decision on the fly and go with the emotions that are running through your head at the time, and nobody is there to help you, which is the way it should be. So yeah, this is gonna be a problem. Uh, another thing that happened. Uh, this is before it even gets going. On uh, on May twenty eighth, this is before the Colossus, but after the World Series had started. Um, someone named Brad Brzezinski was very. Wait, under- hold on. Why are they antis in a limit hold'em tournament? Are there? Yeah. What? What a fail! Seriously? What a fail site. Yeah, twenty five dollar antis just kicked in, Druff, and limit hold'em. <laughs> oh, oh, on my site. Oh, crap. Yes. I thought you were talking about the tournament tomorrow. I'm going, I didn't think. I'm, I'm sorry. I love Belly Buster, and, and, you know, but they're aunties now. I, that's Actually, there's a person you can blame for that. It's me. Oh. I, I think I think I didn't adjust the, the – yeah, I didn't adjust it right. Sorry about that, guys. Sorry. This is my fault. This is my fail. You know, uh, Seth Polanski can do a radio show uh, bashing me for the aunties in our Limit Hold'em tournament. <laughs> now, I'll take credit. I screwed up. I, I, I'm the one who can set the structure there, and I didn't adjust it. I, I left the no limit structure up for the limit holding tournament. So anyway, uh, speaking of Seth Polanski, though, uh, the a guy named Brad Brzezinski, a player at the World Series, was unhappy with the way the coverage was going on um, with the World Series of Poker and and some other things. He was just unhappy. Uh, so far at, at this point, or very early on, before even the Colossus started on May 28th. So Brad Brzezinski tweeted to Kev Math, who, of course, is the all-knowing god of uh, the World Series and of every other tournament. Uh, he tweeted to Kev Math, if we actually wanted our World Series of Poker and Poker News complaints to be heard, that is basically about the coverage, who's the right person to, for these to be directed at? So Kev Math said he should do it to the at WSOP account. And then this is the response that the official WSOP account sent. Brad Brzezinski, if you're complaining after a half a day, we aren't interested in hearing. The WSOP, the official WSOP account said, we don't want to hear your complaints after a half a day. It's a monumental task. Give us some time. So this, of course, got everyone furious that the uh, official WSOP account said, we don't want to hear your uh, complaints. So Tim West wrote back, are you kidding me? Who runs this account? Constructive criticism should always be welcome. Nice tone. So then Seth Polanski stepped forward and said he's been the one running the WSOP account on Twitter. He said, thanks, Tim. It's me. We have issues to work out. Sorry they will take time, and everyone's working hard. So then Tim West said back, thank you, Seth. I just feel like talking to the customer like that is bad. The criticism is important, IMO. So Seth said back, 
it actually isn't at this stage. It's demoralizing, and it's harmful to our efforts to fix. Wait a week or so. So this got people even angrier. Jared Hamby said back, LOL, WTF are you babbling about? How about you not be a jerk to your customers? Jeez. Brad Brzezinski says, how do you even know what the complaint was? You see, he didn't even complain yet. He was just saying, I, I want to make a complaint. Just because you're a monopoly doesn't mean complaints aren't helpful. Uh, Brad Brzezinski says, uh, limited updates to the first event, full chip counts not updated or released for more than eight hours after play ends, unhelpful. Uh, and then uh, Brad says, I think they used to contract at the Poker News, but this year they decided to handle it themselves. Not sure on the reasoning. So uh, then Tim West says, customer is king, Seth. Don't be a dick, then try to defend it. And uh, and, and then they started going on about the history of when uh, Seth Polanski uh, retweeted something about uh, uh, that John Aguiar had tweeted a few years ago and said, uh, Something about being a bitch, and then that caused some controversy. So they talked a bit about that. Uh, at that point, uh, Seth Polanski's comments were. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so this was a lot of controversy. So, so you know, Seth smoothed it out after that, and he uh, he basically said, uh, you know, we'll work on it. Uh, you know, fine criticism's okay. He, he kind of backed away from his initial stance. Uh, I think the problem is that they are on edge. They were on edge over there because there, there are all these fails, and they're all happening at once, and they're not prepared to deal with these fails, and uh, they're already in a bad mood. Because if you think about, it, think about it from uh, Seth Polanski and Jack Effel, their point of view is that they're they're trying to make everything work here, and their initial plans are, are somewhat failing, and they're trying to adjust on the fly, and then they have people tweeting at them. Uh, angry messages or complaints. I'm not saying you shouldn't. I mean, you should give constructive criticism. But then what happens is they're in a bad mood and they snap, which they shouldn't do. They need to control themselves on social media and not be rude ever, even if they want to be rude. Part of working a job like this is not to be rude. But uh, they're getting frustrated because it's not working. But the thing is, a lot of these fails that are occurring should have been prevented. And what I was saying, uh, I was discussing this uh, with my girlfriend and talking about the various fails happening there. I said, you know what I just realized? I realized that what the World Series of Poker needs is a good logistician, someone who is good at setting up uh, all the details of such a large event like this. Because I, I think the problem is they don't have someone in that role here, and they don't have someone who's good at that. They, and not everybody is good at that. You can be a brilliant person and be terrible at logistics. You can be terrible at setting things like this up, and smart with everything else, and good at your job with everything else. Uh, like, Seth Polanski, uh, with a lot of his official job duties, does a great job. And I'm not trying to kiss ass. Like, I, I watch he does a lot of things very well as far as uh, communi you know, communicating, marketing, um, promoting the World Series brand. With, with these things, he does a great job, and he's very accessible. If you If you try to talk to him, he doesn't ignore you. And I, I've been impressed with that. So these things he does great. But... Uh, you know, one of his strong suits is not dealing with criticism. He's he's not particularly good at that, and he's not. Uh, and I don't think anybody involved with the World Series is good with logistics. So they need to hire someone who is good with logistics, either someone who has official training in it and actually works as a logistician, or someone who's just naturally good at it. And what about uh, that guy that used to run NASCAR, uh, Jeffrey Pollock? Yeah, he, he, that's that's. <laughs> 
<laughs> he did a bang up job with the Epic Poker League. <laughs> Let's bring him back. But yeah, that's that, and that's a good example though. That was a career marketer who was brought in to run logistics, and and it was it was a disaster. So at least he's gone, thankfully. But uh, you know, they they just. I think being a World Series of Poker tournament director and being good with poker things and with you know setting up poker structures and everything like that, and and I think being a uh, a VP of communications like Seth Polanski is and uh, and, and and communicating to the public about uh, tournaments and uh, being accessible and all things in his official job description that he does well does not mean that you're also going to be good at logistics and also going to be good at uh, customer service matters related to logistics. And I think that's why we keep having these fails over and over and over again, things that are very preventable, such as, like, let's look at the coverage issue. So as Brandon mentioned before, the coverage is awful. It's it's basically unreadable, meaning that the coverage is so behind, and even with major players like Phil Hellmuth, they're not covering them in a timely fashion, to where you really just can't get much of an update on these events until they get to the very end. So uh, what happened here? They, they dumped poker news over some financial dealings, like financial, not dealings, but financial disagreements. Did anyone, uh, well, since you're talking about that, was it ever mentioned or even talked about by someone in the know roughly, loosely, what what kind of agreement they had? Yeah, it, it was went, poker it news paying them for the right for the coverage, yes. were they trying to get mo- what was no, right, no 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 no. This is what happened. It modified over the years. Poker Poker News and other outlets used to pay them when the poker boom was at its height, and and just simply covering the World Series was so lucrative that it was worth paying them to do to do work there, which is crazy. But they they actually uh, companies were actually paying the World Series to cover it. Uh, then it modified, it it morphed into. I guess I don't know if they ever had an even agreement where just nobody pays each other, but now it morphed into that poker news, knowing that it's just not lucrative from the standpoint of people going to their site and clicking on things. uh, They wanted to be paid because otherwise it wasn't worth it to them. And I think they were demanding a lot of money. I I don't know what the proper amount to demand for this. I'm not going to comment on who is right or wrong. They put that make and mark out of a job. It did. (laughs) So so I don't know who was right or wrong, who was being unreasonable in the financial thing, so I'm not going to comment on it. But I know Poker News did want to get paid. And I don't know if it was the first year of them getting paid or if they just wanted to raise. But whatever it was, uh, they couldn't come to an agreement. But since this happened quite some time ago, they had plenty of time to put something in place to where they could do an equivalent job or close to an equivalent job. So, for example, the MyStack app, which Poker News had, where you could report your own chip counts and they would appear on the official WSOP site, that was very, very useful. And, and boy, was uh, that thing... People are, still, people are still using that. But no one looks that's at That's only it. to let friends and family know where they're at. Yeah, but that's not the same thing. I mean, you can do that well, with I know, but, Right, but I am just saying, just people do know if you do that. It's not like the app can't be used anymore. If you do have friends family that monitored or vice versa you can communicate with them yeah or you know, people that way but here's here's yeah, the hardest part with that the hardest part with that is getting the friends and family to download that app and learn how to use it what my family loved to do and a lot of them you know who are not computer savvy uh and and, and you know older people who just you know who aren't good at computers you know what? they, they, they that's just a pretty that's a pretty good idea for next year i mean if they don't have anything like what would you think of a business model you know like an app like watch my chip stack or something like that where you actually have a dedicated website you advertise about it 
and then people could actually go to that site, that you know specific site on the yeah, web. Yeah, that's, that's not a bad idea. And, like a simple to use site that that like old people could use easily. Because I, like like my family, what they would do, and, and friends who weren't necessarily that computer literate, uh, they would just go to wcp.com. And it would just be right up there. And not only that, another cool thing about this app, that MyStack app, when it was integrated with the World Series, like last year and the year before, uh, your chip counts would also appear on the screens throughout the Rio, showing who's the leaders in each event. So, like, you know, I would update my chip stack, and, like, the middle of day one of the limit event, for example, last year when I was number one, uh, people walking around the Rio, it, you know, it flashes the, vis- the different events. Like, oh, look, 1,500 limit hold them. Oh, look, Todd would tell us is the top chip stack. Like, like you know, it's kind of cool that if you are the chip leader and you update your own stack there, uh, it will be displayed throughout the Rio, throughout where the World Series is, and on the, all the websites, on Poker News' website, of WCP's website, and, uh, you know, people just going to WCP.com can look at any event and see it. It was very useful, and we're taking a step back now by not having this where the app is only on the app itself, and I think maybe it updates on Poker News, but it's not easy to navigate to. It's, it's just a fail. No one's, hardly anyone's using this anymore. And uh, so we've, we've gone back to the days where you have to look at someone's Twitter to see their own chip counts if you're interested. And you're, and you're, you're not going to have, like, a, a comprehensive list. Wants, uh, have you had a final table when you're already back at your secret location or something? Yeah, yeah. I, I once accidentally updated the wrong event. Oh, that was you. It yeah. wasn't them? Okay. No, it was my fault. It was my fault. In fact, I, I, I tweeted to Poker News, please take me off there. I don't want to make it look like I'm putting myself at a final table just to show off and when I'm not you know, right there. I think that's – I don't even – to me, it's it's unexcusable because there are a lot of people, and I think they've discounted that, that are poker fans at home that really just like to monitor the coverage. Yes. Not just people like yes. who are not. I have you, a lot of friends that like just watching it. I'll, I'll tell you. I'll tell you. how is doing or right. where's Ivy or you know this or that and, and – Right, and, right, and and not only that, like even my dad would do this. Who knows, you know, he knows the name players in poker, but he doesn't know that much about the poker community. But he knows the name players, and he's like interested in in how they're doing in the tournaments I'm playing. So like, you know, he'll call me at a break and say, "Oh, I, I see you have this this, you know, I see you only have average chips, but you're doing better than Phil Helmuth at the moment." Like, I, like he would see this list of them it was interesting to him. And and you're right, people want to see a big list of people and where they are and how they're doing, and you can't see that anymore. So I mean, and then so they're not even they're also not updating. You know, through the reporters on the floor, they're just doing a very poor job. I don't know if they're understaffed or what, but they're hardly updating anything. So people are very disappointed, and I can't see how this could have happened. How could they not know that they don't have enough staff to do this? That someone just did not staff this properly. So, so uh, no excuse for things like that. There's there's things that you could say you didn't expect, but you can't say we didn't expect not to have the proper staff. To update the World Series, or we didn't have we we didn't expect that we wouldn't have the app that Poker News had that made it much easier for everyone's stacks to be updated. Like they they have to think about these things, and over the many months they had in between when Poker News separated with them, uh, to create their own app to do it, or or even if necessary buy that app from Poker News, just that itself, and maybe Poker News wouldn't have sold it, but you know uh, develop their own app. It's not that hard. They they could have easily hired someone who's on contract to do it. So uh, that's that's a big fail. Uh, let's go back to the the Colossus. That was just a general complaint. But uh, uh, going back to the Colossus, the pre-registration. I have been bashing pre-registration for over a month now. People have asked me, did you pre-register? And I said, no. Why not? Because I'm afraid I'm going to come there and there's going to be a six-hour line to tr- convert the pre-registration into registration. That's what I said. I said I was afraid of. I did not pre-register. And... I was taking a chance that the event might sell out before I can get there to register for it, but I was that afraid of the super long line. 
So what? Ha- so they they put up all these things about how they're going to have dedicated lines twenty four hours, and you know it, it's it, it looked a little bit optimistic, like this won't happen again. Well, nope. The first day, I think not the first, I think the day before the first day, or maybe two days before, people get there to convert their pre registration into a full registration, and indeed, hours long lines. Well, I didn't mean to do that. That's what I meant to do. So yeah, hours long lines. At the worst point, I heard it was around six hours again. Uh, you know, many hundreds of people in line, where it's taking several minutes for each person to register because they. they... I, I went um, on a Wednesday, the yeah. first day it opened up, at uh, I don't know. No, I'm sorry, I didn't. I went on a Thursday. Right yeah, the, before uh, I played the Omaha Yeah, the Thursday. day before the Colossus. Yeah, I went thir- Thursday, the day before the Colossus. I went to the Diamond Line, and I was in and out of there with my Colossus ticket and, of course, my Omaha ticket in 10 minutes. If I didn't have a Diamond card, there was maybe about 35 people or so in that little snake line before you get into the, the regular room. So what would that be, maybe 30 minutes or so? But it wasn't, it wasn't a massive line. And this was at 11.30, 11.45 on uh, Thursday. So it, you're right. I mean, it was better off just showing up and registering. Yes. And uh, it wasn't even close. The line were, was ridiculous. Yeah, it, it, was, just... it was a horrible line. And I, I picture this. I picture everyone's going to think, oh, pre-registered, good. Pre-registered means it's going to speed me through the process. Pre-registered is good. Showing up at the last minute is bad. So everybody just mobbed the pre-registration line as soon as they get to Vegas, and it was a disaster. Now – the only bright side was if you decided to wait it out and not go on Wednesday or Thursday to pre-registration, if you went on Friday, even if you're playing on Friday, if you went on Friday in the morning or anytime Friday if you're playing on Saturday, then the line got pretty short for pre-registration because everyone hit the line at once. Everyone kind of got nervous that they, you know, they knew they paid for it already. They wanted to convert it. As soon as you get to Vegas, think about it. Think you're flying from New York to Vegas and you know you're pre-registered for this event. Do you want to wait until the day of to go to the pre-registration line or do you want to go right there and get that done? Of course you want to go right there and get it done. So, so you go right there and get it done and you see a horrendous line. Well, then you're afraid if you don't stand on this line, it's going to be even worse the next day. So, so that's what was happening, and, and so they didn't prepare for that as I knew they wouldn't. So that was a gigantic fail. And and yes, if you had known, you could have waited till Friday and had very short lines. But most people didn't know this, or, or a lot of them were afraid to do it. So uh, now I was also a little regretful that I didn't pre-register because I thought it was going to be sold out, which leads me to my next point. I was coming to Vegas on Friday afternoon. And I started tweeting to the WSOP account, which I, I'll give credit to Seth Polanski, whoever was operating it, did a uh, uh, good job responding to people individually. And uh, But I, I was asking, what are my chances of getting into Flight 5D, which was the last one that wasn't sold out? And he said, not very good. If you're going to be there, uh, you know, I, I did this in the morning. He said, if you're going to be there at 5 p.m., you're never going to get in. So he was right. By like 1130, it was sold out completely. So all four flights were sold out completely by like 1130 on Friday. And I said, crap, well, I guess I'll have to try to play one of these fail flights where you start at level four. So I was afraid those might sell out. They sold out the one for 5A. They sold out the one for 5B, the late flights. I'm like, crap, I hope I can get 5C or 5D or I'm not going to play the one you start on level seven. It's ridiculous. So I drove as fast as I could to Vegas. And uh, I got there. 
I went. How fast was that? It, it was. It was pretty fast. I don't know. Maybe, maybe I shouldn't say it if there's going to be. Uh, maybe there's Highway Patrol here, uh, listening to this radio show, and uh, I'll, I'll, I'll give you a hint. I'll give you a hint in, in a second here. Here's the hint. Drive 55. I drove substantially more than that, and uh, raced to Vegas. At times, driving over 90. I'll be honest here. Anyway, I I made it in around five, like I said. I, I immediately rushed over to the tournament area, and I went to register. About a 10-minute line in the Diamond Seven Star room. Got to the front, and I said, "Okay, which flights are open?" And the cashier says, the late ones. I go, well, I, yeah, I knew that, but which late ones? And she says, I don't know the late ones. I go, well, there's a late one that starts level four, a late one that starts level seven. I don't want the level seven. I want to make sure before I register that it is the late at level four. So she says, she says well, I see one tomorrow at 6 p.m. and one at 10 p.m. I go, okay, which is which? She says, I don't, I don't know. Hold on. Well, I still can't tell, but um, the one at six has one spot left. Do you want it? I'm like, hmm. I, I think I better grab it. I don't even know what it is, but it's it's got to be the early, the earlier the two has to be the one that is level four. So I said, yeah, if there's one spot, do it right now. She says, okay. And I said, so that's level four, right? She says, no, it's level one. And I, I said, what? How could it be level one? That That's sold out six hours ago. She says, no, it's level one, and there's one seat left. <laughs> I said, so you're saying I'm going to get in the regular flight? She said, yeah. I said, how's this possible? She says, well, every once in a while they release one, and, and you can do it. Now, the weird thing was I had asked the WSP account, the ones that they release back because people cancel them, because they, they already played an earlier flight and they don't need it anymore, does it go back in the pool? And they said no. And indeed, that was the case for almost all of them. But for whatever reason, every once in a while, one of the canceled ones would inexplicably end back in the pool. And she said she's seen very few like this, but she's seen a few of them throughout the day. Sometimes another cashier grabs it first, but that uh, she put it through for me and it went through. So amazingly, six hours after it sold out, I got a seat in the regular flight D, which was shocking. I didn't win anything, but uh, at least I, I got the flight from the beginning. Um, now, related to this, people who did cancel the future flights, B, C, and D. I don't know about D, but I know B and C. 
people who canceled because they were happy with their earlier flight they played and they kept the stack from there, instead of replacing it, instead of replacing those seats that got canceled with people who wanted to play them, they just left them empty. So there were some people who were playing for hours three or four-handed, and not even where you're stealing blinds of the empty stacks. These are like legit three or four-handed tables where there's no other stacks there because they didn't replace it. It was unbelievable. So people, they weren't signing up for a shorthanded tournament, yet they're stuck for hours in flights B and C, some of the tables where a lot of people happen to have canceled from the same table playing three or four-handed. Like Anonymous was just saying in flight C, one of his friends played three-handed for a long time. Now, the explanation for why they did this was that they didn't want to screw the people who had already signed up for the late waves because it was sold out, only to have people show up later, like I did, and get the regular flight. So they didn't want to make it unfair like that. But I I think that's stupid, first of all, because if you want to be fair to everybody, you shouldn't let someone hog up all four flights at the beginning. You should let them play one flight and then only be able to register after busting the first one. Otherwise, you know, it is one person hogging up four spaces. I don't think that's fair either. But but putting that aside, uh, the fact that they allowed this to go three or four handed, so not only were people going to late flights, but they, they could have filled these seats with many people uh, who, who could have taken the ones that canceled, and they didn't, and people were stuck playing three or four handed until they uh, noticed it and consolidated some of these tables. So they didn't think that through. They didn't think about what do we do with the cancellations. They, they thought we're not going to let people take them. Somehow a few of them slipped through anyway, but they didn't think about well, if a lot of people cancel at one table, what do we do? So a lot of them were left playing three or four-handed, and people were very uncomfortable with that who weren't used to shorthanded poker. And they, especially you sign up for a full-table event, you shouldn't be playing three or four-handed. I kind of wish I was at one of those tables. I, I do better at those. Like, I, I, I don't play the six-max events usually. I play occasionally, but, like, the problem with the six-max no-limit event is I'm against all these all-stars who are really good at six, six-handed no-limit poker. So against those people, I, I wouldn't uh, do very well. But against the average recreational player who's used to playing 9 or 10-handed, those people I'll run over. So I, I kind of wish I was at one of those tables, but I, I didn't get it. Um, the first place prize money. Let's talk about that. Brandon, what was your reaction when they announced that the first place prize money was... Uh, people were expecting, at, at the very least, to be getting something like... One million dollars. For first place. And people were thinking even more. Maybe two million, maybe three million. The first prize was a whopping $638,000. This is what 22,000 people entering. So what was your reaction when you heard that? I was shocked. I thought it would be... I mean, I knew it wasn't going to be like the standard 20 to 25% that normally, you know, goes into to, to first place. But I thought it would be right around a million and change, you know, if not a little bit more. Yeah. Um, I was stunned when I saw it was only 600K plus. Um, and then immediately, of course, I went to social media and, you know, just from the reaction of everyone else, everyone else seemed pretty surprised, outraged. Um, there wasn't a lot of defense of it. No. I didn't really read too much of people that thought it was great. Um, although... Uh, I know, like Nolan Dallup, you know, wrote something about it, defending it, and you know, for, he does work for the WSOP. He's also a friend of mine, but he did raise some points that, after I read about it, uh, made a little bit of sense. But then, you know, I was thinking further, and I think, regardless of what <clears throat> the WSOP said, I think a lot of it made sense 
in the fact they wanted more people to min cash to give them more incentive to buy into another $1,500 event. Well, okay, but here's the thing. The, the min cash number of people was not a high number. It was only 10%. Right. That, that, that's what's so ridiculous here. So they yeah. gave, they had the worst of both worlds. They had only the st- the standard ten percent min caching. So you can't even say, well, at least the recreational players, a lot of them got to min cash and have a good time. No, the standard ten percent min cashed, but the first prize was only six hundred thirty eight thousand. Yeah. Now, now very quickly, the World Series defended. Well, before you even go on, let me ask you: if you would have known that was what first prize was, and you knew the field, would you still have played and gone through all the aggravation of it? No, no. Not, not that you I expected. Would. Not that I expected to win, but it, it's just so demoralizing to think that if I pull off this miracle and win the whole thing, that first of all, first place is only six thirty-eight, but then it also goes down from there to where second place becomes disappointing, third place becomes disappointing. Like the the top becomes so disappointing. I, I mean, I, to think that you would win the biggest tournament of all time, and you probably wouldn't rate, you know, unless you were a pro, obviously, you probably wouldn't rank in the top. A thousand of all-time money winners in tournaments is kind of beyond me. It, it's it's crazy, and so so what they said at the World Series to immediately defend this is that the more people that enter a tournament, the flatter the structure will be, the less percent the top prize will be. This is only a five point seven percent first prize of the whole pool, which which people were shocked at. So they're saying, well, look, this is bigger than you're ever used to seeing by, by several times. That's why this is so shocking to you, but it's totally standard. And, and people brought up the point that, well, look, if you play a two-man sit-and-go, heads-up sit-and-go, how's the prize distributed? Well, first place gets 100%, second gets zero. So in that case, in a two-man tournament, you get 100% of the prize pool. In, in a three-man it's uh, you know it can be of various ways, but uh, you know sometimes they'll pay first, second, and, and not third. But what if, as it goes up, you get less and less percentage of the prize pool, even though the prize pool itself becomes a lot bigger from a lot more people. Uh, the percentage you get gets lower and lower because that's the way it has to be because they have more and more places to pay. The more places you have to pay, the lower percentage will go to first. That's the way it is. So whoever said you need fifty percent of the of the twenty five fifty percent of the prize pool to go to this, they didn't understand the way this works. That, and that's that's something that they were trying to educate people with through the World Series' official response to this. And uh, so that part they have a point, but they did this to too much of an extreme. The problem I see here is that they made the min cash and the associated caches above that too large. That they should have seen because it's so because there's so many people they have to pay out they have to pay out 2,200 plus people. That, in order to combat the fact that this will bring down the final table payouts a lot lower of a percentage than anyone's used to, they should have adjusted this to where the min caches and the pseudo min caches and even the middle caches get less, so it doesn't look ridiculous at the final table. So they should have figured. They've got to have a million-dollar pr- top prize for a huge thing like this. Now, one of our users brought up that he thought the reason they didn't do this was because they don't want to make the millionaire event irrelevant. There's a millionaire maker event coming up next week, and they s- said, who's going to want to play the event where you're guaranteed to win a million dollars for $1,500 buy-in when you can do the same thing here for $500, $565 buy-in? So maybe that was part of the reason. I think the reason is this. The main event, they initially announced that there was a $10 million guarantee for this year, for 2015. And a lot of people got angry about this. And then there was a big movement to not have that. People were saying, why are you 
adding money to the already very high payouts that people are getting for for the top few spots of the main event. Like, why guarantee ten million when they're already going to get like seven or eight million? Why why do that? Who's going to be disappointed with seven or eight million? Like, it's enough money that's never going to go back in the poker community. There's going to be some pro who wins it. Why not pay more spots than ten percent and make the rec players happier? And shockingly, even though the World Series initially fought back about this and told people they're wrong. Shockingly, they made an about-face and changed everything. Killed the $10 million guarantee, instead guaranteed 1,000 spots paying out, which means they're going to probably pay out 16% of the field or so. And and, uh, so people were shocked that they actually did this. And I guess the World Series came away with the belief that what everyone wants are flatter payouts. But they don't understand this is different. And what's different about it is that no one is excited about min-cashing the Colossus. Even the recreational player, the only excitement he will get is that just the fact that he did min-cash. No one's going to be excited about the money. I don't think very many rec players spent less than $500 coming to Vegas and staying in Vegas for this event. Can you can you picture most of them getting away less than $500? Yeah. Like after hotels and food and all that. There's no way. And flights if they had to go or driving, uh, the gas for driving. Like there's no way. So if you min-cash in the main event the way it is right now, and cashed a thousand whatever, you know, basically profit five hundred dollars from it. Uh, that's not going to even cover your expenses to come to Vegas to play it. So therefore, no one's going to come home and go, "Yes, I won five hundred dollars of the World Series. Yes, I rule. Wow, I just made so much." No, you're going to come home with less money than you started because you spent more money to get there than this five hundred that you won. The main event's different. The main event, if you cash and you get uh, twenty thousand dollars. You've just made 10K, because the buy-in's 10K, and then you can come home feeling good. You can come home and go, wow, I just profited $10,000. And unless you're really, really, really rich, $10,000 is a good sum of money. You can think of a lot of nice things you can get or do with $10,000. There's a lot you can do with $10,000. With 500, no, especially if the 500 you're spending in the first place to even get to Vegas and stay in Vegas to play it in the first place. So, so that's a big difference. People are excited about cashing in the main event because it really does bring some real substantial money. Min caching in the Colossus does not. So I'm not suggesting they cut down the number of the percentage of people that cash the Colossus. The 10% is fine, but they shouldn't have made them cash that much. It should have been a min cash should have been 800 something instead of a thousand something. And then yep. people still would have been able to say they got, they cashed. They still would have made a little money and then they could have gone up from there. And then it would have saved a lot all the way up over these thousands of places they're paying. And then they would have had a lot of extra money to distribute to the top spots, and they could have easily guaranteed the top million, the top one being a million. And the other people at the final table also could have gotten paid. Uh, I'm going to go look. I've never even looked at the full payout structure. Let me go look here. Let me go look if I can find this. Do you, have you ever seen the, the full thing for the final table? No. No, I haven't either for some reason. All right, let me, let's see if I can find it. Uh, World Series. I'm going to Poker News. I'm, I'm counting on Poker News, guys. I'm, po- I'm counting on you guys to send me this. For some reason, Poker News Society is a lot tougher to... Like, I try to navigate it, and then I, I can't get there. Like, I yeah, just get to news was, stories. Yeah. I don't know. It, like, I go to live reporting, 2015 WSOP coverage, and then it and then it just puts me in an article about Phil Galfond. Like, I, I don't care about Phil Galfond. I'm trying to see about the events. I don't care about Phil Galfond. Why, why can't I... Poker News, why can't I get to the events I'm looking for? What's wrong with you guys? Like... Why did you kill your site? Your site was fine last year. Why did you do that? Like, Poker News degraded and the World Series degraded by not being part of Poker News. Like, the whole thing's a mess. All right. Let's, let's, I got to go to the World Series thing. So let's, uh, 
Let's see if I go to schedule. This is, this should be easy to find. Why is this so hard? Okay, so I'm going to go to Colossus updates. Let's see price pool. Yeah, here we go. First place six hundred thirty-eight thousand. Now you like this, Brandon? Second place is three eighty-six. Did you picture when you sat down to play with twenty-two thousand plus people that if you got second, you get less than four hundred thousand? No. Could you imagine that? How about this one? <laughs> if you final table this Colossus, 22,374 entries, if you final table, you get a whopping $67,681. That's ninth place. That's, that's the new house payout. Can you believe that? $67,000 for the final tabling this? What? What? Unbelievable. They don't know what they're doing. 67000 How How can you final table this thing and get 67000 I definitely wouldn't have played if I saw this. I mean, when I started playing, I thought the chance of me making the final table of this gigantic field event is... is just about zero. It had to be a fluke of all flukes for me to get there. And and for for doing that, I get sixty seven thousand. I get I get a uh, hundred something times my my buy in with twenty two thousand people. Crazy. Yeah, it's outrageous. I mean, it's a they're totally doing it wrong. So people are are justifiably angry about this. So yeah, this isn't the main event. Just pay less. I mean, just uh, you don't have to pay as much in the lower places. So so like uh, the minimum cash is almost, actually it was almost eleven hundred. It's a thousand ninety six. That's totally way too much. Way too much. Don't pay a thousand ninety six for min cash on this. Uh, pay eight ninety six. Pay eight fifty six. And then move up from there. Start taking, you just take what you generate. They claim this is generated by computer. Fine, let the computer generate it, and then a human being needs to go through and adjust it to where there's a, an impressive final table payout, where each person busting from that final table, they go, wow, this person did well. So guarantee 100000 for making the final table and a million, at least, for making the top spot. To show you that this can be done, PokerStars, for their ninth anniversary, had a special Sunday million where they guaranteed a $9 million prize pool, and it was only $215 to enter. And they paid out $1.1 million, I believe, for first. And they paid more than 10% of the field. So it can be done. Poker Stars did it. They should look to Poker Stars and say, how'd they do it? So I, I totally understand the criticism. Anyone who defends this needs to say, why does a min-cash need to get 1096 The recreational player who min-cashes will be... Relatively happy still with eight hundred something rather than thousand ninety six. When they announced, there was also a lot of people that were uh, a little upset or saying the future. Wait, you got you got soft for some reason. Before... Did you? Hold on. I'm so. Can you hear me? You got a little bit soft for some reason. Huh. I haven't changed anything. Okay. Go, go on. I think you're better right now. A lot of people were saying that they wish the WSOP would go the route of. Matt Savage run tournaments and release uh, how the prize pool is going to be distributed before the tournament so players would be able to make an educated decision on what, what if they chose to play it. And uh, 
you know, I, I don't think the World Series of Poker is ever going to do that, but that would be something nice. I would like to see how money's distributed beforehand. And like you said, you know, I, I'm, I'm of the same thinking. I thought, you know, it's a lottery ticket, but I thought it was like, you know, at least 1.2 to 1.5, you know, at the minimum lottery ticket. I didn't think it's a 600,000. I mean, $600,000 to beat 24, almost 24,000 people, as you said, I, I wouldn't have played it. Not yeah. even close. How about the, how about the ninth I place for 67? That's crazy. Yeah. Imagine, imagine you make the, the final table. Just think, think of yourself like, like, I think if you could just look in the future and someone would say, okay, I can give you the future, you're going to make the final table. I'm not going to tell you, uh, you're going to make the final table and go out ninth, just like Newhouse. And, and you go, okay, well, good. At least I'm going to come up with a lot of money. You're going to find out 67,000, you, you just, you'd be beside yourself. It's crazy. Did you already, did you already state on the air what the rake was? How oh, no, no, I haven't. Go, go ahead and tell people. Uh, I mean, I don't know the exact number. It was 1.2 million and change. No, it was 1.4 million and change. It was 1.4 million. Well, we can figure it oh, out. Sorry, here. 1. It, 4 I, I can figure it out with a calculator right now. Uh, because it's, it's $65 per person times uh, like 22,341, I think. Yeah, $1.45 million in rake. So the rake wins about two and a half times what first place wins. <laughs> so that's another problem. Yeah. And, and you know, John Stamos saying in chat, and I love John Stamos, by the way. Uh, uh, he says, Oh, shout out. He, uh, he's engaged. He's getting married. Yeah, I know. To Rebecca Romaine. He is. The, John Stamos. So John Stamos says, Poker Stars doesn't have the overhead cost that the World Series does. Well, that's true. But I'm not talking about the rake. The rake for 13% kind of sucked too, but I'm not even complaining about that. I, I'm just kind of accepting that. Notice that's not even one of my complaints at the rake of 13%. I'm just talking about after the rake, they're paying such a low percentage to first place because they made the thing too flat and they paid too much at the bottom. It wasn't even flat. It was too bottom heavy. So they, they need to fix this on these gigantic field tournaments in the way I described. And they, they chose not to do that. And I think they chose... Do they do this again next year? No, I think they're going to... you think this comes back? I, I think they're going to realize this is a mistake. They're, they're defending it right now because they don't want to say, yeah, we fucked up, you're, you're, we did the wrong thing. But next year they're going to say, guess what? Good news. Colossus, million-dollar guaranteed first prize. I'm sure they're going to... No, that's... Oh, no, I'm not talking about the, the structure. I'm talking about do you think this event in its form or close to its form will return next year? Yes, it was a, it was a huge success for the, for uh, for them overall. Despite all the fail, uh, first of all, they got a lot of good feedback because once they once the pre-registration line died, once that died down and it was pretty short on Friday, for a period of time, the thing appeared to run very smoothly. Uh, lines weren't that long. Uh, the tournament itself ran without that many disruptions. They they had to change times of some things sometimes, and and you know, people had to wait sometimes. Uh, there were there are a few adjustments they had to make, which, which I can expect and, and not going to blame them for because it's a new thing they're doing here. But uh, most people were impressed with how they ran it after these initial fail things were happening. And, and then everyone was happy until the prize pool was announced. And then people flipped out again. I, I heard from some, people, from some people who were sitting at the tables at the time, were still in it when they announced it. I was gone by then. But uh, when they announced this, People were shocked, and people were actually saying, no, that couldn't be right. They must have meant second place was, was 638. They must have left out first. People were sitting there, we don't believe it, this couldn't be right. And the whole t- Do you think this will be this will be a number that will never be broken? This the 23,000 no, and change? No, I, I think they're going to get it every year. I think they're going to get uh, – I think this is a huge thing. I mean, it was a brilliant idea to lower the cost. Yeah, but – 
Really? Yeah. You think every year? Yes. I mean, don't you think, at least for me, if if this is again next year, I'm not going to play it. The novelty of it was half of why it got such a huge what? well, not maybe not half, but the novelty of it was such of why it got such a huge feel. Do you really think the pros next year and just that? Okay, I mean, it may lose a little bit, but I think most people aren't going to be like you or I who who analyze it for the value and for the and for the you know making the top and and, and not getting enough money and, and for the clusterfuck and also the the novelty, which is a lot of the reason I played too. Uh, people like us may not play, but I don't think we're that many of the field. So it may not go up. I may be incorrect in saying they're going to get the same field. I think they're still going to get a huge field because this is what was brilliant about this. And I knew this is the second they announced it. There's, there's certain things like I know when they're announced, they're going to be huge. I, I like, like, and not just in poker. Like there's things that I, I hear are announced and I go, that seems kind of weird. I don't think this is going to work. And sometimes I'm right. Sometimes I'm wrong with that. But what I'm always right about is when I hear something announced that seems very, like, it seems like a brilliant idea and seems very exciting and that uh, I know is going to work. Like, uh, let me give you an example that's not about poker. When, you're uh, telling people when you're six years old to buy stock in uh, Microsoft, <laughs> weren't you? <laughs> but, I, uh, like, huh? when they announced, uh, like, Google, when they came out with Google Maps, I, I knew that was that was huge, the Google Maps. I, I knew that was going to be something that uh, that was going to be highly successful. Uh, did, did you predict that Circuit City was going to be gone? No, Are you telling people to get rid of their Circuit City stock? No, I didn't really pay much attention to that. Uh, like, I, I, I'm just saying that certain things that strike me as like, oh wow, this is a genius idea, this is going to be very successful. Usually is uh, so things that are a fail that I predict are a fail, uh, unless they're really obvious, like the Epic Poker League, which everyone knew was going to be a fail. Uh, things, things <laughs> some some things which I think might be a fail end up end up succeeding, and some things that I think are going to be a fail actually do fail. But uh, but where I'm always right is when I see something go. Oh, this is going to be huge, and then and then, and then what's it is. that big uh, burrito chain? Everyone eats that now. The stock is fucking like six hundred fifty a share. The uh, uh, what's the big the burrito thing? The burrito thing. Someone tell me. I forget. I've been even there. You know, there's like ten of them in Vegas. They're all over. Stocks like six hundred fifty a share. I think about like Chipotle. Yeah, Chipotle. Did you think that was going to be a big hit? I didn't really think about that one. It's something they just don't think about. But I'm saying when I do notice, like the, the, as soon as they announced the Colossus, I go, "Oh my god, that's a, a brilliant idea!" Because I knew I knew of so many people who had a dream of winning a World Series bra uh, bracelet, but they couldn't afford the thousand dollars. And you know, to you or I, you go, "A thousand dollars, no big deal." But like a lot of people who, who work for a living, a thousand dollars is a lot of money to go risk in a poker tournament where where ninety percent of the field does not cash. So, uh, and then you have to how that uh, how that how that Reno fellow do. The, the Reno fellow, he, 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 he ran up his, his stack uh, initially and then chunked it off. So he, he had a chance, but he just didn't, he couldn't hold on to the chips. I don't, I'm not saying he played badly. I'm just saying that's, that's the way his chip stack went. So no, he, yeah. like, he was one of the nine, nine out of ten who, who failed, uh, uh, including us. So I, I'm just saying here is that. Uh, so you can see the future. No, no, I can't. No, I can see when something will be highly successful. Uh, if, if it strikes me as highly successful, it is. Uh, if it's a fail, if I think it's going to be a fail, I'm only sometimes right. And there are also things that I see that 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 I don't know if it's going to be a success or not, and, and it ends up being a success. So I can be wrong with that too. Like like the Bitcoin, people are bringing up their. I when I heard about Bitcoin, I didn't think it was going to become what it did. So so that that was one where I. You know, didn't think I thought. So it was what's going to be roughly? What do you think is on the uptake, Druff? Just in general. Oh, I, I, I mean, Give I us something. I, I don't know. That's, I, I don't have it off the top of my maybe head. Maybe something small that you just kind of are following that you think maybe in five years I, is... There's nothing I can think of right I mean, now that, that off the top of my head that I've noticed recently that's that's not huge now but will be. But I'm telling you, like, the, the Colossus... Forums? Is, what about forums? What's the future for forums? 
I mean, forums will be around forever. I just don't know in what form, but they'll be around in some way. I mean, we, we've had them for a long time. Forums have existed for uh, since like the, the 90s, or the, at least the early 2000s in uh, popular form. So, but, but anyway, the, uh, this was a great idea because it made the World Series accessible to lower bankrolled people. And that's what that's or the everyday man or the everyday man draft. Not necessarily lower bankroll people, but the every the guys that are sitting around in 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 nowhere Iowa playing their nightly or their weekly game, and they say, you know what, it's five sixty five. Let's all just go down there and take a shot. Yes, yes. And they couldn't afford it, but maybe their wives don't want them gambling that much money, or you know, just the everyday man could play it, not just the. the Phil Locks and the uh, Jonathan Aguilars and the, the Stakies, those Weisners. Well, how about, and, uh, and, you know, Beer and Poker is saying in chat, Brian Mikon is probably super depressed he couldn't play the Colossus for 10% of himself. <laughs> <laughs> he probably is. I'm not kidding. I mean, he probably was watching this from afar going, damn, I wish I was there. How much do you think it's hurting him? Because I've got oh. a lot. I mean, we, we've read it. Yeah. So many people have, have written... Oh, what is Mycon thinking now? How how much is he regretting, you know, the, 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 the criminal acts and misdeeds that he's done? I mean, do you think he's sitting there in the Antigua now? It's, what is it? It's 11, 2.30, looking over that Caribbean, and he's just kind of <laughs> having maybe a little, what do they drink out there? Like a, like a rum runner or something? <laughs> yeah, something Whatever, some kind of fruity I'm sure, drink. I'm sure. And he's bet, sitting there and he just I'm sure wishes he, he was here. Yes, I'm sure he's highly depressed about Are we back on? I think we're back on. Hello, people. I, I have a good reason this whole thing disappeared. Let me put Brandon back on. Those of you listening in the archives. Brandon, call me back if you can hear me. Um, the internet here dies every 24 hours, and there's nothing I can do to stop it. So what ended up happening was uh, at 11-something was when I purchased the Internet last night. And um, it, it, it cut me. So that, that's what happened. Drop? Yeah, this is what happened. There's no way for me to stop it as far as I know. We're back on the airwaves. This is what happened. I knew this was going to happen. And, uh, and I, I, in my quick thinking about it, I couldn't think, think of a way around it. Uh, you get the internet for 24 hours here, and, uh, and so so at 11, I knew it was going to cut off during some point during the show. I, I knew it was going to I knew it was going to be like 11 something, and then it was right now. I don't even know how long I was talking to myself. I was kind of talking, and I was I thought you were just being quiet. How long was I off? You said something about this is what we're going to talk about on the show tonight. <laughs> that was the last thing I heard you say. <laughs> Um, I, I don't really know. Uh, we were talking about Rum Runners, Antigua, and then I lost you. Okay, was, okay, yeah. Was... So the internet died, and uh, uh, there's no way to just log on there and say, "Hey, can you extend it another day?" Like, there's no way. So, like, it just it just cuts you. And I, I don't know. Maybe there's some way to do it, but if there is, uh, I know Cal Watts in the chat. I met him during the uh, the World Series, and we went to dinner. And he, uh, I, I know, maybe he knows. Who's this? this is Cal Watts. K H A L W A T. But uh, he, he's he's a oh. very technical guy. Maybe I just I was thinking about it right before the show, and I couldn't off the top of my head think of a way to prevent this. I could not think of a way to prevent this. So uh, I, 
I just thought at 11 something is going to cut me. I was th- even thinking of just broadcasting through my tethered phone signal, but I, I felt that wouldn't be reliable enough. So, yeah, I'm at mm-hmm. their. He even Calwatt says I had no choice. I was at their mercy. That's what I thought. I mean, I could, <laughs> so I, I couldn't think of a way around this one. So I, I, I knew it was going to happen. I knew it would be 11 something. And all right, at least we're past it. In the archives, you'll just notice it's going to be all like compacted together. Can you edit it? Can you edit it all out? Make a, like a like a smooth transition. You know what sucks? No? My, my my audio editing software is is not good enough to where I can edit it, save it, and it'll be the same quality. Like the quality degrades a little bit for whatever reason. And uh, I don't want to. Like I usually don't utilize that mainly for that reason because I don't want to degrade the audio quality of the show. And uh, I, I have. If someone can re- recommend a, a package that doesn't do that, I'm sure there is one. But I just have the free Audacity package and uh, it it degrades the quality audacity. somewhat when I when I do that so anyway I, I it is audacity someone's saying download audacity I, I do it I don't know what the problem is but I use audacity and it, it's not unlistenable but I I can notice a difference in the quality when I edit something and uh, Kyle was saying re- record it in a lossless format and it won't degrade now that's off the top what what else do we have on the list tonight, buddy? Okay, so so okay, getting getting back to this here, uh, gotta get, I got to get back on track. Drew. You got to get me back good on radio. track. Yeah, that's that's good. You're cracking the whip here. So, um, yeah. d- did you hear about the the payout fail? Or did no one With hear the that? computer system going down? Yeah, did we get to that? Yeah. Uh, I mean, we I I don't think you went over it completely, but we did. I made some comments. We talked about it in the beginning, but you didn't. No, I mean, yeah, I mean the main part of the show much to okay. be said about it that they got a Commodore sixty four down there and it can't <laughs> generate payouts. Yeah, nine hundred people. Yeah, what happened? One hundred ninety three people were uh, it, it could process. You know, a bunch of people busted near around the same time. There was a line literally with like hundred with like seventeen hundred people, and that was expected. You have a, a massive line, people busting so fast. But uh, the problem was that. Uh, Actually, I don't know if they were all in line at the same time, but but the, what I do know is they processed 193 payouts, and about 1,500 were left to be processed of those that had busted so far and could not be done. It just stopped after 193 people. Now, they claimed in this this ridiculous thing they tried to say, this ridiculous explanation, they claimed that the reason this occurred was because uh, it was too much information for the computer to handle. It was a bottleneck of information. I don't get that. They, first of all, the monster stack, they had over 800 to process cash outs, and there was no such crash. It worked fine. So how could it crash after 193 if for the monster stack they could do 800 and it was fine? So I, I think this is very suspicious. I think either someone didn't understand what they thought they were explaining or there's something more that they're not telling us or it was just an outright lie. But, uh, yeah, th- this was... Uh, imagine how you, you cash, you just want to get your money and get out of there, and you can't. They, they said, this is the explanation, they quote, bottleneck of information they weren't prepared for given the unprecedented number of payouts. As a result, approximately 1,500 players were left unpaid. Unbelievable. So, someone trying to call my cell phone now. Yeah, it's not someone having to do with the show. I'll just turn it off. So, how can they not do a test on this or call the software provider of this and say, hey, can it handle something of this size? Like, like, how could this actually occur? How could they not have tested this beforehand? But I don't even understand the explanation. 
At least, at least get to like 800 like they did before. If they, if they claim the system just wasn't built, like the database wasn't uh, large enough or the system wasn't built, they didn't make, uh, uh, you know, they didn't make enough memory allocation for this or whatever, uh, they didn't build the system to process this many people caching, fine. But if that were true, it would either not let anyone cache or it would crash when you get past the maximum point. But 193 could not be the maximum point. So I don't get this. I, I don't understand from a technical standpoint how this could have even occurred. So it's weird, but it's another fail. Um, there, Cal Watts saying the radio cut out when we were talking about MyCon. <laughs> That's pretty early. I, I, I didn't think it cut out that early. Well, whatever. Um, the, the, the final problem, or the two final problems that we'll talk about, then we'll be done with this topic. Uh, the refunds. A player claims they are handling the refunds poorly. He claims that he did not play one of the later flights, asked for the refund for it, and then they would not give it to him, saying that he had actually played, which is incorrect, that they had him down as already playing. So another fail there. I don't know if this is a credible report, but it seems like it. Some guy on Twitter tweeted about that. That's, that's another problem that occurred. Uh, finally, I, I don't know. How, let's see how many people they're down to tonight. Let's see. Let me go to the uh, WSOP site, which I guess I lost when I lost my internet. So the let's take a look here. The Colossus, right now, they are down to uh, 122 people. 122 people left right now. So, so Brandon... Do you think they're going to go from 122 people down to the final table tonight? No, not even close. I so mean, what, the, right. the, the, Omaha, the Omaha tournament that had 915 people in it that I played in, it took four days. It took four days for that. No, no. It's, it's, um, you're going to have a, a full night tonight. I don't know. I'm, what, I'm going to assume, I guess, they played till about 3 in the morning, 2.33. And then you're going to have a full day tomorrow, and I wouldn't be surprised if it even goes part of the next day. Yeah, they they somehow thought it was going to finish today, or today, like the final table. Everything but the final table would be finished today. They thought. Yeah, but you know what? I've noticed a pattern where every year it seems, you know, when they list it, two, three day event, three day event, four day event. The three day events rarely finish in three days. Yeah, I don't know how they even thought this was possible that it would be. Uh, they call they call it a five day event, but there were two day ones, so it's really this right. four day event. And, and and so I don't know how they thought that was possible. I I I, I saw this. I thought this is ridiculous. How's this going to end in? Uh, I, when I put five day event at first, I thought they really mean like five days of play. That I thought was reasonable, but but four days is crazy. So they have here it's eleven thirty six. They probably don't have that many hours of play that they're willing to continue doing from this point, maybe, you know, four or five more hours. And they have 122 left. They're not even close. So, and, and they haven't even been, they didn't even come up with a contingency for this. It's not like yesterday they noticed it and said, okay, we're going to add another day right now. They're like, oh, well, let's see how it goes. Maybe we'll somehow we'll get a, an amazing, amazingly now fast. With that, uh, with that media badge you got there, uh, can you actually get down to that casino floor and do some reporting and radio right from uh, the thick of things in the trenches? No, they they have these funny rules that you have to uh, – the media pass basically entitles you to access certain areas that are restricted. 
but you're not allowed to do chip reporting. Like, I can't walk around the tables and do chip reports. And I also cannot just do interviews in the hallway. I have to take people into this one World Series room, World Series media interview room, and interview them there. And if they won't go, then I can't interview anywhere. So the, the, the interviews you see in the hallway. I walked around Binion's with a laptop and just started interviewing random people yeah. <laughs> for radio. Yeah, you interviewed, you, yeah, you interviewed like some, some, uh, old black guy and you interviewed, uh, yeah. like these two, two lesbians. Yeah, two lesbians. Yeah, two, two lesbians. Yeah, that was, uh, that was downtown, I think. That was, that was a good show. Yeah. It was that Binion's. Yeah. It was a Binion's. So, so yeah, so that's another fail. And, uh, so that, that's all that's been going on. So at least so far, those are well, all. That doesn't surprise me because they're normally pretty off. Yeah. When it comes to how long these tournaments take, take, well, I mean, they even admitted it beforehand. Um, when they said, I don't know if you read it, it was a press release, uh, funny enough from, uh, Mr. Your friend, Mr. Polanski that stated that the employee event, which was the same exact buy-in as this event and the same exact structure, identical, he said, there was a lot more play involved than they anticipated um, due to, you know, the, the levels, the fact that people were getting uh, 5,000 in chips when in the past, I think, would they get for the employee event, like 1,500 or 2,500? Yeah. 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 And that longer than it expected. So they, they did say beforehand that they expected this to go longer than anticipated due to what they saw from the employee event. Yeah. But you know what? Listen, I'll say this. I, I don't agree with the money. You know, they actually, I guess – from a marketing standpoint, probably were, were wise not to publish it ahead of time because I wouldn't have played. Yeah, I wouldn't have played. I either. wouldn't have played a twenty-four thousand person tournament, and you know, to play. I, I mean, you know, I, I just I wouldn't have done yeah, it to get to get sixty-seven thousand or ninth. I mean, crazy. Yeah, but I will give them credit. You know, where credits due. I mean, there were a lot of people, and considering the logistical nightmare of what they had to do, I mean, I'd say they handled it reasonably well. Um, I mean, of course, we knew there was going to be fail, and I think probably if if we knew back then what we knew now, we would have probably anticipated there would have been more fail than there actually was. So, well, yeah, you know so, what? yeah, getting the bodies, the bodies in the seats at the tables, and and having the actual play, like all that part, they did well. So that's why, like, once they got past the, pre- there was a period like between the pre-registration and when they announced the prize pool, I mean, it, it was smooth sailing. There are a lot it was, of- there are a lot of things that didn't make sense, like what they did to you, how you were able to get your seat, and other people I knew that got their seat that way, but yet there are people that were locked out. The table that I was at, um, although I was there only briefly, never got higher than seven-handed. And then at one point we were five-handed when two people got knocked out within the first 20 minutes. Um, so it was never full. I saw empty seats around me. I saw some tables that were – and that's another thing that, that I can see would bother a lot of recreational people. doesn't really bother me as much. But I was looking around when I was playing, and some tables had nine people at it. And I didn't see any ten-handed tables. I don't know if you did, but because they stated that they would be playing ten-handed until you know, more tables opened up and more tables were broke. But I did not see any ten-handed tables. I saw some that were nine. I saw many tables just standing up that five or six players. And for some recreational players, like you mentioned earlier, that are not used to playing shorthanded or, or even I – know, I know a lot of people that feel uncomfortable yes. playing shorthanded because you have to adjust your your range and, and your aggression. It's, it's just – it's totally different than playing, you know, full ring. And I can see a lot of a lot of people being nervous and being uncomfortable approaching a table where it happens to be an aggressive table and there's only five or six people there. And the blinds are, you know, going around fast and they're like, Jesus, I only have 5,000 in chips and 
everyone's raising every hand and, you know, I, I, I'm not com- I'm out of my comfort zone. So I don't think that was fair. I think they should have found a way to some, I mean, I, I didn't play that long, obviously, but, you know, for the time I was there, I never saw, I saw such huge discrepancies in the amount of tables and, 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 and players that, that was troublesome to me, you know, just cause I could understand how potentially that would, you know, affect other people that, that weren't used to that. Yeah. So, so I guess they did some things, they did some things well. And then they did some things very poorly. It was it was kind of like one or the other. It was either like everything they did was either a complete fail or or they did very well, and then not much not much in between. So, uh, Beer and Poker has a, has a question in the chat. I don't I don't really know the answer. I mean, I, I could guess. Beer and Poker is asking: Do they even plan these pay structures ahead of time, or does yes. some guy just go into a room and plug them into a Commodore sixty four that he thinks no, sounds they, good? No, for they, the use, they, they no, they, well, sort of. They they have a computer that would determine this and and they just decided the computer is is correct and then just plugged in the numbers and then just took them they didn't nobody plugged in the numbers and said wait a minute does this make sense is this a good idea they just took them is there a committee if say two people saw and like you know what let's change this or let's bump this could they have done that they have authority yes yes yeah yes they just chose not to and i think because they were scared i I think they were afraid I think your suggestion in one of your posts, or maybe it was a tweet, is pretty accurate that they should indeed bring back a player committee. And again, like you said, not, I, I concur, not just, you know, the, a Daniel O'Gron and a Phil Hummies, but someone like, I think the example you used was Matt Glantz. Yes. People along those lines, um, to go over things like this and sort of try to get a reaction of what they think the poker community as a whole or at least the majority would, would want or would, would like to see yes. before they make things like this. They definitely need that. They definitely need a player community, not of just the famous pros, like, but be like Matt Glantz types and others who, who, who are knowledgeable about the, what the community wants, knowledgeable about what's the right thing to do in these spots, and advises them. And right. so they can see – Jay oh, Costa never would have – that Jay Costa kid, he never would have let this shit happen. Oh, but if, if they had Jay Acosta, he would have been in his – his scarf would have fallen off when he found this out. His, if he wasn't was a that, player – that- Really, was that really a true picture yes, of him? That Did was someone him. find him? That was, that? That, no, that was someone took him took a picture of him there. Yeah, he posted where he was going to be sitting. So someone secretly, I don't even know who did it. Someone secretly went over. You know, he, and, looked like, he looked like a, a Dario Minari on meth. <laughs> someone went over and took a picture of, of one of our listeners and forum posters, Jay Acosta, who actually, to his credit, he started two of the biggest threads on Poker Fraud Alert, the one about the Colossus he started and the one about yeah. uh, about Micon he started. So it's a boy. He was he's been, he's been starting. You remember with, that little Dario with the scarves? Yes, I remember Dario Minieri and his Porsche. Whatever happened? And he got his Porsche from Poker Stars. He was it was a big deal yeah, in Italy. Whatever happened to that little kid? He also was dating one of the like hot chicks that was involved with Poker Stars. I forgot who it was. He, he yeah. dated someone. Oh, you know, that, speaking of uh, speaking of just weird things, I have not. But PFA's very own Matt the Rat told me that he ran into uh, a net 15 and told me that she couldn't have weighed more than 100 pounds. And he said she looked absolutely gorgeous. Well, um, That all that baby fat, huh? No, I knew about that. I knew she lost a ton of weight. I, I saw her when she was skinny after that. Oh, okay. It's been for a while. I, I have yeah. He said she really looked beautiful. I don't know how beautiful, but what, what's your opinion on her now? I mean, losing the weight. I haven't seen her. Well, I think she's... Uh, uh, 
I, I, you know, I, I only saw her once, and she, she looks better than when she was like really overweight. But um, I, I, she, she's a mutt though. She's still a mutt. Well, no, I thought she got. I couldn't. She had like big sunglasses on. I couldn't see the way her face looked. But she, um, she was, she was too skinny in my opinion. But uh, and, and if he said she still looks like she's a hundred pounds, that's probably too skinny. But but and she's very very short. I mean, she may, she may have a resemblance to, in body to Amanda Leatherman now. But uh, she is very short too. You know, uh, Annette. I, I, Annette, I don't like because of how long she promoted lock poker with everything they were doing and, and didn't give a shit. Okay. So, so, uh, let's, let's move to the, uh, the Mark Hoke situation. Um, we've talked a lot about Mark Hoke on here. We've just been joking around. We don't have any issue with him, but, uh, Brandon, before I even got to the world series, I believe during his, his Omaha event, uh, you encountered Mark Hoke in the hallway of the Rio. Is this true? Yes. I posted a picture, uh, I think on the uh, one of the th- was what was the thread called? Um, I think it was started by Daredevil, but whatever. It was one of the threads I posted. I'm not sure. But yeah, I posted a picture of him and I uh, kind of doing like a little man hug uh, greeting thing. So, so how did it go? So you noticed Mark Hoke? He's like sitting by himself at a little booth. There is a he's not broadcasting from the booth, right? You just, he's just there to talk with him. Is that what? What was the point of the booth? Um. Well, to be honest with you. It was late in the – well, not late. But I think it was right before the dinner break, so I don't know. And he was just packing up the booth. I didn't see any signs of uh, radio equipment, headsets, nothing. He was just sitting there. And then I went and I used the bathroom, and I'm like, wow, that's Mark Hoke. Okay. And I, I just thought it was funny. So I came back, and he had a, a booth, and he had um, a bunch of business cards that just said Mark Hoke Radio was AM Channel. And then he had some keychains. So you got uh, a keychain? Did you get know, one? You know what? Guess what the keychain said? The Mark Hoke show. Yeah, right. Exactly. So what? What I'm you didn't? Thinking, you didn't get one? No, I got a business card. Oh, jeez, I would I would have taken one for sure. I would taken the keychain for sure. Yeah. Well, he's, he'll be back tomorrow. So anyhow, I approached him and uh, I said, "I'm a really, really huge fan of yours. <laughs> uh, you're my favorite AM show." Um, after this fishing show uh, that I watch about the fishing conditions for bass in Lake Mead. And he said, oh, well, I'm very, very happy to hear that. You know, I'm glad you listened. So then I said, you don't mind if I, uh, you know, take a, a picture with you? And he's like, no, of course not. So I did like a selfie. You know, no one else took it. I just, you know, flipped the thing on the iPhone, took a picture. And then I'm thinking, you know what, I'm going to tell this guy who I am. So then uh, – take the picture and you know I, I i well i asked him like how did you get your own show because i kind of wanted to see you know if he was going to tell me you know that he pays for it or what yeah, he'd yeah. say and uh he actually to the guy's credit um you know he didn't flat out say to me i you know i i you know cost me a ton of money but he said or that he pays for the right to have an am show but he looks at me and says having your own radio show is really really expensive and uh, you know, I guess that was his way of saying that he, he pays for it. Yeah. And I'm like, well, I'm, you know, I'm a really big fan. So then I said to him, I said, well, you know, it's actually funny because uh, I want to get the picture first before I possibly alienated him. And I said, you know, what's funny. I do a little uh, show once in a while there uh, with uh, bracelet winner Todd Dandruff would tell us on this little cute little site called Poker Fraud Alert. And I said, have you ever listened to it or have you ever heard of it? And he says, yeah, I've listened to it a bunch of times. And I'm like, <laughs> you know who Todd is? 
And he's like, yeah, I know who he is. And I'm like, you know who I am? I, I go by Drexel. And he's like, yeah. <laughs> and then now, of course, I don't know if he's telling the truth or just being polite. But either way, it was obvious that he hadn't heard us in recent weeks. Yeah. Um, you know, because he didn't bring it up. And even if you're listening now, you know, it, it's all just in fun. And, and it's not, we have nothing against you at all. You know, we, it just, it's cute. You have your own little AM show. And, uh, you know, it's all started out because he played that. Yeah. Well, we played that clip of him uh, with, interviewing with Karina. our friend Karina. Yeah. Um, so anyhow, and then he said to me, yeah, maybe he does know who I am. I don't know. And then I said, well, you know, I'd love to have you on the show sometime. And then he gave me a counter offer. Anytime you want to come on, you know, our show, let me know. And, he, and then that's when he picked up the business card that had his cell phone, fax, pager, he had like eight numbers on. He said, you just, you know, you'd call me. And I'm like, well, I'm playing, you know, these little poker contests throughout the summer. But when, uh, you know, I have some free time, I'll come on the, the Brady, you know, the Brady Hoke show. show and I'll. Well, I always get – that's the former coach of, what, Michigan? I just – I can't get him – I get yeah. him confused. I like how you so, call him Brady because uh, that's, that's good. Yeah. So, but he, he – I mean, I don't know what to believe. I mean, he, when I said your name, he knew who you were. When I said the site, I mean, he's probably – he's got a herd of us. I don't know if he really would sit there and listen. Um, but uh, – so then, I you know, I, I shook his hand. He was really gracious. I'm not going to – you know, he's a little uh, – he's kind of a heavy set guy. Yeah. I didn't really realize. He's a big boy. Hmm. He's kind of like – um. Oh, no, I won't say he's like a Jimmy Frick, but he kind of looks like Jimmy Frick. Like he has kind of like blonde, blondish hair, kind of like a baby face. Um, you know, blue eyes, light, light skin, a little, uh, what do they call those things? Uh, the things that that Lindsay Lohan has. Freckles, freckles. Oh, freckles, okay. freckles. Um, you know, a little, little robust. Um, you know, but very, 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 very friendly. And, uh, you know what? Tomorrow, um, he's right outside. Like literally, if you're playing in the uh, Brazil room, that's where I was, or Brasilia, and you go out. You, there's like a little hallway you can dart out to go right to oh, the bathroom. I, th- I, th- right I think that's when uh, Quad Jax used to be there. Well, he's right next to the bathroom. <laughs> he's right next to the men's room. <laughs> that's exactly where Quad so, Jax used to be. Depending on where we play at tomorrow, if uh, you know we don't play until four. Uh, if we have some time, we should both walk over yeah, there and, we and should. introduce and, and ourselves. And... Not only that, I don't know if uh, – well, I know you're doing something earlier on Wednesday, but on Wednesdays is when they do the show at 5 p.m. Well, now, obviously he was not proudly wearing his media pass like you were. I'm sure he has one. But would he be allowed to broadcast from no, that area? No, 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 no. Well, okay, I don't know about maybe getting those booths. Like I couldn't just bring a table down there and sit like he does. He obviously pays – to have that table there. Now, what? whether you could broadcast... I've seen shows broadcasting there before. I don't know if it was his, but in previous years, I saw like a, an expensive-looking setup with people actually broadcasting from there. I don't know if it was live or if they were just recording it there and playing it later, but I saw a broadcast of some radio show. I don't think it was his that was at one of those type of tables. Now, I don't know if he's there broadcasting or if he's actually just there, but the show's only on once a week, like ours is. It's only on Wednesdays for an hour at 5 p.m. So... I don't know what he's doing with that booth, but you can get permission from them to do it, but you probably have to pay a fair amount of money, which he's probably already paying to even have that booth there. You can't just have a booth for free, even if it's just a table. Uh, they want, oh. so, so he's paying for that, too. I mean, Mark Hoke, I don't know where he gets his money, but he must have some money here to, to pay for this show every week, 
plus uh, have Cody, the booth I mean, of the World Series. What do you think it costs? You said 150 a show. That's not. Well, you don't have no money for that. I don't know what that means. Yeah, I guess. I guess that's right. Once a week is nothing. What do you? That's that. You have to have some money. TMLK could have because scrounge 150 that's, together a week and do his own. That's true. I guess. Ballin! You know. I guess, I guess that's true. Yeah, only for once a week for an hour. I guess I was thinking more daily, but yeah, once a week. Yeah. For 200 bucks a week, you can do it. Yeah, she said to me, having your own show is really expensive, and I... Well, maybe know, to I him don't... it is. Maybe he, he just looks at it, he's paying, uh, you know, for four weeks, 800 bucks. I'm just guessing that that's what the San Bernardino station I know of charges, but maybe this one charges more, because the San Bernardino station be, had a crap I, these, signal. These, these codes aren't working. So, I mean, I'm going to be honest, I'm not as cheap as you, but I, it's hard for me with tax... And all the different fees to justify paying twenty six bucks for a ten dollars well, smoothie. Where, where, where are the smooth? Are, are there any here? Is that what the woman said? I know you don't want to go down, but like when the show's no, over, no, I, I can... have to have them go all the way out to Warm by Mandalay Bay, and bring us our smoothies and me my flatbread sandwich. Okay, no, I'm just talking about in the Rio. In the Rio, is there anywhere smooth, serving a smoothie right now? No, absolutely not. No, all you have open is that damn uh, all American. No, no, the deli. Bar. No, the bar. The all Americans closed. It's the deli now. The sports deli. They may have it. They probably don't, but they may. The deli's 24 hours now? Yes, they've, they've switched it. The All-American closes at 11 or 12, and the deli's open 24 hours. Huh. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, anyway, the uh, if we find him tomorrow, maybe we should ask if we can come on on Wednesday at 5. Yeah. If we're not slow, no, we're going to be still in the limit holding tournament, so we won't be able to. Both of us will be. Yeah. We'll be both. That's on the, way the Daniel Negreanu thinking. Remember, we were getting told that's, that at that's, dinner. That's right. That's right. We learned that Daniel, Daniel told us Daniel Negreanu engaged in positive thinking last year, and even though he didn't win a bracelet, he he ran super deep, finished second. You know, he had a great World Series. And I, to show you what I do, I said that I'll be on the show on June first. I won't be in day three of the Millionaire Make or not the, in the Colossus because I'm I'm not going to make it that far. And I was right. <laughs> so, so that that's the difference between me and Negranu. Negranu says, "Hey, I'm going to win every tournament," and I say, "I'm going to lose every tournament." And, and look, I, it came true. I, I lost already. So, so maybe, maybe I no, should you're say, "You're pretty, you're pretty competitive." I I saw you're getting a little trolled, you know, to some degree when you busted out of that uh, colossal thing. Yeah. Uh, when you busted out, were you pretty pissed off? No, it wasn't that. I was. I mean, I wasn't. I busted out. I said good luck to everyone. I got up and left. I, wasn't, I you, you know, know, I wasn't that pissed because I never had that many chips. But I, I got ten thousand at the high. But I didn't last that long. It just, I, I was only annoyed. But it, it, you know, it wasn't that bad as far as bust outs. But like, whenever here's the problem. I, I actually do want to hear the community's opinions of certain hands that I think are marginal, whether I played them the right way. But like I'm always afraid to post it because then the trolls come out and make and make fun of me if they don't agree with the way I played it. Like they can't just they can't just come out and say matter of factly, you know, I think you should have done it this way. Like there's there's always the people that that, that are going to rip on me. Like right after I busted, like I don't want to hear it. And, and then it's, but then at the same time I kind of want their opinion, and I'm not sure I'm going to have the desire to post the hands many days later when I won't care as much if they troll me. So like it's a right. it's a tough one. It's like I'm trying to decide should I say this or should I just uh silently wonder to myself did I do the right thing and say nothing. Because like I, I can I can just say nothing and oh, you know, it just didn't go my way or oh I it was a cooler, the guy had eight five offsuit and flopped two pair as I busted. Like, you know, I can just say things like that and people go, Okay, that's too bad, you know, just bad luck, never mind. But you know, or I could post the details of the hand and have people pick apart you know whether I do the right thing or not. So like, uh, it's tough because I, I want to hear people's opinions. So when I play other tournaments, maybe I, in the same spot, I'll do something different. Uh, or, but then I, I don't enjoy getting trolled afterwards. So, 
And I can take being trolled on the site. It's just like right after I bust, I hate getting trolled about uh, you know, when I post hands for opinions and I just get troll responses. It's just I almost didn't post them for that reason. I knew that would happen. But uh, but but yeah, it's. I mean, I'm never happy when I bust out. It's always it's always like at, at the very least irritating, like to where I'm in a temporary bad mood. Not always a terrible mood, but. It depends, though. Where it really get where it really gets to me to bust is when I've built up a big stack and then bust before the money. I hate it. Is there anybody even left in this Colossus thing that's uh, that we know that I mean, just I can look. I can look who's here. Pro. Can, let's look. Let's look who's here. Let's look who's here. Because so I saw that uh, this was earlier today that uh, Racer was in there. The Racer's uh, still around, yeah. And there's somebody else. Oh, uh, James, uh, James Mackey was on there. <laughs> James Mackey. Okay, here's here's what we got left. We have uh, it looks like sixty five people. Let's see what names I recognize. Uh, oh, Ray Hansen's still in it. I know him. Uh, that's that's uh, he's number two actually in chips. That's that's surprising. Someone I know is up there. Uh, everybody else so far I don't recognize. Danny Wong, I recognize him. Mike Leah. Oh, wow. uh, let's see. Oh, Ryan Laplante. We talked about him here. The the he's in the Rainbow Flops. The gay guy. He's in. Kind of in the middle of the pack. Uh, let's see here. Don't recognize. Don't recognize. Uh, I think there's a woman in Valerie Krasinski from Michigan. Don't know who she is, but she's female. And uh, I don't see anyone else I recognize. No, everybody else is. Either a no namer or someone I just don't know. Hmm. And is Raisner gone? I don't. I don't. Raisner may be gone. Let's see. Yeah, Raisner's gone in eighty sixth. Wow. How, so how, wait, how many are left now? Sixty five. And 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 Ray Henson's number two. Uh, Ray Hansen made it almost to the final table of the main event. I think he made it to like tenth or eleventh one year. He's he's actually he was a limit holdem player. He's more of a tournament player now, I think. But uh, he was he was more of a limit holdem player. He's he's friends with David Baker actually. So he, I I actually played with Ray Hansen at the uh, the very last limit holdem shootout they had, and and I really screwed him. He was uh, he took a ton of bad beats against me heads up. He had me down to almost nothing, and then I hit like a runner runner straight to survive all in, and then I had so many hands in a row against him where I was just putting. Sick beats on him, and then he busted. And he was having a terrible series up to that too, so he actually tweeted that he feels like kicking the cat when he got home. <laughs> and I was I was actually nice, and I tweeted out that he deserved to win that one. That he took a lot of bad beats, and that he actually retweeted it. But uh, um, I, I think he doesn't like me very much because he's good friends with David Baker, who doesn't like me. Uh, by the way, uh, Suicide King, who finished two fifty fifth in this. Uh, he took home uh, seven thousand seventy one seventy, which also kind of sucks for. Uh, I mean, it's not that bad, I guess. For I don't mind those places getting somewhat underpaid. They just they shouldn't be underpaying. Like like there's sixty five people left, and they're guaranteed fourteen thousand right now, and then it goes up to sixteen thousand. But like even at this point, you think you make it down to sixty five out of twenty two thousand. You think, oh, I'm going to get some big money. No, you're you're only getting like a, a low five figure payment. You're only getting six, fourteen thousand right now, and soon sixteen thousand. So, um, 
And that's the problem with these type of giant field events, especially if they don't adjust the the payouts right. So okay, let's let's uh, see what else we got here. Uh, see Grenada Rogers going to sleep. He says he'll catch the rest in the archives. Oh, my battle with the housekeeping supervisors of the Rio. Uh, Brandon, do you like when you stay at a hotel for more than three days? Do you like for the maid to come in, or do you not like it? You know what? I'm pretty tidy in my room. Um, you know, I, I don't make a mess. I prefer, I mean, okay, an example. When I was in St. Martin, I was there for eight eight nights, so obviously I had to have someone come in. I think I had them come in two times, maybe three at the most. Um, I'm not an everyday person, um, you know, in terms of them coming in. I don't like, uh, I mean, it's not even a theft thing. I've never had anything stolen from a hotel room, but I just don't prefer, I, I, I don't prefer people to come in and move my things around. Right, and touch I feel my that stuff, way too, so. right. That's exactly yeah. how I feel. I, and it's not about stealing or anything. Like I said, I've never even had once a bad, any sort of bad experience. Yeah, I haven't I either. I haven't either, yeah. right, right. I mean, the World Series is an extra concern, though, about the thefts, but, but I agree that it, it's more about them just you know, messing around with things in your room, not, not even intentionally, just moving things around and, and, and then touching your things. Like, you just kind of just don't want a, another person in here uh, you have your room the way you want it, the way you know it is. You, yeah. you don't you don't want them rearranging things to clean, and and uh, uh, you just you just kind of feel like you don't want any interference with the room the way the room currently is. So that, that's how I feel. Uh, people say, "Oh my God, how can you not have the maid come?" Well, uh, I don't think anybody listening to this show has a maid come in their house every day. Uh, I know I don't. I have a maid that comes once a week, and that's with a, a four year old living there who makes a big mess all the time. So if if with a four-year-old in the house that I only have a maid come once a week, why by myself in a hotel room where I don't make a mess at all, why would I have a maid come every day? What's the purpose? Why why would I need the bed sheets changed every day? Why would I need them changed at all in five days? I don't change my bed sheets every five days. You know, like, a, like wh- why do I need that? So I, I figure if I don't need it, they shouldn't come in. So two years ago, I I had the do not disturb sign the whole time on the door. Didn't want the maid to come in. I I got this notice that the Rio puts in your door after three days. When it comes close to three days, after two days, they put in a notice saying, we're going to come in if you don't let us in by the time three days passes. That's our policy is that uh, they put it in a more polite sounding way. It's funny you mention that because, uh, oh, I'm sorry, where, where was that at? Where you got that notice? The Rio, two years ago. Okay. I don't know about – I've never gotten that notice before, but one time um, – and I think this applies for all CET properties. I was in Laughlin, and uh, I, I brought a pet with me. I brought a, a dog, and I know when I signed in or checked in, I had to sign a document stating that I couldn't go longer than 72 hours during my trip without allowing them access and securing my dog to, to enter the room. But in terms of – other places, and I've stayed in a lot of hotels, maybe not as many as you, but I have stayed in a lot of hotels in my life. I've never been forced to have a maid enter or been told I had to. No. Right, except except for here. I've never had it anywhere else except for here. So so they tell, they put this notice up, and this is two years ago, and I called them up and said, I don't want them to come in. They said, well, they have to. I said, why do they have to? They have to make sure you're okay. I said, okay, I'll come down to the front desk right now with my ID and prove I'm okay. Uh... No, no, they still have to come in. Why? Well, for to for, make sure everything's okay. So, what do you mean everything's okay? Are you afraid I have a body in the room? Like, what's the issue? I, I can understand why if they don't hear from you, why they want to come in. So, if you've got like a fifteen-day reservation, they don't find a dead body that's been there for twelve days. 
Okay, I can understand that they want to prevent that, but there's but why can't you just come down to the front desk and present yourself every three days if that's the big concern? So I think I think more they wanted to see the room and make sure that there hasn't been like major damage done and that you're going to skip out on it. Like they want to stop it before it gets too bad. They don't want you trashing the room every day for 15 days in a row. That's my guess of why they have this policy. And secondarily, in case something happens to you, they don't want you dying in the room. And, and uh, because it, it's much worse, the contamination that occurs from a dead body, if several days pass than just like, you know, a few days. So I, I think it's those two things together. That's one of the biggest cover-ups in Las Vegas. Uh, the number that, you know, just doesn't ever appear in the media unless it's somebody uh, famous or anything. But so many people, and I mean, I, I learned this just from my jaunt in the casino uh, business uh so many people die so many people come to las vegas to commit suicide um it's really bizarre how many dead bodies they actually find you know per month or almost even i'd say per day it probably probably average about a death a day wow and it never gets reported you never hear about it oh yeah yeah i i know they 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 try to cover these things up oh no but i mean it's pretty simple what it is is the casinos spend a lot of money, especially the local casinos, advertising, you know, in, in the Las Vegas Review Journal. Um, you know, whether it's, you know, for, you know, Mother's Day dinners or, you know, just all kinds of things throughout the year. You know, their New Year's Eve parties or Christmas parties. And in return, you know, I, I really believe that that's kind of a, like an agreement they have because they spend so much money advertising with, you know, the media here. Then in return, what they do is they don't publish these kind of things because, I was amazed when I worked at, uh, you know, the last casino job I had, you know, almost 10 years ago at the Hard Rock, I would hear firsthand of people that were overdosing and people that were, that committed suicide, you know, all kinds of stories. And I would never, ever hear about it in the media. I yeah. wouldn't, it wouldn't be on the news. It wouldn't be in the newspaper and it wouldn't be online. So it just, you know, it started making sense that it was a big cover up that they didn't want this getting out because of the publicity. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. so uh, anyway, uh, so going back to the the Rio here, I, I this is two years ago, and I told them. So, so I had a big argument with them, and so I I eventually got them to agree that they were not going to send the maid in for two reasons. One, I I just didn't want anyone in here when I wasn't here. I for both for you know one, I didn't want any potential thefts, and two. I don't want them messing with my stuff. I just there's no reason for them to come in. I don't want to open up the possibility because once the maid comes in, if anything disappears, uh, now you don't know anymore if you know for sure if the room got broken into or if it was the maid doing it. You, I, I like being able to eliminate completely that anyone was ever in here without me being here, to where if something happens, then I know there was some sort of intrusion to the room. And once once the maid is entered, you never know who did it anymore. So no. so so that I just don't need them here. I I don't want them here. So I, I told them this. They finally agreed, and they said, we will tell the, the housekeeping staff, do not come in your room. So I'm playing a World Series event two years ago, and there's a big line for the bathroom. So as Matt the Rat said, I walked back to my room and went up there. And I walk in, and I, I see I don't have to use the key to open the door. The door is already open, propped open, and in there is the maid who I had just told the day before not to come in. Like, I verify with her she's not coming in. And there were two other people, two guys in there with her. And I was pissed. I said, I thought I'd, I thought we talked about this yesterday. I thought, I thought you're not supposed to come in. You said, okay, I don't come in. 
Why are you here? Who are these guys? And she looks so scared. And she says, I don't want to. I don't want to come. My supervisor, he make me come. He say I have to come. I believed her. She was so scared. I could tell she was being forced to come here against her will. So it turned out the supervisor was some asshole who decided that yeah, you know, he's going to enforce the policy and he doesn't like that I got the front desk to overrule them. That he, you know, he as the head of housekeeping is not going to let some punk guest like me change his rule. So he overruled the front desk, which he's not allowed to do, and said, I'm coming anyway. The maid told him, hey, you know, the guy asked me not to. And the supervisor said, you better come in or you're going to be fired. And, and then he said, here, take these two guys with you. So if the guest is pissed, you know, he's not going to harm you or anything because uh, you're going to have these two men with you. So they sent them in there to inspect. And they were going through my room inspecting things. So I was furious about this. So I, I, I went to the front desk and said, what the hell? And the front desk admitted that they, they looked into it and they said, yes, the housekeeping supervisor overruled this and had no right to do it. We're very, very sorry. Um, we're going to make sure this never happens again. Uh, we're we're going to submit a report about how this should not have occurred. And uh, blah, blah, blah. So they promised me it wouldn't happen. So that trip, it didn't happen again. Uh, last year... This is two years ago. Last year, knowing that it occurred in 2013, I preemptively told them, don't let this happen. Again, they argued with me again. Oh, we got to do a welfare check, blah, 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 blah. They, they agreed. And this time, no one came in my room, but I got that stupid notice. Hey, we're going to come in your room tomorrow. And I had to call up again and remind them, oh, yeah, you're right. Okay, we'll make sure they don't. So no one did. I was okay. This year, I come here and uh, I go through the same routine. And uh, again, they agree at the front desk. The management at the front desk says we will put the note, do not come in the room. We'll send a message to the housekeeping staff. So, Brandon, when you check into the uh, the hotel here, do you ever see like a flashing message light on the phone, this, these old school phones? I, I, had one, I had one tonight Yeah, that was from some marketing bitch uh, welcoming and giving me her number and saying if there's anything I need to make my stay more enjoyable. To call her, I yeah. mean, right when we came back in, the yeah. light was blinking. Right, right. Yeah. I always have that. I always have that crap too. Hello, welcome to hello, Mister yeah. Whittles. Welcome to the Rio. If there's anything I can do to make your stay more pleasant, please feel free to call me at extension. Blah blah. So, uh, they so, call you the Whittles, huh? Right. So right. So so Whittles here had the flashing light, and I was sure it was that crap. So I call up, get my message, but it says you have zero messages remaining. You have one other message. Please press zero to get the other message. That's weird. So I press zero. It rings, and I get someone. The, I get the operator. So I say to the operator, what is this other message? He says, I have a text message for you. <laughs> can, can you believe they can send a text message to me through these old school telephones? So that's what it was. It's a text message on a non-electronic phone uh, to an analog phone that they have to read me. <laughs> so, so I say, okay, what's the text message? Okay, hang on a second. Dear Mr. Whittles, uh, this is from the so he goes. This is from the housekeeping supervisor. Oh boy, dear Mr. Whittles, it is required that we enter your room after a period of three days. It is mandatory. We have to do this for your safety, for a welfare check. We understand you have made a request that we. Do not enter your room. However, we're afraid we must deny this request, and we we thank you for your cooperation in this matter. I'm like, what the hell? 
So they, they overruled it again. But this time sent me a text message to let me know that they've overruled it and they're going to come in anyway. So I'm like, why is this so hard? Why can't you just say, I'm declining this, please don't come in, or at least give a mechanism to come to the front desk. So I called up the front desk and I go, here we go again. They're going to, they're, they're just overruling me. And the front desk is like, wait a minute, they, they can't do that. So, well, they did it two years ago. They're about to do it again. At least this time they warned me with a text message. <laughs> so, so they, uh, they called up the housekeeping supervisor, put a smackdown on them. And then I got a call from the housekeeping supervisor, uh, verifying with me that they're not going to come in. So I guess they're not going to come in, but, but what a pain in the ass. Why, why can't they just respect your, Decision not to have them come, or at least give you the option to show up in person. Why do they have to come in? And they even gave a notice. They asked me when I checked in, are you here for the tournament? I said yes. They gave me a paper that mentioned some things about the World Series, and one of the things that says that the housekeeping staff will, in all caps, enter your room after three days, even if you have a do not disturb. Please be aware of that. And then you had to choose a, a time for them to come in if, if you want to, uh, if you don't want to be woken up. So, like, you can pick for them to come in at 3 p.m. or 6 p.m. if you don't like 10 a.m. So they're like, that's the accommodation they're making, that you can pick the time. But what a bunch of bullshit that they have to come into your room every three days. And, and the fact that you, there's, like, no way to opt out, of, opt out of it without, like, massively fighting. So that, that's my never-ending battle for the third year in a row with the real ha- housekeeping supervisor who just, who just wants to overrule what the front desk management tells them. And they don't even have the authority to do it. They just decide they're going to do it. And they thought by sending me that bullshit text message, I was going to back down. But they, they didn't know that they're talking to, you know, Todd Wittellis or Whittle Super Jew. All right, so somebody who, who did back down, I don't know if you read this story. Dennis Hastert, who is behind the 2006 UIGEA that made online poker officially illegal in the United States to operate. Uh, he was blackmailed by a former student at the school he used to teach. He was the wrestling coach, the boys' wrestling coach. A former student blackmailed him and told him that he's going to come out with a story of what they used to do together if Dennis Hastert does not pay him a massive bribe. And I guess this wasn't put like a bribe. It was put more like reparations, like, hey, you did this to me, so pay me for what you did to me, or I'm going to bring it to the media. Rather than than like blackmail would be like, hey, I saw you're cheating on your wife. You better pay me $100,000. I'm going to tell people. That's blackmail. This isn't quite blackmail because it's this guy actually you know claims he was harmed in some way by Dennis Hastert from this relationship and, and wanted payments for the harm. So that can be seen as different than blackmail. It's close, but anyway, Dennis Hastert, who is fearing consequences to his political career, paid $3.5 million to this individual, a guy, to cover up whatever relationship they had, which I have to imagine was some sort of gay relationship between his teacher and student. So I don't know if Dennis Hastert is gay or if he you know, was bi or whatever. Whatever it was, he had what looks like some kind of inappropriate sexual relationship with a student back when he was a teacher, before he was in politics. And then many years later, I think like five years ago, this uh, student came to him and said, hey, you, you better give me money or I'm going to tell about it. I think I have a feeling maybe the student was underage. Something must have been pretty bad there. So Dennis Haster is paying, and of all things, uh, they didn't get Dennis Haster for you know, statutory rape or uh, or anything that you would expect. They actually got him for 
withdrawing all this cash without filling out the proper CTR forms, the cash transaction record forms. Mm. Kind of a weird thing to get him for. Uh, but he had a number of bank accounts, and he kept taking out a lot of... Uh, I guess he was doing the structuring to get out... Because you're not supposed to take out this much cash, uh, more than 10000 without filling out a form. And if you just start doing like a bunch of them every day, like 9000 every day, you know, one, two, three, four, five, like in one week, then they know you're you're getting out 45000 without filling out the form. So that's, that's what's called structuring, and that's against the law. So they actually got uh, Hastert on structuring, not on uh, on anything he did with the male student while he was a high school teacher. So uh, this was between 2010 and 2014 that he was coughing up the $3.5 million. And I, I, pres- I presume he was not filling out the forms because he didn't want to uh, draw attention that, that uh, you know, what is Dennis Hastert, the, uh, the former U.S. House Speaker, doing withdrawing all this cash day after day after day? Like, like what's he doing with it? People would have suspected it was, like, something much more shady than this. So they, uh, uh, you know, to, to prevent this from being reported, he just was probably withdrawing it in, in close to $10,000 increments, and he got nailed with structuring. It's called, uh, you know, evading bank reporting requirements. And I guess when the FBI asked him about it, he lied about it, too. He didn't say, oh, yeah, you know, I was having gay sex with a 16-year-old, uh, a 16-year-old boy, so uh, I'm paying him off now many years later. So he, he made up some bullshit to the FBI when they asked him about it. So now... Each count that he's being uh, accused of here uh, could carry a $250,000 fine and a five-year prison sentence. And interestingly, uh, I hear that Dennis Haster, before they could arrest him, uh, is now living in Antigua. <laughs> no, no, he's he's still in the U.S. and uh, but he, yeah, he's uh, he's in real hot water with this one. And uh, so I, I have to think it's something like like a, a high school boy. And I, I don't know if maybe maybe in the state where he taught this was legal. Like in the U.S., what, what's the age of consent? Like not, In Nevada, what's the age of consent, 16? I think it's, it's either 16 or 17. I'm not sure. Yeah, I'm not sure either. But, I, don't, I have but, no reason to know that. Yeah, I don't either. But Paul, uh, I am HIV. He's a uh, certified <laughs> expert on the subject. That's right. Yeah, I am HIV. You had sex with a 13-year-old girl who said she was 18. And the, the only reason he didn't suffer massive penalties for this was that uh, the girl did admit that she lied to him and she did look old for her age. So now that's not an excuse in the eyes of the law, but they're much more lenient on you if the if you're really believing and, and it's reasonable, you could believe, believe that you were with an 18 year old uh, when you weren't. But it was the girl was only 13, which is pretty bad. <laughs> so I, I, I don't think there's many 13 year olds that, that could pu- pull that off without it being at least suspicious. I know some girls look old for their age, but 13 to 18 is a big stretch. Like 16 to 18, not at all. But 13 to 18 is, is a big stretch as far as uh, yeah. lying about that. But but anyway, yeah. I, I I mean, it may have been in a state where he wasn't violating the law, but still it would look really bad if it came out that Dennis Astert was having sex with a male high school student when he was teaching school. Especially uh, uh, Dennis Astert did this... You know, he, he got involved with the UIGEA here as part of uh, this was Dennis Hastert's American values agenda. So I, I guess American values do not involve having sex with young boys. I guess that's that's part of the uh, 
I guess those those are fine American values, according to Dennis Hastert. Uh, but you know, I'm sure he was terrified about his public image and everything else, so he just he was willing to pay whatever. But I, I never thought about this angle. It can be hard to pay off someone hush money if you don't have the cash to withdraw. And I guess this guy wanted it in cash. So the funny thing is Hastert probably could have paid the guy by check. And while there would have been a paper trail, he wouldn't have been committing any crimes by doing so. And this may not have never been, this may have never been known. So in what he thought was doing it to keep himself anonymous, taking out cash and giving it under the table. Like naturally you would think that naturally if you, you've done something wrong in the past like this, and now it comes back to haunt you many years later, and the the victim says, I want to be paid off for what you did. And you're like, all right, fine, I will. The immediate thought is, okay, I'll pay cash, and, and there's no proof of it. And that's what he thought. And then like, he's like, crap, like, I can't do more than 10000 at a time. I have to fill out forms and say why I'm getting the cash. So, okay, I'll just take out a little less than 10000 So the funny thing is he wasn't even trying to commit crimes here, but he did. He did because he thought like this is the the most anonymous way to do it. But the funny thing is, if he just did it straightforward with a check, then then uh, or a few checks, like n- this wouldn't have been a crime and and nothing would have happened. So he's he's in hot water over this. How'd uh, that uh, stench come? Uh, anything? Any news on her? Well, yeah, yeah. Um, she was at the uh, the cash games recently, and uh, th- this is. I, I don't know. If someone claims to me that they played poker with her boyfriend. Who? They, oh, she has a boyfriend. So apparently, the, the person's not one hundred percent sure that it was her, but there is a guy the person played with that was thirty six years old, and Stinchcomb's only twenty two, and and uh, and claimed to be to have a girlfriend that he puts into the one two game. And and then when she approached him, the individual who was reporting this to me said that he wasn't a hundred percent sure this was Stinchcomb because he kind of forgot what she looked like, but it looked a hell of a lot like her. And she is playing one two. That's what she's been doing at the Rio. She's been playing one two. So uh, so anyway, I know she was playing last night because I saw a tweet from her where she was uh, talking about how. Poker plus chocolate milk equals heaven, and she showed she was like she had a glass of chocolate milk at the poker table, and it was at it was at the Rio. So she's drinking chocolate milk. She's been playing the cash games. I don't know how she's been doing. Uh, I, I haven't personally seen her around, but that's because she's not playing the World Series events, and I'm I'm never in the cash area. I I, I mean I, I assume if somebody walked in there, let's let's take a look at her uh, her Twitter right now, and uh, let's see. So now they're in their prime time. So they're saying to deliver two smoothies and a sandwich. It's twenty six dollars and twenty five cents. <laughs> I don't think I can justify. No, that. I think I'd rather just go down myself after the show. Honestly, I'll, I'll deliver it to you. Let's see here. Um, <laughs> oh, here, I, actually, of all things, she just uh, tweeted to Doug Lee Poker, which of course is not Doug Lee, but she says, "I was actually taking a picture of my chocolate milk." Before I got my cards, oh, so I guess she had pocket aces that she took a picture of, but she she claimed that it wasn't on purpose, that she was taking a picture of it and just happened to be dealt aces. By the way, she she follows me, and uh, she will sometimes respond to my tweets or favorite my tweets. And I guess someone who favorited a tweet, I'm it's so funny. I, I dropped my laptop the other day off the bed, and I, I really thought it was toast, and it was, like I had just gotten here to the Rio. I put my laptop on the bed. I actually tripped over the cord that I was charging it, 
and the laptop slammed down on the hard floor here. And this carpet's hard. So it, it fell like two feet off the bed, banged down hard, open. The case was open. Oh, my God, this is going to break. I'm sure it shattered. And it's an old laptop anyway. So of all things, the laptop actually fixed itself because it had a problem with the exterior of the, of the laptop, again, the encasing. Uh, had had come offline and it was it was you know, hard to close the laptop for this reason and it's it's been a pain in the ass for like the last year. This fall actually fixed. I I couldn't fix it myself. The fall fixed it. So, uh, a- anyway, where was I going with this? Regarding the stench coming, I don't remember why I started this story. Do you remember why? Chocolate milk and cookies, Druff. Oh, I know, I know what it was. I, I so I tweeted about how this happened. Uh, I run so good that when I drop my laptop two feet on the ground and slams down it actually fixes something instead of breaking something and of all people to favorite my tweet immediately was Anna Kate Anna Kate who's going to be on Survivor favorited that tweet and she sometimes like retweets or favorites this radio show so I think she listens I think Anna Kate is is listening to this show maybe not right at this moment but uh Anyway, uh, Stinchcomb also favorites certain things I write, but uh, she wrote as of, uh, let's see, two hours ago, running so pure, it's the chocolate milk. I guess she has chocolate milk again today. Let's see the Instagram picture. Oh, that was the pocket aces. Two hours ago, she's still playing, uh, is it the Rio? I can't tell for sure. She's playing somewhere. I think it's the Rio, but maybe not. And has chocolate milk again and has pocket aces. And she said she made $100 on that hand. I don't know how she's doing overall. But I don't know. If, if you're a stalker, go down to the Rio Cash area and look for her. She shouldn't be that hard to find. <laughs> and uh, let's let's see. She also tweeted yesterday, really wish the cocktail waitress would stop putting straws in my Red Bull. My nose thanks you. Hmm. I guess she, she was drinking Red Bull at, uh, starting at 3.30 a.m. last night. So I, I don't know if she's playing at the Rio tonight, but that that's the stench come update. I wonder if she'll make it into the uh, she'll make it into one of these events at some point. Maybe she'll get that same guy to. She's got eighteen followers I know, including seriously serious, and you, hmm. yeah. and Matt the Rat, and Alex Jacob, and Charter. Yeah, that was really weird. I saw something just randomly, and I'm not I'm not on that Twitter that much these days. Where Alex was tweeting at her, and I'm thinking, <laughs> where did this connection come from? <laughs> uh, Jen Fox can't be too happy. No, about she. That. I was about Attention. to say she'd be pretty jealous about that. She would not. She would not enjoy that. I, I think Jen Fox would not want her within like a mile of him. Still can't believe that's a real name. <laughs> God. Stinchcomb, really? Well, at least she's not changing it. At least she's going with it. Uh, she actually has up, you know, her banner picture on Twitter. It's uh, she has like the front of the World Series where they they, they paint the stairs red, and then it, they write on the stairs a thousand reasons to play, millions of dollars to win. Except, except I guess that the Colossus, where it's a thousand, uh, twenty-two thousand reasons to play and uh, six hundred thousand dollars to win. Let's see what else we got here. Uh, oh, the Arya situation. 
Oh, yeah. So a $125 tournament player at Aria uh, bought in, and and I guess we're hearing from our source that uh, he was actually erroneously given a 50K stack immediately, which you don't start with at these $125 tournaments. So they, they immediately gave him the wrong stack, and then... You know, I, I presume told him where to go. So I, I, there must have been some kind of uh, confusion on the cashier's part that she just processed the 125 and then had some kind of uh, little she blip in her be brain. Looking for a job soon, huh? Yeah, probably already. And she 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 confused the 125 for the 25k and then handed him 50k in chips and said, "Go over there." So you have to think the guy was thinking, "Ha! Huh, how am I getting 50k chips for a 125 dollar event?" But Surely he had to know once he walked over to it and saw the both the small field and the fact it was like all named pros around him. So it's hard to believe this guy wouldn't know about it. But anyway, he, he continued to play. He didn't say, oh, I'm probably in the wrong place. I've I've had it before at the World Series where I'm sitting at a tournament and someone sits down. Uh, is this the satellite? No, it's the uh, it's it's the World Series 1500 no limit. Oh, sorry. And they leave like they don't even try to sit down and go with it. I've even had it once before where someone did sit down and would have played, but then they said, well, let me see your ticket. Oh, no, 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 that's wrong, and they send the guy away. But, like, I, I, I don't – this guy seemed to know that he was in the wrong place. But he, he decided, hey, you know, why not? If they, if they registered me in the 25K, why not take a shot at this for 125 bucks? he thought. So he did, and I guess he did well and busted several people. And, and then at some point they caught it. I don't know how. And and uh, now at this point the story deviates. I'm not sure what the truth is. Uh, I heard that you know two plus two. They're writing that he was actually chased out and he ran away, <laughs> but they have his name because he registered. Uh, they're just calling him Curly. <laughs> and then then I also heard from a different source that he wasn't chased out. That they actually just brought security over there and and, and sent him out. And and I also heard that they are giving a partial refund. Not a whole refund of the twenty-five k, but a partial refund, maybe like I think like five thousand dollars, something small. Uh, that uh, that ironically enough, of all people, that uh, Justin, uh, that Z Justin Bontanamo, yeah, it uh, it was between three and five thousand is what he was told. Yeah, that's he the refund sure. they got out of twenty-five thousand for being knocked out by a player who shouldn't have been there, which I I think is crappy. I think I think when they screw up like this and let someone who shouldn't be there. And that person knocks you out, unless unless they knocked you out when you were super short or something. But but uh, but it may be hard to determine retroactively. But but I think the casino should just eat it and give you your buy-in back, and that's that's tough luck on them for letting someone in there who shouldn't have been there. So uh, anyway, they, they they're apparently giving th- between three and five thousand. I don't know where they'd come up with that number, but that's what uh, yeah Justin Bonomo said. Now I wonder it's if very arbitrary and capricious, no? Yeah, it does. And I also have to wonder if, if Justin Bonomo, you know, if he did he get a refund, and if he did, uh, did he get one refund, or did the like three Justin Bonomos get a refund? <laughs> <laughs> There's actually a really funny Photoshop that was made on Everyone Poker some years ago when the Justin Bonomo scandal came out about the multi accounting, which showed like a live tournament. Where like one guy is playing against six Justin Bottomos at the table, that was hilarious. <laughs> and the guy says, "This is some bullshit." <laughs> so, but, you know, the best part about the story, I mean, is the guy ran it up. He knocked out. Yeah, I mean, there were three people he knocked out. One of them was the only one I knew the name of was 
Jason Mercer, he knocked him out, which, wow. I mean, you're just, it's, <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe I mean, the guy should get a saved. Strategy. He's 25 K's. Like you know, a buck 25 tournament. I, it, it makes me want to stake him. It makes me want to stake this guy in the 25 K events. It looks like he's pretty good at him. So, so yeah, he was doing well until they realized he shouldn't have been there and that he entered a, a 25 K tournament for 125 bucks. So, I, I mean, how stupid is the Aria to, how could they not have some kind of, Checks. I'm also wondering, like, is this not electronically processed like the World Series is? Like, at the World Series, what they're supposed to do, I don't know what the ARIA is like. At the World Series, they're supposed to look at your tournament ticket and verify that you're at the right table for the right tournament. And if you're not, send you away. So how do they not do this at the ARIA? How do they not look at his receipt? And these are computerized. So, so like, if he bought in for 125 did is it possible he had a receipt for twenty five thousand? And they there's just hit... no saying on here that he bolted out the door. So there's conflicting reports of yeah. what happened. His name hasn't been identified, but you would think if that wasn't the case and he didn't bolt out the door, his name probably would have been released. I mean, you'd think he'd be. I mean, I, I don't know. I'm, I shouldn't even be reading these. But but, I mean, but don't they have it anyway? They would have his name anyway. So like, why? why well, no, I know, but you know how these threads are, where everyone starts arguing, and it's not. You can't even sift through it. But people are contending that he's going to be charged with grand larceny, that it's theft. But I don't even know if that's the case. Yeah, that... it's it's hard for me to believe. Like, I I can understand why they'd eighty six him from the casino, but it's hard to believe there could be a crime out of this because there's enough of a defense he can make that that. He just went where he thought he was supposed to go. That I, I can't see how there's a legal requirement to know that the people at your table are pros and wouldn't be playing a $125 tournament. I'm like, you, there's a lot of excuses you could use. That you, do, you got your chips. You just took what they gave you. You walked and sat down where you thought you were supposed to be. No one told you otherwise. And, and, uh, and, and that by the time you realized that you were already kicked out, like, you, like, like no one told you while you were there, you didn't know until they already kicked you. So where's the crime there? The casino can say we don't want you here anymore after this, but the, I can't see how he could be charged with a crime. That's what also seems funny to me. Uh, they, like for crime, for a crime here that you think would have to be something premeditated, like like if they if he did this, if he got his chips and then they you had him on video walking to the 125 area, and then you know very close to taking his seat and then abruptly turning around and then like stalking the 25 K area and then sitting down there, then they could show us premeditated and he knew what he was doing. But, but if they're just assuming he knew, I, I can't see how they could you know, charge him with a crime for this. A caller, you're on the air. Hey, uh, JJ, Jay Jamie here. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. What's going on? Who's this? Uh, nothing. Uh, no crime there uh, with a guy at the area or if there is, he's can easily get off because, of the fact that uh, you have to prove intent. Yeah. And they're, they're, he's not able to prove that there was any intent to commit a theft. So it's probably not even intent something that, like, the prosecution even um That's what I thought. On. That's what I thought. I thought, as I was saying, like, when you were calling in here, I felt that if... Yeah, if they had him on video doing something where he's just about to sit down in the in the one he's supposed to be in, and then turns around and then like slowly walks around looking for a place to sit instead, and, and then you know it, where it's very clear that he's intending to find a different tournament to sit in that he shouldn't be there, then I think they could charge him. But if he just gets his chips and just walks over to the wrong place and sits, they, they can't prove intent there. They don't know what he's intending. Only he knows that. Yeah, and they certainly can't prove it beyond a reasonable doubt. Yeah. Hey, I'll, I'll let you go. I just wanted to say. Uh, you know, good luck tomorrow. I'm going to be playing in the uh, limit event as well. I oh, see. the pot limit today, uh, and uh, maybe I'll see you tomorrow. If not, uh, 
Have a good run. Yeah, you fin- you finished second in this one one time, right? Yeah, uh, 2011. Yeah. And I was a little bummed because the putt limit and the, and the limit event are my two faves, and uh, they're right back-to-back. So I played a little more aggressive in the putt limit today, knowing I'd have the small backup playing in the limit tomorrow. And you know what? Happy I, with I, played, but, I, I have yeah. the same situation because, not for the, the putt limit, but uh, the Millionaire Maker, which I put on my schedule and I, I still want to play, that is the day before the six max limit hold'em at 4 p.m. Yeah. So same thing. If I make it yeah. deep in the millionaire mega, the thing is they're gonna have such a big field that I could I could make like a pseudo min cash, or even just like a min cash yeah. and mi- and miss the three k limit, which is really annoying. Like I don't yeah. mind missing no, it if I, I if I'm really deep, but I, like I could make like a min cash and miss it, which will suck. Yeah, no, no, I, I hear what you're saying, you know, but uh, it's kind of nice for me because you know when when you're not like a, a ten thousand dollar buying player like me, you play two or three events a year. It's nice because usually I come over, walk out, play that one event, and I'm done. So at least I had a little bit to fall back on uh, this time with the limit coming up tomorrow. So good luck to all of the CFA guys that are going to be in there tomorrow. And uh, I appreciate you being up late tonight because I'm staying up late, hoping I'm going to be up late tomorrow night and I can run it. Yeah, you know what? I actually want to stay up late because I want to be able to sleep late so I'm not tired tomorrow during the limit event. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Okay, well, um, you know, good luck. Maybe I'll see you tomorrow. Okay, I'll see you tomorrow. Bye. Okay. Yes, that's uh, I don't know if you heard his name. That's uh, that's a uh, J Jamie. He posts sometimes on the on the forum. J A Y J A M I. Oh yeah, okay. Yeah, 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 he, yeah. yeah he's okay. he's like a limit player. He he finished second in the limit holdem World Series event. What, uh, what tower is he in? Uh, we we forgot to ask him. Yeah, that's yeah. we should be asking everybody. I, in fact, I, like everybody I see around the Rio, I'm just go. What what tower are you? Like I'll, at my poker table tomorrow, I'll just go. What tower are you? What tower are you? What tower are you? We can take a poll at the table what tower they're in. So, uh, anyway, a lot of conflicting information. And you're right, 2 plus 2, it's so awful to read that place because there is such a high percentage of crap posts to versus the good posts. It's, it's what's the known one, as... Uh, the one thread about the criminal, uh, the dangerous guy. Oh, that was that was the worst thread ever. Yes, it, it didn't. It became a bunch of it. It was unreadable. Uh, it was. It was. People it was, that thought there were lawyers talking. It, it was awful. awful. It, it, it became like a ten. Uh, it was like sixteen pages, and of the sixteen pages, like ten of them were debating about extradition law. I'm not even kidding. Like it, it was like an unreadable mess about debating extradition law, and yet the poker fraud alert thread was very informative and good and well laid out. And then, like any time there were crap posts there, I was moving them out. So like our, the threat on poker fraud alert about that situation with, with with the Bitcoin minister of Antigua. I mean that was it was so much of a better thread on our site than than two plus two. The two plus two it was a complete garbage thread, and and but unfortunately so many threads on two plus two are garbage threads because it's just uh, there, there are so few people that post there percentage wise that have anything useful to say. So it's just like a bunch of nonsense there, and then you have to sift through all that to get to anything good. So it's the worst. I I, I hate reading that site. So finally, uh, Hollywood Park. I wrote Hollywood Poker for some reason on the agenda. I don't know why I wrote that, but I meant Hollywood Park, which is where was. Whatever happened to Hollywood Dave? Hollywood Dave uh, lives. He's doing some startup something. Yeah, or... he got involved with with uh, Fresh Deck Poker, which uh, you may even see. It's like a, a, a social media poker application. Uh, I don't know what he does with them, but he got a job with them a few years ago. He moved to Oakland for the job. That's where he lives. 
Uh, he has a girlfriend who's like a – I think he's engaged to her now. Yeah. That she, she's a foot taller than him. I'm not even kidding. She, we're almost a foot. She, he's really short, as you guys probably know. Uh, and his girlfriend is like six foot one. It's a, it's a very uh, unusual looking couple. And and what's funny is she she after he asked her to marry him and she said yes she posted on her Facebook which she's not my Facebook friend but he is so he like I guess he shared it or something so I was able to read it. Uh, she wrote the story of what happened and I get I don't know where they met initially, but he went on a a date with her. It's a WNBA game. <laughs> yeah, he went on a date with her and she said, "You know what? Uh, I'm going to be honest with you." I like you, but you're just way too short for me. I I can't continue with you. I can't, I can't go out with you again. I just I you're, you're just way too short. I'm, I'm six foot one. I usually date guys who are well over six feet, and you're not even close to six feet. You're not he's even five like, foot. Th- he's like five four, five five. He's probably no more than five four. So so I mean he's way 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 shorter than me. What's I'm, the I'm, other five four guy we talked about earlier? Uh Remember we're oh, about oh, Jim Rome. We were talking about Jim Rome. He's probably about oh, Jim okay. Rome's height. Yeah, he's probably around Jim Rome's height. That'd be an interesting back to back with those two. And anyway, yeah. uh, she she told him she otherwise likes him, but that she doesn't even consider anyone near his height. I mean, if he was probably five inches taller, she'd probably reject him. So so strangely enough, instead of like either accepting it or 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 trying to win her over or begging her to go out, she just, he just got in her face and said, or as much in her face as he could get, uh, he said. Get over yourself. He like he just got like aggressive with her, saying, "Get over yourself. Stop being so shallow. Stop being stupid about this." Like he he just started going off on her like she was crazy about this, and, and it worked. She's like, uh, "Okay, I guess you're right. Okay, we'll try it." And I she, don't, I don't, I don't think she's that pretty, Druff. Well, you know, I, well, do you think? Have you seen pictures of her? I've seen pictures of her. Yeah. Do you think she's pretty? I think she's okay. I, I don't think. I don't think. I I don't think she's really hot. Oh, the the soft porn pictures on Facebook. She was prettier. Yeah, I I agree. But uh, the soft porn pictures on Facebook. Well, remember? Yes. Profile. She was in like lingerie. Yes, 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 yes. His last girlfriend did. It was like Cinemax at like nine o'clock. Yeah, his 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 last girlfriend did post a lot of uh, like underwear pictures on on Facebook for some reason. (laughs) Oh, you know what was weird with his last girlfriend and like. I she she loved to post on Facebook like an exaggerated uh, uh, exaggerated descriptions of how wonderful her life was and how, rela- how wonderful her relationship was. She always seemed happy. Even when I met her in person, she always seemed happy. She like always seemed happy. She she never seems pissed about anything. She was on uh, that Wheel of Fortune. She that's how she got on Wheel of Fortune. She always seems like happy and sprightly and just like very positive. Like, uh, and it's kind of hard for you to picture like like you know people who are around me. Like no one would ever say that. Oh, you know Todd, he always just seems like happy. He always seems like he got a smile on his face. It's not even like I'm unhappy or depressed all the time. I'm not. But but like people can see like like I get pissed off about certain things that happen and, and get frustrated she, about she, them. Uh, she blocked me on that 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 uh, Facebook. She, she blocked you? Why? She's friends with uh, Yoko Ono. Really? I, I don't think she blocked me. Maybe. Let me see. Let me see if I'm blocked. I, I haven't yeah. you know, I haven't checked on her in a long time. I kind of she's forgot about her. Yoko, she's friends with that Yoko Ono. They were like two oh, peas in a pod. Oh, let me let me see. Let me see if I'm still... I guess. I guarantee if you're not blocked, you're defriended. I think you're right. I'm at I least... I bet you that's smoothie. <laughs> well, I see you're here, so let me try to look this up. Let's talk. I'm not blocked. 
And I'm still friends. You, you lose oh, this movie. Wow. <laughs> Should have booked the bet. You're still friends, huh? Still friends. I haven't communicated with her in a long time. But, but anyway, she so this girl, she was uh, so positive. So she was constantly talking about how she loves Hollywood Dave and how what a wonderful guy he is. I mean, just one thing after another, gushing, gushing, gushing about how wonderful Dave was. And not even like during this like first six-month period we were talking about. Like like way after that, she was going on. And I'll go, wow, she, she's totally into him. And, like, and I'd see them in person, and she, she seemed very happy with him, and she seemed just very happy about everything. Uh, and, and then just one day, they're, they're just not together anymore. And then, and then what's kind of strange is like she met another guy shortly after that. And got in a relationship with him, and now she has a kid and is married to this guy. She so, has a kid? Yeah, she has a kid and is married. Yeah. Wow. To the next guy after Hollywood Dave, and then right around the exact same time when she got to the, with this new guy, Hollywood Dave found this really tall girl that he's with, and now he's engaged to her. They don't have... Uh, oh, and I think there's... A, I think she's pregnant, too. I think... Am I right about this? Is Hollywood Dave... Is, is he going to be a dad? I'm trying to remember if I'm getting this confused. Let me Jesus. see. I need to knock somebody up. Let me see. I'm not sure if he... I may be getting stories confused here. Let me see. And she was what, like a wedding singer or something? Something with no, weddings? No, she's a wedding coordinator. You're close. She's a wedding planner, like a wedding planner. I, I don't know if, actually, I don't know if he, if, if, I, I, I seem to remember that she posted something about being pregnant. Maybe I'm confusing it, but, but yeah, uh, it, it, hold on. It shows that she's drinking wine, so maybe not. Maybe I have something confused. Maybe I have something confused. Hmm, I wouldn't know. Hollywood Dave, a lot of people don't realize he's, he's not young. Uh, he tries to maintain like a youthful appearance. And and tries to like come off as like the young punk type, but I think he's Who's like that bad boy of poker. Yeah, I think he's like forty. So yeah. anyway, uh, so that that's yeah they got together like with their next relationship like right around the same time, and and then they both ended up being lasting relationships. It's kind of funny. So mm. uh, let's see here. Let's see what else. Oh, we got to talk about the uh, cowboy. Don't oh let, yeah, don't sorry. Yeah, we, yeah, we can't. Let, oh yeah, so let, let me finish. I started off with Hollywood Park. He said, oh, "What about Hollywood Dave?" Hollywood Park uh, blew up their grandstands. It, it, Hollywood Park. The history of the for those of you that don't know that aren't from LA or know much about LA, Hollywood Park used to be the place to play poker. It's also a horse racing track. It's in Inglewood, which is a very lousy neighborhood. It very, used to be where the uh, Lakers played. Yes, the Forum. It's right next to the Forum. In fact. Where the Lakers used to play, and and it was a terrible neighborhood. There were a lot of crimes. In fact, there were murders that took place from Hollywood Park. Where what would happen was guys would hang out in the parking lot and wait for usually like an Asian woman or an old person. They they usually went after like the low hanging fruit. They didn't go after guys like you or me. They would go after someone they figured that would be less likely to be able to fight them off, even though they'd have guns anyway. But they they just wanted the easiest. Uh, mugging possible they would follow them home and then mug them but in some cases this ended up being murders like I don't know if the people resisted or what but there were cases of people being followed home from Hollywood Park by people waiting for them in the parking lot who just want to rob them and then would murder them at home so there were there were more than one of these there were several of these that happened over time at Hollywood Park it was a horrible neighborhood well, most of these crimes committed by minorities uh, the answer is yes that it was okay. So okay. uh, anyway, and the victim was always like an Asian woman or a really old person. And it, I didn't see anything about like, any like 40-year-old guys, like never. I played there two or three times, and I remember just standing outside, walking your car. It was frightening. It was. You'd be hit up for anything for a change, cigarettes, money, drugs. It was 
I don't even know why. I mean, this was, it's been over 10 years since I've been there. It's kind of in the beginning phase of my career. Um, but that place was just a disaster. Oof. Yeah, you, you remember you remember in the the Exorcist when the Linda Blair's like her head was spinning around her whole uh, her whole body. That that's what I yeah. was that that's what I was like walking through the Inglewood uh, the parking lot in the in Hollywood Park to my car. Like my head was spinning around to like watch everywhere around me if anyone was following me. I was so every time I walked to my car there, I was constantly just looking everywhere to make sure I wasn't being followed. And uh, uh, so. They were the place to play poker despite all those problems. And then a certain casino known as Commerce started to gain momentum on them. And Hollywood Park – Traction. Traction. They were were, uh, arrogant, Hollywood Park. They had been on top for so long. They said, ah, this Commerce, they're just just a fly-by-night. They're not going to take our business. They can't take our high limit. We've been the place to play high limit poker. We're the biggest room. Commerce can't do anything to us. Well, you guys saw how that turned out. And now Hollywood, Hollywood Park became, I shouldn't say a ghost town, but the, the poker room became much smaller than Commerce, and Commerce ended up being the biggest room in the world, and they ended up building that second area, which is now the, uh, the high limit section, that, that second big room. Uh, so Commerce is now huge, and Hollywood Park is a has-been. Hollywood Park also had a racetrack, a, a well-known racetrack for, for horse racing, but that is gone. They closed that, and they have just blown up the grandstands, and the plan here is to bring an NFL team over to Hollywood Park, its former location, and... Oh, this is interesting. I'll, I'll tell you in a second. I was just reading the radio through it, trying to find something else. But but yeah, apparently the, the owner of that land that's right next to it also owes the Rams. So I thought it was going to be the Chargers that were going to come because I've been hearing the Chargers want to leave San Diego. But maybe it's going to be the Rams. Maybe. Uh... No, because it's, yeah, no, it's definitely going to be the Rams. It could be both. But the, the owner of uh, this complex is the owner of the Rams, Stan yeah. Kronek or something yeah. like that. Yeah, that, I just learned um, that today. So... I, I didn't realize that until today. So that, that makes it more likely the Rams are coming. It was, uh, the last I had heard about the team that was strongly going to relocate, that they were really, really thinking relocating to L.A. was the Chargers. But I, I guess the Rams are going to come back, maybe, and uh, maybe LA will have a football team. I, I don't know. LA is the second biggest market, but I don't know if LA people are ready to embrace an NFL team like they might think. Like uh, I, I think LA kind of got used to not having an NFL team. LA has never been a huge NFL city. They just didn't have the interest. Generally, get. Yeah, that's just, that's just the way it's kind of been. So I, I don't know if if the Rams will do well here. You would think. Oh, otherwise, how could there not have been a team for all this time if there was if such money to be made from it? And I, I maybe the TV deals they can get now would be. But the thing is that the TV deals You're aren't telling the, me that that this a city like L.A. a cesspool of various cultures and people they couldn't fill. Forty, fifty thousand seats, eight days or eight, eight eight weeks out of the year. I don't know, but I, I'm just saying that it, there's there's been a lot of mixed opinions about how excited the city will be to have an NFL team return, especially after so long they've gotten used to not having one. I mean, so they can have two hockey teams, two basketball teams. Well, it's not quite two hockey teams. The, the two one of the hockey teams is in Orange County, and Orange County, even though it's right next to LA, has its own identity. 
So, but Anaheim, L.A. I mean, it's still the general. I know, same. It's, I know, it's the same team, but you like you have like no one from L.A. that goes down to Anaheim for Angels games. They just, they just don't like. They, they, there's some of the reverse occurring where because some Orange County people grew up in L.A. and like the Dodgers, and they, you know, they don't change allegiances just because they moved. But, but you have almost no people from L.A. going down to Anaheim. It's just, it's just seen like a a totally different entity, even though it's close. It's, it's that's just kind of the the culture in Southern California that uh, L.A. just yeah. doesn't visit Orange County. So, uh, I, I think a I football team's remember. coming. I can't even remember. I mean, I remember, you know, I was young. I remember the Raiders left. You know, they just kept moving back and forth. And yeah. Oakland offered Al Davis a better deal than the city of L.A. did. And that's why they finally moved to o- Oakland once and for all. I can't remember why. And you could probably tell me why the Rams left uh, L.A. for St. Louis. What was the reasoning? The lease um, was up. They didn't get a, a good stadium deal. That's, I mean, that's normally what it is. Let's, let's see if I can uh, remember. It was uh, it was in the mid '90s, and it, it, it involved uh, the owner Georgia Frontieri. was actually a, a woman. Yeah, uh, she didn't like the stadium. This one that used to have her little dog, uh, just like that other like Mark Nazi Schott, Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so she she uh, she didn't like the stadium they played in. I know that was a it was a, a shithole. And um, so she wanted to go to St. Louis. It was really thought it was probably most mostly the stadium, uh, and also the the franchise wasn't wasn't doing well. The, the Rams were, were really struggling in, in the early to mid nineties. So, no, they haven't really done well. I mean, they had that three year stretch. People yeah. kind of it's amazing when people talk about that team like it was like the Cowboys or or the Forty ers of the nineties. I mean, they had a three three good year. They had a good three year run, and that was it. It they never, you know, they made the playoffs three years in a row, and that was it. They won the Super Bowl, then they went the next year and lost in the Super Bowl, made the playoffs the next year, and they haven't been back probably since. Yeah, and they've they've thought then the Rams. Yeah, and, and to show you how they were doing in the nineties, uh, in nineteen ninety they were five and eleven. In ninety one they were three and thirteen. Ninety two they were six and ten. Ninety three, they were five and eleven, and ninety four, they were four and twelve. So these are pretty awful seasons. Yeah, that's I, how the Raiders have been the last. Well, yeah, the years. Raiders have just been terrible for so long. Yeah. I mean, they literally—it's amazing to me—they have not been back to the playoffs since they made the last Super Bowl with Rich Gannon when they lost to the Buccaneers. They have not been back to the playoffs now. After uh, uh, who was it before somebody in baseball last year or the year before? I think it was maybe Pittsburgh. Now they're the longest running team um, in all of the major sports with with a playoff drought. I mean, the the Milwaukee made them baseball; they broke it. Detroit made a you know I don't know six years ago they they broke it. Um, the Lions made it in football; they broke it. So they're literally the the large. It's the longest streak in any of the four major sports without making the playoffs. I'll, I'll tell like, you, the, the Raiders had a big problem. Like I was actually when I was betting those uh, what are known as the Wong teasers. To uh, where you have to you know, bet on three teams at once, and you get the extra points. Uh, you could actually they, they were positive expectation if you got a certain payout for them, which a lot of online books were doing at the time. Uh, one team I hated to involve in the Wong teasers, unless I was against them, was the Raiders. And the reason was the Raiders had a habit of just getting completely blown out when they lost. So they'd win some games; they were still lo- a losing team big time. But boy, did they get clobbered when they would lose, and that's terrible for teasers because teasers you get like six points extra, 
which don't mean very much if the team gets blown out a lot. It, you, what you want for a teaser is for a team to win or lose, be fairly close to the, the spread. That's perfect for a teaser. A team that's that's getting blown out all the time. Uh, you don't want you don't want to bet on, for them on the teaser. And a team that uh, that's slamming the competition a lot, you don't want to bet against them on a teaser because you the teaser the whole point of the teaser is to keep kind of close to the spread. So uh, I hate the Raiders ruined so many teasers of mine. I finally just gave up and I said I'm, not, I'm just I'm, I don't care what the math says. I'm not touching the Raiders for teasers. I I, I added a. A caveat when I was posting about teasers that if it's a team that gets blown out a lot, you just should not. Uh... For for me, that those teams, I never bet on them because it's just like I bet on them. Seems like it never fails. They don't cover. I bet against them. They cover the the Cowboys and the Giants. Seems like the last ten years, you never just know what the hell they're going to do. Well, that was, you know, in, in the NBA this past year, the the New Orleans, New Orleans killed me. Where every time I bet on the on them or against them, I lost. I could not. You're betting a lot on the Pelicans. I was doing both on and against with the spread, and I was always losing. I could never figure them out. So anyway, uh, they were like a middling team that uh, that was very inconsistent. So it was very hard to figure out what they were doing. Anyway, uh, that's they blew, up, they blew up the Hollywood grandstand. That was the point. That that was the point. Well, the point is the NFL team. Uh, I thought the Chargers, but I guess the Rams is is coming. Here, here's something else that was posted in the radio thread unrelated to this that I wanted to. I noticed. Uh, the, I guess the Mark Hoke the show, the, the, guy, Mark, the, the Caesars guy, no, the Mark Hoke show about this. Oh. That I guess it was on live from the World Series of Poker. Uh, so I guess maybe he here's a picture of. I guess the booth is used to broadcast. I guess he's not just yeah. There's a okay. picture of him. It says he's sitting in front of the this giant banner that looks like it's about twenty feet high. It says the number one poker news and entertainment show in the world. The Mark Hoke Show, KSHP Las Vegas. Tune in on Wednesdays, 5 p.m. Pacific. But like, he was doing this, but today is Monday. So I guess he was, I don't know, recording it or maybe broadcasting live. But but he... Well, when I saw him on a Thursday, it was maybe 5 or 6 in the afternoon. And there was no sign of any, uh, not, no computers, nothing. So maybe his, his crew or something, you know, dismantled everything and they were going home for the day. I don't know. But he was sitting there by himself just kind of cleaning up i wonder if what he was doing was recording things and then just playing it on the show on on wednesday maybe maybe he's taking a man to do yeah i'm saying maybe he's voice tracking his own show what does it cost to get one of those banners like in the room i've noticed this uh global poker index they seem to have spent a lot of money putting their shit everywhere well no no they have a partnership with the world series not just that they're the the one they're the ones who are doing that that fail player of the year that's like super unfair this year with an awful formula that's them if you want to get a poker fraud alert banner and hang in one of the rooms what do you think that would oh i don't know it's gonna be really expensive this is like a 20 foot banner it's a huge banner like like mark is sitting in front of it and as you said he's not a small guy he looks tiny compared to the banner I mean, he's he's putting a lot of money into this. I I have no budget here for this show. This this is the cheapest operation we have here. Now I do lose money every month on the server that that runs the forum and the and the radio show. But but I'll tell you, it's, it's you know it's not a large sum of money that I'm paying every month for this. And then I, I'm not paying any other expenses. I'm not uh, the free roll money is coming from our user base, which I appreciate. Uh, I I administer I the money through a hundo I saw because of my uh, three weeks in a row. What do you say about three weeks? 
No, I'm saying C Money uh, was very generous enough to, to throw in a hundo. Yeah, today. he threw in a hundo. Yeah, I know. That we're not using it today. We're using it in the future. But yeah, I mean, we get a lot of different donations from people. Some people just redonate their prizes. Some people actually send money to me. I have some people even sending Bitcoin to me. But a very generous group of of listeners we have. But one thing I have to say here is that uh, at least even though I'm losing money on the site a little bit every month, at least I'm not spending a fortune on it. I'm, I'm losing a very small amount of money every month, and there's no way I could lose a large amount because I'm just not investing much in the site, nor am I attempting to make money from the site. I'm not, I don't have any ads or anything. So, I mean, like if I was making a lot of money here, I would invest more in the site, but I'm just, this is one of these things where it, it's a very, very low budget operation. And, you know, I don't have banners at the World Series. I don't have a booth at the World Series. Uh, uh, you're expanding. You got some assets this week, didn't you? You got the Boris ninety eight poker. That's true. That's true. I did for a dollar seventeen. I bought. I bought Boris seventy eight dot com. Filthylimper dot com. Pilfer some of my old stuff. Yes, I, I, I have filthylimper dot com and vegaspokerradio.com. dot com. And if you go to any of these, Boris seventy eight dot com, filthylimper dot com, or or uh, vegaspokerradio dot com, you will see now links to Poker Fraud Alert there. I now I now have them. They're mine, and they cost me a whopping dollar seventeen each. That's, that shows you what my budget is. I'm such a cheap Jew that had it cost me like $20 each for these, I wouldn't have paid it. I, I would not have well, paid I'm like... I'm surprised you had the veal tonight. <laughs> that's true. I, I went with the veal over the chicken for another $8. It's true. I was uh, I splurged there. But yeah, I, really, if it was $20 to buy these each, I wouldn't have bought them. I was like, ah, that's too much money. But for, for, you know, for $1.17, I did it. But China's it, saying in the chat that somebody snatched up that Venom poker. Oh, that wasn't me. That's too. I, it's too bad. I was kind of thinking of that too, and then I forgot about it. You know, Venom Poker. I would have asked China first before grabbing it. Uh, Vegas Poker Radio, like I saw as a JSIP thing. That's why I grabbed it. And said, of course, Filthy Limper was his site, so those I had no problem in grabbing. And Boris, I had no problem in grabbing. But uh, you know, China. I'm friends with him. I, I would have asked him, "Do you want? You know, is it okay if I grab Venom Poker?" I wouldn't have grabbed that from under him, but I, I didn't do that one. I don't know who owns that now. What do you plan on doing with uh, the Vegas Poker Radio? I haven't decided yet. Right now, I just I, it's just a kind of a placeholder page right now. Just saying, you know, here's Vegas Poker Radio, uh, Poker Fraud Alert. Uh, you know, check out Poker Fraud Alert Radio, whatever. It's something like that. Up there, I, I slapped it up really fast. And but yeah, we we have a low budget operation here. And something I can say though is that unlike like what you were mentioning with the Las Vegas newspapers that don't want to cover the deaths that occur in hotels because it'll kill the advertising that these hotels do there. Since I don't have any sponsors here, this is why I can talk about anything or anyone and not worry about it. I have no one's ass to kiss here because I, I don't care about sponsors. I don't care about my standing in the poker community or who's going to like me or dislike me. That's why I just go off about these things. Like I just, I just say exactly what I want to say and what I think. And I know you could do that too here. And like, we just, you know, that's what I, I like the show. We can just be real. We can just come out and, and talk and give our real opinions and, and people get to hear it. And it's not, uh, it's not filtered. It's not, fake. it's not fake at all. So, no. So I, I mean that's what you have anything else here that's that's all I have at the moment. Cowboy again. Oh, cowboy again. Okay, thank you for keeping me on track with the cowboy thing. We got some information regarding cowboy who we thought might be dead. And I was actually told 
by the source. I mean, we don't need to reveal his name, but what everything that he texts, we can talk about. I asked. I mean, you know what I mean? We could yeah, relay yeah, yeah. the whole contents of what he told us. Just, okay. you know, not obviously, obviously going to use his name. Yeah. Okay. So this, her this, name. This, this is what I was told. Or her name. Yeah, maybe it's maybe it's Bruce Jenner. It's a, his and Caitlin. her. So Caitlyn Jenner. What do you think about him? Oh. I I, th- I think first of all I, I think you're a conservative Jew, so you can't really be you know no offense. I'm just saying I don't think you really understand or support or no. I can understand. See, that's the, you can't stereotype me saying I'm a conservative Jew. I can I I have my own opinions about everything. I don't I don't follow anything that a a, a party tells me to, to. But I'm saying you think that you don't think it's against God or whatever. No, I know I'm not. You know I'm not religious. You know you can you can you can. Well, yeah. I know, but I'm just saying. So you think that having a, a vagina put on him and all that it, it's there's nothing wrong with that do you, you i i think i think when you're at that age uh it's kind of pointless to do it at that point it's something you should have done earlier in life but i as far as getting it done like if that's what you feel you are then do it then then i i don't care it's it's the same with you know if you feel now, that you're if you feel you're gay ask. then be gay if you feel you're a woman you want to change a woman you know do that then whatever whatever you feel is right for yourself and you're sure of it then do it. Don't don't force yourself into something that that's really not you. But but I, I think at some point it, it, at, at an age like that, uh, first of all, uh, you know you become a woman when you're 66. Uh, I, what are you going to look like as a woman at 66? Like you know, <laughs> now, now, Druff, let me ask you: in the eyes of the law, will he still technically forever be considered a man? No, you can legally change your, your gender. So he'll be able to legally walk into a ladies' room yes. at the restaurant. Yes. What I'm not sure about. Right. What I'm that not sure about here is if if the, yeah, I'm pretty sure even if you don't get your genitalia changed, you can do it. Uh, there, there's some requirement. Like I, I can't just go tomorrow to the DMV and say change me to female and be a woman, but then walk around life as a man and just just so I can go into women's bathrooms and stare at women. Like I, I couldn't do that. They would deny that. Uh, and I think every state is different, but but you know, as, if you live full time as a woman, uh, if you know, for a certain amount of time and go through whatever psychological counseling you have to do, there's some requirements to where you you know you have to do before you can officially change your gender. But you can do it, and I think in a lot of states you can do it even with uh, if you still have the genitalia of, of your original gender. So. so he could probably play on the LPGA tour if he qualified and, and crush it if he was. That's a little hitting. different. That's a little different. There's a lot of debate about that. About you know, uh, yes, you should have the right to switch your gender if you want, but should you have the right to go play in athletics where you'll have a natural advantage because of being born the other gender? That that's 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 more athletic. Well, the other gender. <laughs> Okay, so you know, I'm I'm fine with him changing now. I th- what I think is BS is this Vanity Fair picture with this Caitlyn. This is so photoshopped. It's so photoshopped. Did you notice all his wrinkles completely disappeared? Yeah. And and, and his legs look pristine, uh-huh. like he's a 25 year old girl. Like like that's not the way his legs really look. That's not the way well, his face. You know face... what? Though I'll tell you, they, I know you love the little girl, but they photoshopped that genocide in Playboy. Oh, of I've course spent they did. Many moments next to her, she don't look like that. No, of course. No, I know they photoshop all of it, but it's just. I think in this case, when he's making a transformation, and he's like, okay, well. You guys know what I look like as a man. I'm a woman now. This is what I look like. Well, if you're going to show us what you look like, Bruce, show us what you really look like. It's a little different with genocide where she's just like a modeling shot. This is 
let's see what Bruce Jenner looks like now. Well, that's not really what he looks like. That's what he looks like after photoshopping him heavily. So I want to see the real Bruce Jenner, what he looks like in everyday life, or even if he wants to, like, you know, put on makeup or do whatever, you know, wear a dress or whatever he needs to do to try to look his best. Fine, it doesn't have to be what he looks like uh, when he wakes up in the morning. But but I want to see what Bruce or now Caitlyn Jenner looks like without any photoshopping. Otherwise, it's not interesting. You can photoshop anything to look like anything. Like he, you could probably take photoshop and, and make me look like a, a beautiful woman if you're doing that. Garrett, he, he looked like a sweet little Caitlyn. Yeah, that's a good point. You know, Garrett Garrett looked pretty hot in that in that picture. So that's a good point. So, all right, let's talk about Cowboy here. Cowboy, according to a report we received, that his name, Paul Margaritas, which is kind of appropriate, like a margarita, is Paul Margaritas, also known as Cowboy, he's still alive and kicking. And apparently, uh, he was 86th from the Orleans at some point. But he, despite being 86 from the property and not being allowed to enter, he did so anyway and um, and was trying to beg for money from players. He was going around the Orleans where he's not even allowed begging for money. And uh, and I guess they, instead of arresting him, they, they just said, hey, you're not supposed to be here. And he said, okay, no problem, and, and took off. So uh, I, I guess Cowboy's still up to his old tricks. He's still begging for money, still hanging around poker rooms. Uh so he's still around, still pretty much doing the same thing. I don't, I don't know how old he is. In fact, maybe, maybe I can try to look this up. Let me try to look up uh, yeah, my, my database of people. Is there anyone else's age you'd like me to look up that you're curious about? Hollywood Dan. <laughs> okay, I could try that. Let me, let me look up uh, look up Paul Margaritas first. Paul John Margaritas is his name. Age unknown? That's weird. Try a different source. Hmm. Came up zero. Try one other source. I'm just reading Genocide's Facebook, seeing if there's anything new. Looks like she's not back with her baby's daddy yet. Hmm. Yeah, I can't. I can't find his age in the initial search. Let, let me look up. Uh, I'll look up Hollywood. Dan. I would guess he's got to be close to seventy. Yeah, right? I would think that too. Let's let's look up uh, Dave Stan, Hollywood Dave. Hmm. Forty, like I thought. Okay, that's what I thought. Alrighty, so uh, yeah, so cowboy, he is alive and kicking, still begging for money. I, I I still remember my favorite time seeing cowboy was when he's wearing a Neverwin poker shirt in the Bellagio up in the top section, and was with some meth-looking prostitute who was much younger than him. The and Winkler? She, not the Winkler. It was a it was a white girl. When is she getting out of prison? By the way. Oh, it, many know. many years. I never. I mean, I know. I, obviously, when you transport a couple pounds of meth um, into a foreign country, yeah, you're, you're probably going to go to prison for a while. Um, she got a long ass sentence. I forgot I, what it I was. Never but... could, I never could find by like, googling it what the sentence is. And you know what else is really weird? I guess they give. <clears throat> I mean, you know, most. I guess you know, various countries are different in how they work their prison uh, systems. But I guess in Australia, mothers. And I don't know. She either gave birth in prison, 
where she gave, in fact, I think she did. That's right. I remember reading she was pregnant when she got arrested. But there's a ton of pictures that she posts from time to time on Facebook with her uh, son. So what, she can post on Facebook while she's in jail? Yes, 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 <laughs> yes, yes. I mean, I, I'm, I'll open it up right now, but wow. there's tons of photos she posts. You see the kid aging, and they're like in little playpens and parks, and, you know, it's never like in a restaurant or a home or anything. Um, but, you know, I guess in Australia, you you, you know, you can do that. Uh, Weird. Um, let me look it up right they... now. Yeah, I mean, she just uh... you know you know what happens. She's she'd be glad she didn't do this in Malaysia. In Malaysia, if you try to sneak in drugs, they put you to death. Oh, not just Malaysia, Singapore too. They're very yeah. Remember, they whipped a kid. Uh, uh, the other country that just killed the uh, the that executed the Bali Nine, uh, uh, Indonesia. Yeah, uh, I mean, none of them. They were just smugglers. Nine people, or actually eight out of the nine, technically got arrested. Um, two of them. We're Australian citizens, and you know, the, besides the Pope, the PM of Australia, uh, all these diplomats from Australia, you know, begged them, you know, and they just said, "Fuck you, we're doing what we want. This is our country," and they executed them. I don't yeah. know how much you've read or know about the Bali Nine, but uh, you know, they smuggled in a couple pounds of heroin, uh, you know, many many years ago, over a decade ago. They were young. Um, they did it when they were like eighteen, nineteen, twenty years old. And they, uh, this was early this month. I was actually in St. Martin when it happened, and they executed them um, by firing squad, too, of all things. That's what they do down there. Um, so, yeah, they don't fuck around. Uh, I, I mean, I don't agree with that stance. I no, don't I think, don't either. I mean, you don't execute somebody for – although, you know what we should talk about? It is very interesting, and, and, you know, you've posted it, and I've done a lot of reading, actually. In fact, yesterday I watched a documentary – um, it premiered on, I think I'm going to pronounce it right, Epex, I think it's E-P-I-F-E-X, called The Deep Web, um, which was basically the story of, uh, what's his name, Ross Albrecht? Yeah. Albrecht? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, the, the Dread Pirate Roberts, yeah. Yeah. So I, I watched the movie last night, actually, I saw I streamed it, I didn't, uh, I forgot to uh, TiVo it, but I did watch it, it was very, very interesting. And I mentioned this to Druff today when when we were chatting. Um, you know, up until recently, I mean, I knew, you know, like even when uh, MyCon and, you know, others were touting Bitcoins and Silk Road and all that stuff, I never once was even intrigued or interested enough to, to, to log on. In fact, I, I never did log on to the Silk Road or any of the other sites. But yesterday, uh, I was intrigued by it because I, I saw this documentary and literally there were people that were saying, you know, experts and, and, you know, just computer hackers and programmers that 99%, 99.9% of the things that are uh, on the website or that are on the web, we're not privy to, that they're located like less than 1% is on what's called, I guess the term is the open web. And it's, 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 you know, the, the deep web is, you know, as I read about, um, or, you know, are basically millions and millions of, of, you know, websites and just other sort of traffic that search engines will never, ever be able to find. So last time I spent about 45 minutes to an hour after watching this documentary, I downloaded the correct protocol and I started just, uh, I went to what's called the deep web 
wiki. And it basically just gives you a uh, ton of different sites, I guess, by popularity that, that people browse on there. And fortunately, you know, my first concern was shit. You know, I don't, you know, I don't want to get in trouble for doing this. I'm not, you know, of course I'm not going to sign up. I'm not buying anything. So, you know, I, I did some research about that. And the one thing it said is, no, it's not illegal to browse uh, the deep web, uh, you know, unless you know, you obviously do something such as buy something that's illegal or if you stumble upon child pornography. And of course I was afraid of that. You know, I didn't want to accidentally click on something and, but, uh, and of course, you know, I didn't. Yeah. By, but, by uh, the way, I, where you, where you were going was known actually as the dark web. The deep web is actually just oh. anything referred to as web pages, which are not search and So, so there's a lot of web pages out there just, that just don't have any links to them that, that search engines have no way to find. And and that's also considered the deep web, even though you can if okay. you know the URL, you can get there. Uh, you can easily get there through any browser. But this this dark web, which is only a small portion of the deep web, is is the, this is where you have to use the Tor browser and and, and get to yeah. it in this these. Uh, but I was I was I was amazed at what I found. Um, first off, I, I I mean I'll tell you I didn't you know I just browsed. Um, I logged in to Silk Road three. And it just was, I guess, the way it was described. I didn't see anything. I don't think they allow weapons on that site. But I saw just basically every kind of drug that you wanted, um, you could purchase. And it was kind of like eBay in the sense that, you know, they had a rating system. And you could, you know, see the vendors, what the reviews were. Um, and then I, I, I was amazed at these other sites. There were so many sites that claimed that they sold fake Everything from driver's license, I mean, in many, in any country you wanted, to uh, to uh, passports, to birth certificates, to, I mean, it just was amazing. That it just, I was blown away. And a lot of it, like, you needed to register an account to be able to view or to, you know, just to see their products. And I didn't want to do that. I didn't want to give an email or do any of that stuff. But um it was amazing. And then another thing I found, which I thought was really, really actually cool, and I, I tested it, there's an email site on there that, I mean, I'm never going to use this. I'm never going to need it, but I just thought it was kind of cool. Um, there's an email site on there that I, I actually just created an email just to test it, and it kind of reminds me of those old Mission Impossible movies um, where you send an email, and it can only be read once. And as soon as it's, it's encrypted, and as soon as it's open and read – it immediately disappears. Like it can't be saved. You can't read it again. Like, I mean, I guess you could. You could screen capture it. Yeah, but I mean, you know, once you read it, it, it you can't reopen the email. It's just it's gone. Um, but anyhow, it was just really interesting. I'd never explored any of that stuff, and it's not really for me. I don't even think I'm ever gonna do it again because it just. I mean, I'm not gonna buy drugs. I'm not gonna buy any of the things it has to offer. But it was amazing. I just it's like a whole other world down there. I mean, there's chat rooms and there's forums and there's blogs and there's just all this stuff that, uh, I don't know. It, it just kind of, it was very, very interesting, but you know, again, it's not my cup of tea. I don't really, yeah. Uh, well, since you, know, you brought up Ross Ulbricht, uh, I think that's an interesting topic that we haven't uh, yeah, talked about yet. Absolutely. Uh, he, he, so he gets life in prison and, and this is funny because like, I, I disagree with the, Sentence for for what he was convicted of. I thought that you know just being convicted of running something like Silk Road shouldn't be anywhere near life in prison. But I don't feel bad for him because of what he wasn't convicted for that he was clearly guilty of doing, and well, that was that he thought he was having 
five different people killed. Now, these people, it's a weird story because these five people that he thought he was having killed don't exist. That okay. he was. This he was, is the thing, though, and, and I totally understand what you're saying. And I, I truly believe, okay, that, I mean, in more cases than, than I've, I've read about before, that this, the verdict, his guilty verdict, has a very, very good chance of, of being overturned on appeal. Because there are a couple key things that I've read about that make me believe that his fourth, well, that in one case his Fourth Amendment rights were clearly violated, and secondly, he was never he okay. He was charged originally with uh, whatever I don't know the exact phrase, but you know murder for hire, you know. But it was dropped. It was dropped off the indictment. He never was charged with that. He never was. He wasn't convicted of it, nor was he. Yes, charged. I know. I know. Now, but but what I don't understand, and this is also, you know, his lawyer has been very open about this, that this is going to be uh, part one of his appeal, that the jury, even though he wasn't charged with this, was told that he was indicted for it, even though he wasn't charged. And many believe that obviously that, taint, that you know, tainted the jury. I mean, yeah. it, it couldn't be an impartial jury when they're told right off the bat you know that he was indicted that this that this guy hired hitman you know to 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 murder people but he was never convicted of it nor was he charged i mean you know it it it, it wasn't even part of the uh yeah, and that's seven charges that he got convicted. Right, and it's very possible that they will be able to overturn this uh, on based okay. on those reasons. And and right. like now, so for this for the sentence itself and for everything you're saying uh, sounds unjust somewhat. And the sentence itself, uh, well, I, I agree. On, let, me, is, let me just finish. Okay, and, uh, just give me one more second, then I'll let you examine okay. it. And, I, and and again, I'm going to be honest. I just started recently reading a lot about this after um, his his sentence. So it's not like I've been following this case very closely, but there are a lot of things that just kind of blew my mind. Um, the second being that during discovery, uh, the U.S. government refused to state how they discovered the servers in discovery in Iceland, of all places. That's where they were. Um, and that was, again, what they were claiming and they're going to claim in his appeal was a clear violation of his uh, Fourth Amendment rights, hmm. um, that there never was a warrant issued. Um, they claimed that the, the way they were able to get into it, get into Silk Road and, and, and find the servers, were that uh, a catch-a-phrase, uh, there was an error on the website, and there was like a catch-a-phrase, and somehow they were just fooling around, and it revealed its true IP address. But every computer expert, and I read this, I read this yesterday, or I'm sorry, I watched this yesterday, stated that what the government testified about how they found the, the, the server was 100% a lie. It, there's mm. no possible way it could be true. And I'm not just talking about hackers, like people that worked for uh, computer companies that had government, you know, computer defense companies that had government contracts, people that, I mean, just knew their shit. And the third thing was that two of the agents that were involved in the initial investigation, including one that befriended him um, and and ended up blackmailing him. This was an FBI agent, and now they have been indicted, and they're being charged with, I think they stole somewhere around like $600,000, $700,000 worth of Bitcoin. Yeah, I heard about that, yeah. And they're, they're already, they've already been arrested. They've, they've been indicted, arrested, and, and they're set to go on trial as well. So that's kind of fun. I mean, I'm not saying the guy didn't do it. 
I mean, everything points to the fact he did do it. But I'm still saying, you know, we do live in a country that you do have to follow protocol. I mean, you have to get warrants. You have to have judges sign things. It's not the Wild West. I mean, that's, that's you know, and again, I don't want to sound uh, like a former co-host of ours that, you know, is against America and, you know, liberty and all that. I'm not. You know, I realize they got to be rules. If not, if there's not rules, there's fucking chaos. Okay. Uh, I mean, I understand, I guess to some small degree in principle, what he's talking about, you know, in terms of people being able to freely make their decisions. But you know what? You know, even though the war on drugs is failing and it, it's, it's probably never going to be winnable, it can't open up a site without any safeguards where people are just buying and selling heroin. I mean, you can't do it. It's just, it, it's, it's, I don't agree with that. I mean, I don't, I don't, you know, and, and I, the families that testified were, you know, their, their children died, where they even had reports of underage kids that were 13, 14 years old, able to purchase, purchase crystal meth and other, other harmful drugs. I mean, you can't do it. I mean, I, I don't agree with what he did. Yeah. And I, mean, I, 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 I agree with what you're saying here. And, uh, you know, as, as far as the, how, how they have, Maybe uh, violated various rights of his with with the way they handled this case. They definitely did, and 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 I mean, and, and, and I, I believe they probably did. And this is I, I compared it on the forum a little bit to OJ, who is currently serving prison a long prison sentence for something that was fairly minor, at least minor to compared compared to the sentence he got, where where uh, he believed people stole his memorabilia, and, and then he tricked them into coming well, to a hotel they room. Fucked him on. You know, to be just exact and precise, is the fact that a gun was used in the commission of a felony. Right, right. But the and thing was, though, he didn't have the gun. They basically proved that he knew that the gun was going to be used in commission of the felony, even though he never touched the gun, he never threatened anybody. But yeah, they they basically, but, since they couldn't get him in California, Nevada got him. Right. California. They, they they took something. They they violated the spirit of that whole law and 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 gave him Absolutely. a much different a much different sentence than someone else. Who did that? Who didn't? Who wasn't? Uh, who didn't apparently get off of mur- for murder in, in, in another state uh, in a high-profile case? They did this, as you said, to put him in prison for the murder uh, by using a technicality for something much more minor that he did elsewhere. So, so that's what. I, so, when that happened, if this happened to somebody who did not have the history of committing murder in California and getting away with it, and just a regular guy who got convicted, got 20 years for something so minor like this, I would say this is a, a miscarriage of justice. This is an outrage. What what a terrible sentence to give to someone uh, for something that's relatively minor. Uh, but with OJ, I said, good, he deserved it, because he should have been in prison for those murders, and, and, and he was so lucky to get off of that. And, uh, and the prosecution screwed up big time in the OJ case. I'm not going to go into that whole discussion. You know, it's a 20-year-old discussion. But I didn't feel sorry for him. Because I felt that this miscarriage of justice corrected the reverse miscarriage of justice where he got off and didn't go to prison when he should have for something he was clearly guilty. So with with this Ross Ulbricht, I, I think in several ways he got screwed in this case from a legal sense. And, and I think that uh, um, if it was just this alone, just the Silk Road stuff and all the things that happened, and he got a life sentence, I would think you know, even, even in absence of all these... Uh, Wrong, all this wrongdoing that probably occurred by the government along the way, even in the absence of that, I, I can't see how someone should get life in prison. Well, you know what? Uh, but, okay, but but again, I, I'm I'm playing devil's advocate, you know, to what you're saying. But what do you say if you're a jury, or if you're even you're a judge, 
and you have parents testifying that their children overdosed because of drugs that were purchased on his site, don't you equivalent that to murder? No, I think it's very bad, but I don't think I don't I don't think it's murder. But any other okay, but any other drug dealer in the world that sold drugs, okay, or provided a service with a kingpin or a middleman or whatever that led to the deaths of of children or even adults, they're going to get a life sentence. So tell me again, I'm playing devil's advocate. What is the difference between him? I, I haven't seen I haven't seen that being life sentence. The there's there's a lot children of children overdose and die, and I, they get sentenced to life. I, I haven't seen life sentences uh, from just that. I've seen it when there's a lot of other things combined with it, but but uh, not not necessarily from a drug overdose that just happened to occur from from a drug dealer who sold drug illegally, and then a, you know a kid. Uh, died of an overdose. I, I I still think the life sentence is too harsh, but where I don't think it's too harsh. Wait, and, hold on, but, but okay, but explain to me why, based on that alone. And I'm not saying that's my feeling, and I disagree with you, but I just want to understand your position. Based on that alone, the fact that people died, young kids died because of his website and, and the services he but provided. But it's, indir- it's indirect. That's why I feel. It's indirect. It's it's. it's I mean, he was making a commission off it. He, he was, was but, it, but it's indirect. It. I'm not saying he shouldn't be punished. He should be. He should get a sentence for it. But I, I don't think life, unless you're actually directly involved in 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 the killing, I, I don't see. In, you know, direct is uh, direct is either you did it yourself or you ordered the killing. I, mean, uh, I hate saying this, you know, and, and I, I I just, but I it's the best analogy I can think of. But if a, if, if your child or if a loved one of yours died because of something that they bought off a website a legal website he was running would you still share that view no because would, I, because because it would be close to me and then i would have an emotional opinion about it that wouldn't uh, that wouldn't be grounded in looking at it objectively it would be an emotional thing where anything that happened uh, like like for example uh, if, if someone uh, you know if, if if someone i knew got got mugged and assaulted and, and badly hurt by a criminal uh, would I be thrilled if that criminal was put to death in some way just for that? Like if someone said, okay, we, we caught him and we have the opportunity to have the death penalty just for this, uh, you know, assault and mugging, which caused a uh, you know, serious injury to your relative. Would you like to see that? I would say, oh, no, miscarriage of justice. I'd say, good, put, you know, put that piece of shit down because it's someone I care about that got hurt by them. So I'd be happy to see that person killed. But, but as an objective person on the side who's just watching strangers involved with this, uh, then I don't have that emotion attached to it, and then I can make a more rational decision of what's fair and what's not. Now, I think he should have been punished for it, but what, I, what I'm happy with the life sentence is that I think was worse than anything he did with Silk Road was that he really believed that he ordered five murders to cover in order to cover up what yeah, he was you doing. You can't say that because he was never charged and convicted it, of that. I'm, that's, I'm, that's I'm telling you from I'm, no, I'm, I'm telling you from the standpoint of what I personally believe when I look at the case, not from a legal standpoint. Yeah, but a, that can't be used to judge him and convict him. Of course and it can. Yeah, of course, he, that, no, no, not, not to sentence him. Would... Not to sentence him. Not to not to sentence him legally. I'm saying from my point of view as as how I feel about it. How I feel about did he get screwed overall in the whole legal case or not? Not not was he screwed by procedure. Not was he treated by the you know, the proper legal procedure. But when I look at the whole thing, and it's all said and done, do I feel bad for him? Or, or do I feel that when it's all said and done, whether it was done in a shady way or if it was done totally by the book, did he get the punishment he deserved? And I say if he – and I believe he really did it, and I don't think there's been much denial that, that he did do this even though he wasn't charged. It, if he really ordered 
the death of five people that he believed were real human beings that he was having killed just to cover up the crimes he was committing, then that guy, I think, should be life in prison. And whatever... Well, it wasn't... Okay, I mean, just to be a little bit more expansive, it wasn't... uh, From what the government released, it wasn't as clear-cut as what you're saying to cover up the crimes. In a couple cases... Somebody, he was being blackmailed. Well, that's what happened. What what happened from what I understand, you can correct me if if you've heard this differently, but from what I understand, someone set out to scam him in in an interesting way. They set out to scam him by reporting that certain other, first they created these phony identities that were blackmailing him, that they said they knew who he was and they were going to report him to the the feds. No, that's not correct. What it was was there was... Okay, in the case of the person blackmailing him, it was an unhappy seller that stated that he had lost money um, from from giving somebody on fronting somebody on the on his site drugs. That's and right, but he did, but he didn't exist though. He was a fake person. Yes, yes, but and if he didn't recoup what he sold, he was going to release everyone, all the customers' names. He that's didn't know right. who he was. That's right. He, he didn't re- know who Ross's right. name was. That's right. But he was going to release the customer base, and he he. He couldn't allow that to happen. That's right. The other people, there were a handful of people that were blackmailing him in general, but, and then but, another. But but they all seem. But they, but they all hang on. They they all seem to be fake though. They all seem to be orchestrated by one person. All these people who are blackmailing him with all these different claims. Th- these things didn't really occur. The seller didn't really get screwed. The other people blackmailing him with other things. These these all seem to be the invention of one person. There are five fictitious people that were created by one person who claimed to have these gripes and were blackmailing him. And then this hitman who offered to take care of this for him in exchange for being paid also was the same person. Well, there is, okay, well, there was another one that was a real, you know, it wasn't a, a, uh, a fictitious person. One of his top lieutenants, uh, an admin, he was. He found out, and this was a, a huge flaw again by the government. Got arrested. Um, he lived in Utah, of all places. He was a Mormon. He got arrested when he had uh, like twenty three pounds of cocaine delivered to his house, and the police released the fact that he was arrested. And what um, Dread Pirate Roberts did, anyone that he employed. He had them scan their driver's license to them as, as a way of just saying, I know you, I know your family, if you know you do anything. So he found out that one of his employees got arrested and was afraid that he was going to sing. You know, that, that's actually the term he used, which he did. And he and that was one of the hits he put out as well. And that was the one where they actually staged the photos and sent him back. The actual guy that he put the hit out was forced to cooperate with the FBI and they took pictures of him. Oh, and you know, they, made, with, they made they made a fake hit out of it. Yeah, exactly. And they actually sent the pictures back. I, I hadn't heard that. I hadn't heard that part. I, I heard about the fictitious people that the the, yeah. the same scammer uh, was was the one behind was both the hitman and the people who were blackmailing him. And so basically, yeah. you know, it would be like someone logging on Poker Fraud Alert, making a new account, and saying, um, you know, first making five different accounts, threatening me over various things they were unhappy about that I did uh, on on the radio show on the forum, and then saying they're going to find me at the World Series and kill me. And then another guy shines up and says, "Hey, I heard about these five people." Who are who are going to kill you? I, I can I can shoot all of them first before they can before they can kill you. Right. And and you know but, how would you like that? And, but and, nonetheless, it is prejudicial for the jury to be told that when it was never proven. Although in all likelihood, you're correct. He did do those things, but he was never convicted, and that's what our country is based on. You no, can't, I know I mean, that. 
he wasn't convicted. So how can you poison a jury, you know, with that sort of information? No, you, you shouldn't be able to. I, I agree. I agree that shouldn't have been yeah. done, and I agree that you know if, that the way the law works, if if you know these things have been done and they were in violation of the law then he needs to be given a new trial and it needs to be done properly. And that's, you know, you can, I, I'm just saying personally how I feel that I'm not going to feel bad for him for getting life in prison. Anyone yeah. who's willing to, to take hits out on people and, and kill other human beings, uh, then that's, I, I'm, I'm fine with that person being behind bars for life. And the fact that's where they should be, even if they're but not convicted that... of it, if they really did it, they should be behind bars. Now, now, as far as the process to get them there, I don't feel that you should be able to cut corners and, and break, you know, bend and break the law to make it happen. Uh, but, uh, but uh, at the same time, that the fact that one of the major players, again, that infiltrated the site ended up stealing from him. I mean, that it, it, it creates some interesting arguments for an appeal. I mean, I will admit that, and I think you would grant me that. Yes, too. no, no. I, I, th- I think it does. There are, de- there are some decent arguments here for an appeal, some decent legal, legal arguments, and they may be successful. And if they're successful, then at this, then I'll say, well, all right, you know, the, uh, by the law, that the, then he has to, he has to get off, uh, or he has to, uh, this has to get reduced, or whatever the consequences are. And I won't be frustrated about that either. I'm just saying that when when I look at someone who gets a consequence for something, just just. Putting everything else aside, I say, does this person deserve it, or do they not deserve it? And and that's when I feel. But there's there's a story I posted on Poker Fraud. There's not anything having to do with poker or gambling, but a story about a a guy who had been molested when he was a kid, and he, you know he back in the seventies, and then he was in his forties, and he he was his life was ruined by this. It just it just ruined his life after he was really badly molested by this priest. He decided to track down the priest when he this priest was sixty five. He was like in his early forties. He made up some bullshit to get the the priest was at some old age home where they stick a lot of priests who are accused of uh, uh, of these molestations and, and support them. Basically, it's really bad. Then the Catholic Church shouldn't be doing things like this. But anyway, they this priest he made up some bullshit to get the guy to come down, claiming that he had some information about a death in his family. The guy came down and uh, and, and basically he beat the guy up. He beat the sixty five year old priest up for what he had done to him. But This priest was awful, and there was a long string of very credible accusations against him, including people in his own family that he molested. A terrible guy. And now, should anybody just have the right to just show up and and beat someone up because they're mad about something, even something really bad that happened years ago? Are you allowed to just should be allowed to just assault someone? Uh, No, but this guy actually, when they went to court, you know, they they tracked down the guy who did it, and and they they charged him with with assault, and they they were trying to put him in prison. The jury actually came back with a not guilty verdict, and the and the flimsy legal premise that that was used to defend himself was that when he confronted the guy in the lobby, that uh, the guy stared at him in the same way that he had been stared at when he was molested, and he just snapped because because he you know the the molestation caused such deep emotional scars that he saw the same stare and just freaked out and and couldn't you know, help himself and then he actually got off for that so so the point i'm saying here is that i obviously that's not really what happened what he meant to do was come down and beat the guy up for what he had done to him back when he was a kid and but this priest deserved it he deserved more, much more than that and so when i heard this verdict i didn't say oh what a terrible miscarriage of justice but i said Good. I'm glad this guy didn't go to prison for this because the priest deserved it, and I, I was happy with the whole story. So sometimes, you know, when the whole thing's said and done, you can't make laws about it. You can't build legal precedent around it. But but you can also, as an individual watching from the outside, say, yeah, he got what he I, deserved. 
you know what I find really interesting, and, and I guess you know I, I will give the guy this. You know, he stated in in several posts uh, that were released, you know, by the government uh, on his forum that he posted that this wasn't about money, that this was about you know just principle and his beliefs and how society should run. I mean, for all the money he accumulated, and, and people estimate it, it, that he made as high as eighty-five million dollars. Although they only recovered, you know, I think it was like eighteen or twenty-two million in Bitcoin. And again, you know, the, the fluctuation as well from you know when Bitcoin spiked. The guy lived. I mean, he, he shit. I mean, he he'd make you proud. I mean, just how <laughs> modest he lived. I mean, he rented a room. He didn't buy any assets. He didn't, you know, didn't have a car. Um, I mean, he just had like a simple laptop. I mean, he didn't spend any money. He was cheaper than cheap. I mean, he never, very, very strange. I mean, he rented a room in a house. Yeah. You know, he, he didn't go on vacations. He didn't stay in, I mean, he didn't do anything with the I, money. I was, he I was surprised he, he was in the U.S. and it's so stupid to stay in the U.S. when he's doing this, but, uh, that, that was shocking to everybody when he, when he was caught, but, uh, yeah. yeah, I mean, it, but, you know, it doesn't matter that much to me whether he did this for money or did this for some sort of belief of his. No, this of should, course not. It, it shouldn't matter. It, 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 you know, it, the motivation for breaking the law shouldn't really matter whether it's for profit or for ideological reasons. The, the, the bottom line is, uh, yeah, you, you can't run something like that. And, yeah, it is dangerous and a lot of bad things can and have occurred for running a site like that. And, uh um, you know, you, you can't do that and expect no consequence. So I, I, there's a lot of people out there say, oh, you know, freedom for Ross, he should, he should get off. At least he shouldn't get off. He just, I, I just don't, I, I didn't think the life in prison was a proper sentence for what he had done. But, but then I don't feel bad for him because Anonymous said in the chat here, he said, dude wanted people dead. Whether he find, whether find a loophole or not, he's a piece of shit. I, I, I kind of agree with that. The guy. What, what amazed me was the people that were protesting with signs that said, what the fuck? You know, life sentence over web hosting. And I mean, <laughs> and that no, that's what people were claiming. You know, the the fact that he was a web host. I mean, he was getting a commission off it. Well, he, he, I mean, it, it, it's it, it wasn't just hosting a site like no, you do here, and people are doing some crazy shit, and you know, it's it's. Well, it was like when Mycon said math does not bow to guns, like like, a, yeah. like as if Mycon was some groundbreaking mathematician that the government is uh is not allowing to bring his uh, innovations to the world. This, it, it, Mycon was running an illegal gambling site for profit. That's what he was doing. I agree with, with, with what Gut said in the chat. I mean, he's never getting out. I mean, best case scenario, yeah, he may get, you know, a uh, a new trial. And who knows, maybe, you know, they also appealed the length of the sentence. Maybe he gets 50 years, you know, and he'll get out when he's in his early 80s or mid-70s. I mean, there's always that chance. But, I mean, he, it's not... You know, ch chances are more like way more likely than not, he's never going to be a free man again. I mean, it's just the, the government just won't let that happen. But um, you know, still reading it, and you know, this is a thing. This is a thing that that I don't know. I don't want to get too make this show too political because I know a lot of people don't like that. But you know, this is a thing that I think about a lot. Um, you know, when you talk about Edward Snowden and just the things that we know our government's doing. Um, and I'll ask you, Droff, you know, I'll put it to you pretty simply. Um, you know, the government, it's been proven they, they, you know, without warrants, without, you know, for wiretaps, they monitor our, our phone calls. You know, they do things like that. But in today's day and age, especially after what happened in 9-11, if that's really the only way 
And again, I'm just, I'm not saying I believe in this or I don't, but I'm just phrasing it to you this way. If that's really the only way for the government to ensure our safety in terms of terrorism, to make sure that there's never another act like 9-11 to get counterintelligence, even on domestic terrorism, are you okay with what the government's doing and what's been revealed that they've been doing? Or would you rather the Constitution and, and, and our freedoms be protected the way our founding fathers originally interpreted it, obviously not knowing that, you know, how the world would transpire and not have that assurance that, you know, events like 9-11 could happen again, or would you rather they do whatever means that they think is appropriate to protect us? Yeah, well, I'll answer that right now, but before that, Gut just said in chat, I heard the government unlatches the exteriors of laptops. That's cute. well yeah if they did it though i got the last laugh on them because the government lashed itself when it fell but hey look uh you know as far as that's concerned i for the most part i'm actually okay with with that because first of all the government does not listen to your individual phone calls if you think when you're talking to you know to your girlfriend or whatever and and, and you're saying uh intimate things or that they're sitting there listening they're not. They, they will never hear anything in your private phone calls uh, unless there is a reason and a strong reason. They, they only have a certain amount of manpower. They can't have a, you know, think of how many people there are in the U.S. and think of how many people they have employed to listen to these things. There's just, there's no way to listen to you. They, they had to pick out very few people, a very tiny percentage of people that they are going to listen to. And these are not just randomly chosen people. These are people who are believed to be uh, a threat in some way. Uh, and, and even if they are um, running a, a software to, to pick out certain words, they're not going to go sit and listen to long stretches of your conversations just for fun it's just basically unless you're doing some fucked up shit you have nothing to worry about well for the most part i I believe that there were yeah then there have been some cases of of violations of privacy using this i've actually read about some but um what, what i can tell you here is that there's a much bigger threat to your privacy that goes on every day but is never talked about because it's not committed by the government it is committed by private companies, private data mining companies that uh, buy your information of of uh, spending habits, even things like what you buy at the grocery store, what you buy on your credit cards. A lot of these things are sold uh, by by companies that just want to make a little extra money selling them. Some, some cases, this data is even st- stolen and then sold to these companies. And they collect a big aggregate of data on each person. And it's amazing by looking at all of this data, how much of a great profile they can put on you to what you like to do, your likes and dislikes, what you're likely to buy, what you're not likely to buy, where you're likely to travel. Uh, I mean, it's amazing where you have been, who you talk to, uh, way more information and this is available in huge databases, not just you being unlucky enough to the government listens to a conversation of yours for five minutes because you said something suspicious. I'm talking about massive datas- databases of information like this that gives a very, very big profile of who you are, what you like, what you do, what you've bought. And this is legal. And this, this is going on more and more. And you're just not aware of it. And a lot of times you get marketed things and you go, oh, wow, how do they know I like this? Well, they know because they bought information from these data mining companies. 
and uh, these data brokers. So these private companies, and it's very hard to stop sorts of things like this. You can try to pass laws to stop it, but it's, it's very hard. These are much more of a threat to your privacy than to the average American than the government's programs to try to monitor communications to try to catch terrorists because that's really the the goal of what the government's doing there and yeah you can go on with the conspiracy theories that there's a lot more than that the government is collecting all this for sinister de- sinister uh needs sinister plans and that you know you can say all that but that's i don't believe that's what they're doing i and it's possible it could be done it's possible it's even happening we don't know but i don't think it's likely but what's definitely happening is is all the data brokering and boy can they put together a pretty accurate picture about who you are and uh, everything you do and what you like and, and, and where you're going to go and where you've been than, uh, than the government does or wants to do. So, so nobody here, unless you're leaving, living completely off the grid, nobody here has the privacy they think they do. And uh, like I even get these calls from scammers from... Uh, I, you know, I, you have, you've heard my Dell scammer phone call where a, a guy called me from Dell and he or claimed me to be from Dell. It was, it was a scammer, an Indian, who stole my information from Dell and, when, and claimed there was a virus on my computer and I should pay them you know, $300 to get it fixed. And I was screwing with him and recording it. So I said, well, now he didn't, uh, he didn't have my address, strangely enough, but I asked him to prove that he's really with Dell. And he told me exactly what computer I had down to the model and told me about a problem I had with my computer that I called them and had them send a service technician out to my house over a power issue, which I did. I did. So they, they had that you information. Did you come at your house for service calls on your computer? It, it, was, it was under warranty. Oh, okay. I wouldn't. I wouldn't have paid. No, it was it was a hardware problem with the with the adapter that wasn't that wasn't staying in of a new computer. So they, uh, they you know they they came over and adjusted it. But uh, you know, so it was a contractor. It wasn't one working directly for Dell. But uh, what I'm saying here is that that information was stolen, and then scammers took it and attempted to use it to pretend to be Dell and scam me. And of course, I wasn't even close to falling for it because I'm very aware of these types of calls. But the point is, there is so much information about you that's obtained legally and illegally that has nothing to do with the government that can paint a, a very clear picture of everything you're doing and who you are. And and I think everyone is too busy focusing on what the government's doing when, when the real threat's coming from elsewhere. You just don't have the privacy you think you do. Yeah. And and uh, and, and, uh, and then said, Anonymous said, yeah, but what's the deal with no room service after 11? <laughs> that's true. That's, that's a amazing, good point. Right? I mean, that's uh, how do you ever with six thousand? I mean, it's not like this is some small little Holiday Inn. I don't get that at all. I was surprised I, about that, and also the American Bar and Grill being closed. At least they they kind of moved that action to the deli, so fine. But yeah, the no room service after eleven, even though I don't use it, I I, I think is pretty much an outrage. Where else did I run into this? I, I ran into this traveling somewhere else recently, where like after a fairly early time, everything was shut down, and I just couldn't get anything. I also read about the Rincon. Harris Rincon has the same situation now. I think they're closing down their cafe that used to be 24 hours at like 1 a.m. And after that, there's no food options there whatsoever. Hmm. And, they, and they're yeah, really this deli's open at 6 a.m. So I think that's the only place to go eat. Yeah, it, what they do is the six. They close at six for two hours, I guess, for cleaning or whatever. But then during that time, you can go to other restaurants that open at six. 
So there's always something to eat here 24 hours, but you can't do room service 24 hours. And and uh, have you ever tried that Burger King here or the Burger King Whopper Bar or whatever it is upstairs? Um, I have not, and and I bet you can figure out the reason why. Why why would I not have ever gone to that Burger King? What knowing me, what's the reason I would not go to it? Tomatoes on the side? No. What's what's another reason? The uh, the price. Right. It, it is uh, something uh, I hate. Something I detest is paying a big markup and getting the same thing. I don't mind paying for quality. Like like some people may think that uh you know, I just want to always get the cheapest thing and get crap. I don't do I hate getting crap. I I hate getting things that I think are inferior quality uh and just to save money. Like like I one time I was at a friend's house and and his wife was going out to the store and he's they said, "Hey, do you want anything?" And I said, "Yeah, well, I, you know, I'm kind of in the mood for some soda and uh you know, you guys don't have any here. Can you can you get some for me? I said, oh, sure. So the woman comes back and brings me this, like, store brand cola. It was awful. I don't know if you've ever had that before. It, it's totally different than Coke or Pepsi. It's it's just crap. Yeah, I've had, uh, like, RC Cola before. No, RC is and... great compared to that. This this is, like, store brand cola. That's And the ridiculous thing is, like, they buy this for, like, 89 cents, and for, like, $1.19, they could have gotten the two liter of, the, of Coke. So, like, what, they're saving 30 cents? Like, so I didn't say anything because I didn't want to sound like an asshole because they went out and got it for me. But uh, so I just said, okay, thanks, and, and tried to, and drank it. But but I'm thinking, why, why are you buying store-brand cola for 89 cents when for $1.19 you can have the Coke? So, like, I, I'm not going to save money there because you're actually – instead of saving money, you're actually screwing yourself because you're paying – more for an inferior product, you know, compared to what it's worth than you are for the better product. It's, you know, it's, it's, it's ridiculous. It's like, I also, like when I went to it, I went on a trip to Alaska, uh, over the summer last year in August and there's rental car places. You can even either get a, a, a normal type rental car from Avis for like $89, or you can get a total junker that is not even unlikely to break down. With like 175,000 miles, I'm not even kidding, in, in total beat-up condition for $59. Now, hmm. why would you ever save $30 that way? Why, why would you ever take an awful car with 175,000 miles on your trip to Alaska where you don't want to break, out, you know, break down somewhere around there? Like, why would you ever do that to save $30? If, if you can afford to go there, why are you saving $30? It's the total wrong spot to save $30. So I don't save money in those spots where I'm taking inferior quality. But... What I hate is when I'm paying a big premium for the exact same thing. So I went to Burger King, and I think I noticed a burger I can get for $0.99 cents or $1.50 or something like that was like 5 something there. And I said, forget it. Like, I'm just not going to pay that. It's just a, a sysop in the chat is saying $5 foot long is a scam. It kind of is, but it's like only two of the five, two of the foot longs are five dollars everything else more expensive but uh, at subway but uh, I, I just I don't ever want to I don't want to ever pay way way more and I understand paying a little bit of a premium I didn't expect the Burger King there to be you know, as cheap as the Burger King at home but when it's like several times more when I've got to pay like 550 for a burger worth 99 cents I don't want to do it I just don't want to do it so I, mean, I gotta ask you this question I, I've I've never asked it to you directly like this. You have so much money. You can't take it with you. What? What is it about? I mean, the small things. I mean, I, I you know, I mean, I get massive things, but when it comes to like $5, you know, $3, I mean, I know I guess it adds up, but to me, it's like, 
how can you sit there, you know, and, and you gamble for a living and the things that you talk about are less than a tenth sometimes of your big blind or your small blind. It's just kind of it's, it's, it's kind of the it's kind of the principle. When I say the principle, I don't mean I'm necessarily being cheated or scammed. I, I just don't like. Uh, I, I always like. I know, but I always, I always like getting somewhat value. I don't like feeling like I'm being taken advantage of in some way. I don't want to feel like I'm I'm paying five times just because they know I'm a captive audience and I have to pay five times. I, I just don't want to do it. I don't want to reward that that uh, that sort of thing. Like uh, I'm not saying they shouldn't be allowed to do it. They should be. They can charge what they want, and if people want to pay, they pay. I'm not saying there should be laws against it. They they should be able to charge what they want, and uh, but I should have the option to say I don't want to pay it just because I can afford it. It uh, doesn't mean I should pay it. So, so that, that that's that's kind of what it's about. There, it's it's kind of just like if I get a if I get my phone bill or whatever, and it's a five dollar error. It, it it's not worth the time that I spend to call up to correct the five dollar error. But I call the five dollar and get it corrected because I don't want to give them five dollars that they shouldn't be entitled to for having an error on the bill. They don't deserve that five dollars okay. from me. I'm saying, like, here's an example. You're you're playing two hundred, four hundred, three hundred, six hundred in poker. You know whether you win or lose. What difference does it make if you're spending five bucks on a hamburger? No, nothing. A BK Whopper. It doesn't. I mean, it doesn't. It, you know, as far as my bottom line of money, it, ma- it makes no difference. But right. But, it's, but if, if you if want it, hamburger, why would you just refuse yourself that privilege because of the fact? If, if well, if I really want, here, I'll, give, I'll give you an example. In chat, someone's asking. Lou Father's asking. He's believing I never bought a Dodger dog because uh, because it's too expensive at the stadium. But it is expensive to buy a Dodger dog. But I bought it. But I but I have I, I have and and often do when I go to Dodger Stadium because I, there's something about the Dodger dogs. I don't know if it's because of my memory of going to the Dodger Stadium as a kid, but I really like eating Dodger dogs in Dodger Stadium. So there, because I enjoy it so much, and because you can't get Dodger dogs at home, they they have like what they call Dodger dogs, but they're really not. I don't know well, what it is. What is a Dodger dog? What is the difference? It's a hot dog. They, they, they sell at Dodger Stadium. Dog. Whatever it is, it tastes really good. It's by Farmer John, but I've bought like the Farmer John Franks and made them myself. They don't taste the same, even the ones they call Dodger dogs. Whatever it is, like I, I really like it, and, and it's just the experience of being at Dodger Stadium eating a Dodger dog. Like For, for that, I'll, I'll overpay because it's something I'll really enjoy, and it's something I can't duplicate at home. What I can duplicate at home is getting a, fi- a, a, a 99-cent Whopper that I, that I can do at home, and I don't have to do it uh, – uh, at the Rio, and, and pay five times what what they normally would charge for. That's 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 when I don't do it. Where whereas if it's something that's either I really enjoy, I don't see I don't I don't deny myself something I'm going to really enjoy. Like let's say I wouldn't go if Burger King was the only place to eat here, I would I would buy the five dollar burger rather than go hungry. I, I would not go that extreme with it. But at the same time, if I walk in there and I see that, I will walk out and say, okay, what else is here that's more reasonably priced, and go there. So that, mm-hmm. that that that's that's the way I'll go with it. Like uh, if it's that, and that's and I'm telling you, it's just more about the principle that uh, um, when someone sets ridiculously high prices because they think I, I'm forced to pay them, I think they should have the right to do it. But I I don't like rewarding it. I I don't want to. I, I don't want to basically fall into what they what they're trying to make me to do. So, and it's also, you know what else it is? It's, uh, and not, not that buying a $5 burger at Burger King would really change this, but I think when you, I've told this people before, you have to have a certain attitude towards money in order to have respect for it and in order to be responsible with your money. And it's hard to 
say, okay, in this case, I'm not going to have the responsible attitude because it's small, uh, but but uh, for a bigger things, I will. You can say that in theory, but it starts to bleed over, and we don't even realize it. And uh, I, I, you know, when I first came to realize this, though I, I've always kind of been a cheap Jew, even as a kid. But but when I first when I first really realized this was when I got my first credit card in, in my early twenties. It was like in my own name. That you know, my parents. That wasn't like an extension of my parents' card or anything. And I got my first credit card bill, and it was six hundred something dollars, which which doesn't sound like very much, but. Um, it was the first time I ever got a, a credit card bill. And, it, and what shocked me was that I didn't remember spending very much money on it. I said, how's this 600? It's got to be a mistake. And I scanned down the credit card and I saw nothing above $30. I said, this is weird. They must have an additional mistake. And then I added it all up and it was correct. I, I spent $600 by spending 20, 30 at a time over and over and over throughout the month. And it added up to 600. I go, crap. I had no idea I spent 600 on my credit card. Now, I wasn't spending frivolously, but I'm saying that, that these things all add up. Small things will add up. And, and sure, if, you're, if, you're, if you have a lot of money, then there's no way a bunch of $5 expenditures could ever add up to meaningful money. I, I'm aware of that. But, but it's, it's, the, it's the whole thing about the attitude of once you start saying, oh, this is too little to care about, it's going to start happening more and more and more until it really starts to add up to where it really will affect you. It's, it's to have the right attitude towards money. It's got to kind of extend to everything. It's, it's hard to just pick and choose certain things. And, and, you know, things like what I said with the Dodger dog, at least there I'm getting value because, because I actually enjoy it because I'm getting real enjoyment out of it, but I'm not just, I'm not just getting gouged. And, uh, you know, there's sometimes you, you can't help it. Uh, you know, I go on vacation. I'm stuck at an expensive hotel, uh, that's you know not worth the money because it you know the, of the time of year I'm going there and then I just pay it you know that's just the way it is but uh, but I, I try if I can help. Well, it. You know when we're done with this show and we go downstairs whatever you're going to buy it's going to be grossly overpriced. But and, not, and that, not not that grossly that's the point I'm willing to pay somewhat overpriced from where I am. I just you know go- much a, I'm looking online now at this uh, this deli. You know how much a uh, foot long cheesesteak is? What do you think it costs? I don't know what what, what is it. Uh, $18. Well, that's a lot, but it's not, you know, like I, I got a pizza there yesterday for for, uh, for $12, a 12-inch pizza for $12. That's not a great deal, but it's not awful. You know, like, like and I wasn't even, like, I wasn't even oh. picking that based on the price. I just, I just thought, okay, what do I want for the menu? Ah, pizza. Okay. Yeah. Okay. $12. That's fine. Like, I, like, I realize it's not a great deal, but it's not terrible. And it's like, it's when it's something's like by a factor of five or something more expensive, that's a factor of three. That's that stuff start going there. This is crappy. I, I don't want to pay this. I think eighteen dollars. I'm not nearly as cheap as you. I, I think eighteen dollars is kind of excessive for just a crappy cheesesteak at the Rio. Oh, it I is. Mean, exce- I, I it it, it, it is excessive, but but it's not by a factor of five. Wait. So what does a factor of five mean? That means five times what it should be. If a, if a burger is ninety nine cents at, at, at home in Burger King, and they want to charge five bucks at Burger King. That's the problem. Yeah, but you're talking about like a Wapa Junior. Like you're not talking like a, a regular whatever. You know the biggest. I don't know, half pound, quarter pound. No, I'm not talking about that type of burger. I was noticing I could not get a burger and fries, uh, like just a burger itself there for like less than five bucks when I looked, no matter what type of burger. That's what bothered me. Wait, so it bothered you that they didn't have like a $2 burger? Yeah. Uh, no, and, and the ones that are the, the, the supposed to be the higher burgers are even more expensive than that. I just, I found, I found nothing there that was, that was even close to the reasonably, it was like fast food that was expensive. I hated it. Okay, I, and, I, 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 I agree. The eighteen dollars is pretty bad. I probably wouldn't get it for that 
type of price either. But that that's not even as bad as the Burger King in my eyes. And there, there are other things that are like I described that pizza. That wasn't a horrible price. Yeah. So that's so, a lot. I mean, well, let's look at this menu here. I mean, I, I'm. I mean, it's eighteen. Well, okay, I'm sorry. It's seventeen bucks. If oh, you, oh, you, you a, know, Brandon, you you get twenty five percent off for being a local. You know that. Do that that applies at the deli? It applies everywhere in the Rio. I know at the uh, at Starbucks it does, and okay, every single place in the Rio, twenty five percent off. Except maybe not Burger King. That may be the only place it's not. But uh, I, I think just about everything in the Rio is is twenty five percent. Yeah, twelve inch. Actually, if you paid twelve bucks for your pizza yesterday, they screwed you. With your total rewards card, it should have only been eleven dollars. I'm looking at the menu. You know, you know, someone, someone's the Sysop person is calling me out saying that I'm wrong about Burger King. Any meal is going to be six to eight bucks. That's wrong. If you get the whole combo meal, yeah, because then they charge you a lot for the drink, and and you know the the combo meal is never rarely a good deal unless you really have to have everything that they're giving you. Uh, but but you you can get. And I'm not saying I don't always get the cheapest burger. Sometimes I'll get the more expensive burger. But but uh, you know, if you say, "Hey, I just want the cheap burger right now," th- there's usually a burger on the menu. I haven't been to Burger King in a while, admittedly, so I haven't. I mean, come on, twelve inch sub, Druff, turkey, lettuce, tomato on a hoagie roll, sixteen dollars. I mean, that's ridiculous. It is, but but how much would you expect to pay for it? If, if how much in a normal place would it be? I mean, at Capriati's, which is a, a, a decent sub place. Um, if you're not, if you're getting at a cap rate that's not in a casino, you're talking seven, eight dollars. Well, so fine. So it's, it's like double. Much, so it's like double, but that's like that's. It's, it's, but it's, it's also much better meat. It's freshly carved turkey. It's not processed. I mean, it's it's also better quality. And by the way, Sysop, I didn't say burger and fry. If I said that, I didn't mean it. I mean the burger. If I just wanted to get the burger, it was going to be like five bucks itself. Yeah. That, that's what I'm talking about. It's like I don't know. It's just. I, when I was there, I can't tell the exact prices. I remember being so disgusted seeing the prices, and I thought, I don't really want this that badly. I, I just kind of walked by. I'm like, oh, Burger King is familiar. All right. And then I go, oh, my God, it's this much? Screw it. Like For Burger King, it's not worth it to me. Well, shit, I just realized something. Aren't Amanda and Josh on now? <laughs> <laughs> well, let's see. Now that you mentioned, let's, just, let's see what's going on. Then we won't be foolish enough it's, to try to reach them. It's, no. Let, let's see. 6 a.m.? That's to interrupt our important discussion about uh, Burger King. Huh. You know, I'll I'll bring up a similar topic, by the way, in a second. Let's see. I'm talk? getting hungry, buddy. I got to be honest with you. <laughs> sure. I can go down to the deli with you after this is over. It's yeah, like... no, I'm going to. I already asked uh, Anonymous if you want to meet us down there. Okay, we can meet Anonymous. It's been eight hours. It's Don't time for me. a meal. Thank the savings. See, I hate this, I hate you can't skip this guy. I am skipping this Geico commercial. So after the Geico commercial's over, that I just muted. Then uh, listen to Amanda and Josh. But you know, at Commerce, what do you tip? I bet this is music right now. Let's see. Okay. I'll wait till the music's over before I turn it back up. Uh, it is supposedly Amanda on here, though, Amanda and Josh in the morning. But, uh, you know, at Commerce, how much do you, in the top section there, how much do you tip the servers when you get a meal? And yeah, just to review for people who don't know, the servers at Commerce are not like in a restaurant. It's not like they're constantly checking on you and what do you want now, what do you want now. What they do is they, you order I'm food. Sorry. By the way, I've, I've been blocked by Amanda Leatherman on Twitter now. Wow. <laughs> She saw the other ones. I just went to her and I noticed it says start following. 
I'm thinking, I know I was following her, and I click on it, it gives me that error message. Uh-oh. So she blocked me. That's cute. <laughs> Let's see if I'm blocked. What, what is her Twitter? It's uh, uh, it's uh, Manda. 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 I should, uh, Manda. Yeah. No, I'm not blocked. I, I'm not blocked. I'm not following her, but I'm not blocked. Did you, I mean, if, did you click on start following? That's yeah, you know, I, I just followed her right now. It's fine. Oh, okay. You got Damn blocked. It, she blocked me. So okay, so at commerce, you know, you just order the food. It used to be free. Now it's this weird comp system they have, which is kind of crappy. But but putting that aside, even when it was free, uh, they would the servers would would bring it to you, and basically they just they're just walking it over from the kitchen to you, drop it and leave. That's all they do. So all right, uh, how much tipping? How much do you tip them? I would usually give them probably like. $3. Right. Sometimes, you know, sometimes I'd splurge a little more. Like if I ordered a couple things and, you know, say they brought out like my drink right away and my water and I asked for like, you know, avocado on the side and made it a little difficult and everything was fine. I'd give them five bucks. But for the most part, I tip like three bucks, but I never, I, but also in my defense, I'm basically tipping like 30% because I, I would never order like a lot, like three plates or, you know, I'd usually get like if I paid for cash for it, the equivalent of like an eight, nine, ten dollar meal at the yeah. most. Well, okay, so, so I'm basically tipping thirty percent, if not more, every okay, time. Right, right. So, and also they're not, and, and, and they're not doing much work, and and they're just bringing it out to you and leaving. It's not like a regular server that you can't compare it to a restaurant where they're doing a lot of work. So, right. So, but I also feel kind of bad because they get yelled at. They just service and they scream yeah. at them, and someone shake and I know, they but they, they, they but they make a lot of money there comparatively because they get. All these tips, and they serve like I'll see them bring out a giant tray of a bunch of people's meals at the same time. Yeah, and they get tips from all of them, and they don't have to come back. They can serve so many people in in a short time, and and they're not doing as much work as a normal server. And so, so what I was doing, I was tipping them three dollars. Then I'm like, yeah. well, I, that was like, well, okay. I, I I started rationing. Well, I'm ordering bigger things. I should maybe I should give them four. So I started giving four. Well, I started noticing that. I'm getting attitude from them with a four. They, some of them would just like snatch it and walk really? away. Yeah, I'd give them the four and they'd like snatch it and walk away, not say thank you, just like grab it and, and walk away angrily. They, they didn't say anything. I've never had that happen to yeah. me. I've never had anyone. Maybe because I made bigger orders, whatever it was. And I wasn't. I just ma- only order one entree or like, you know, they have the specials of the day. I'll get the special and a Coke or a bottled water or coffee and that's it. No, I, you know, so I, okay, so I, I, but I, I didn't have huge orders. You know, I'd, or, I'd order like a, a, a meal. And a, and a fruit plate and, and a drink, and that would be it. But anyway, I, I would – they would uh, – once sometimes they would be gracious. Other, other of them would, would snatch it away and walk away like I, I pissed them off. So I, I said, screw it. I, I'm not – I don't care what they do. I'm not going to tip them more than $4. And, and I, did, I posted this on Poker Fraud Alert, and I had some people saying, hey, you know, you're playing 100, 200, 60, 120, 40, 80. Why? Why not just give them five dollars? Why not just do that? Why? Why? Why are you? What's the difference between four and five? Because I was saying here that I think they were expecting five because it's just so easy, so much easier to give them a yellow five dollar chip than to give them four one dollar chips. So, so that's probably what's pissing them off is that I'm actually counting out four. You can give them the two dollar chips that you get from the breakage. I, I guess, but the, the the thing is here that uh, people are saying, why don't you just give them five if that's what a lot of other people are doing? And I said because I had to draw the line somewhere. I just don't think. 
that what they are doing is worth any near $5. In fact, I think $4 is an overpayment. And and if you don't think it's an overpayment, then your normal server should be getting like 60% for you for what they're doing. You know what? I don't, I don't think that there should be a set amount in your head. I mean, I think it should be dependent on the order. Oh, but, I, but I, uh, huh? I'll, uh, no, I'll tell you, it's, it's not a set amount in my head. That's why I think that for what they're actually doing, I, I think a dollar should be fine because they are, they are dropping food down at you and not doing anything else. But but I can't give a dollar because that makes me look like a super cheapskate, and then I then they get really pissed. So I had to I had to kind of like like do a medium between what I think they deserve for what work they're doing, and when I say deserve, I mean compared to what servers actually do in restaurants for the same the same job. Well, you except know what I said. I mean, if you're ordering something, and you know, like sometimes with me at least, I try not to be difficult. But if I order the fruit plate and I find out there's like grapefruit in, it, I'll be like, can I have it without grapefruit? Can I have my dressing on the side, but, the, but they're not the ones who do that. They they, they, they tell the kitchen, the kitchen does it. Yeah, but they still have to write the order down right, and I, I don't know. I mean, you know what? I'm just we're different in that way. It just I don't think about it like that. Like whether it's two dollars or three, you know, I, I look at the order. If I ordered like ten bucks in food, I give them three dollars. You know, I feel like that's the appropriate amount. Of, but you know, I guess you're right. You know, they are just dropping off food. But and they're making so much like more than a regular back. server. If you, My attitude is if you think they deserve... It's not like they come back and check on you and no. ask you anything else. But, you know, it's a unique situation. Where else really other than there can you have food that's just kind of dropped off in a mass quantity and they don't come back? I mean, it's... It's a very unique situation. I, I know, but but so I was I was kind of just comparing it to what server, normal servers do and how many people they can serve at once. Because you know, normal servers they can't have that many people well, they can serve what? at once. I don't care what people think. If you think that it, they deserve a dollar, who cares what the guy next to you that doesn't know who you are? You well, know, no, 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 no. I don't care so much about the table. I care so much like like about. I don't want to be known as the dollar tipping guy and having them like spitting in my food all the time. Like I don't. Well, that's, think, that's thing, I, I don't think they're going to spit in my food for giving them four dollars. I just think they're the kind one of like. Thing I've learned is you don't want to fuck with people that prepare your food, bring you your food. I'm never rude in a fast food line. I'm I'm always like polite. Yes, sir, ma'am. How is your day? Like <laughs> I've heard stories. I know people that have worked in these places. Shit like that does go on. No, I know it does. So, so, so I'm like saying that, that honest to God goes on. I've seen it. Yeah, I know, I know it. I know it does. And and, and so what I'm saying here is like I don't think giving the I don't think giving the four dollar tip is going to make them do that to my food. I just think they're a little irritated with me. But if I gave one dollar, then it probably would. So that's what I'm afraid of. Give one dollar, and you know they say in Spanish that you kike again just ripped me off there, fucking Pablo. <laughs> Then all of a sudden, yeah, Pablo's spitting in your... Well, so now you see why I don't do it. But I, so I'm saying that I, I drew the line somewhere which I felt was like high enough to where they're not going to hate me, but but low enough to but a little lower than, than what some of the other high pl- players are doing. Because I think I, I had to draw the line. I just thought they were getting too much. And, and if you want to say, why are you being so cheap? Well, you know, uh, then why don't you give your regular service 60% or something? That, that's about well, what they're getting. This. When you're at the World Series and you order a drink, do you tip based on how many drinks you have? Or do you give the waitress a standard dollar, regardless if you get one drink, two drinks, three waters, whatever it may be? No, I just give I just give the uh, I just give the dollar. But you know what? I don't even I, see, I, don't, I give a dollar per drink. Yeah, I, I don't even do this anyway because I I just bring my own drinks down there. Okay, but say you needed a drink. I mean, I'm sure there's been places and casinos where you've ordered a drink or more than one drink in your life. But you would just give a standard dollar. I, so I give a standard dollar from unless water. if I though if I order for a separate person like like if I'm with my girlfriend and I order one for her, then I'll give two dollars because then it's like for two different people. Okay. It's just kind of the way I decided to do it, but but you're not really going to win no awards from the service industry. But you know, it, no, I'm not. Know, but you know, the truth is, a lot of these people make so much money 
Like a, a lot of them, they're not the like the cocktail waitresses in casinos. They make a lot of money. They, those are not the ones that feel sorry for you. Don't you don't say, well, I've got to give her two dollars. She's making minimum wage. No, she's making a fortune. She may be making more than you. So you that's not the per- if you want to feel sorry for someone, you know, look look at the person sweeping the floors there and hand them some money and say, hey, you do a good job. Here, here here's here's five bucks for you. Like that's that's a nice generous thing to do. But almost no one I mean, does that. Do you do that commonly? No, but I I don't I I, I don't. But I'm saying if. If if you did, if, if if your goal is to help out struggling people who, who work in the service industry, give it to the ones who are really struggling. Don't just give what – don't just increase the tip of someone who already makes a lot of money because uh, you rationalize, oh, they're making minimum wage. No, they're not. If, if their tips are huge, the minimum wage is irrelevant. So so if you really want to help out a struggling service employee, give it to the some person who does not typically receive tips. That that's who needs it. Not not the not the person who's taking home a lot of money compared to the job they're doing. Or it's not a lot of money on an absolute basis. So so that's uh now sometimes you if have you to really, if you had a really good session at Commerce, at the Bellagio, whatever. I mean you you win thousands and thousands of dollars, you run great, you're in a good mood, you're walking out of there and you see you know, some an older, elderly person that obviously, you know, is working out of necessity and, and not, you know, not because they, they want to. Would you ever consider pulling out a couple bucks? Yeah, I, I, w- I would consider it then if I, if, if I just kind of noticed a situation where I felt. Have like you the, ever done that before in your life? Uh, Yeah, occasionally I have. Okay, that, that's good. I've done the same like, thing. I, like I don't a whole lot. I, I'm not going to say it's a regular habit of mine, but I, I have seen things. And where it's like, nice because they don't expect it and they give you the biggest smile. Yeah. And even if you give them th- like two or three bucks, they're just so happy because they're just so appreciative. They're generally just so appreciative of it because they just they don't expect it. You, you know, like, like I, I, I agree with you. I like doing that too. I'll, I'll, I'll sometimes do that. When I'm walking out, if I have a five or a couple loose dollars on me, I'll give it to the porters. I'll give it to – Somebody emptying ashtrays because they always just were so gracious and they smile and you know it means something to them. Yeah, like I'll, I'll tell you where I, where I, I like one of the times I was staying at Caesars when Benjamin was a baby, he got sick and he threw up in a lot of different places and it made a big mess in the bed and it was and we we had to call up to have them come over and and it was a lot of effort to clean and uh, I, I felt bad. I I gave actually a generous tip to everybody involved in cleaning it because it was gross and and I felt bad that they they had to come up and do it. And yeah, it's part of their job description, but like you know, I, one I know they don't make much money, and two they they had a very unpleasant job to do that was the result of of, of my kid. I, I yeah, so so I there I gave them a nice tip for doing this. Everybody was involved uh, because like I felt they deserved it, and and I knew I was helping someone who was who who really also really needed the money and was doing a, a very unpleasant job for very little money. So that that's like that that's that's where I didn't feel bad at all about giving something like that because uh that, that I felt that was very justified. So. Yeah. I mean, like I, I thought when they were cleaning I'm thinking you know like these people are making like minimum wage to to clean up vomit all over the place. I'm like you know that that's that's a pretty bad existence. I feel bad. Do you, uh, and, and I assume, you know, educated guests is going to tell me I'm right. When you're playing live poker, are you just a dollar a pot regardless? Yes. Or, yes. Well, okay. But obviously, and I'm the same way about this. I know you, if I am, you are. <laughs> if you just, if you just raise and win blinds, you're never tipping. No, no, no. Yeah, I, okay. I mean, yeah, I, I, most people don't. I'd say 95, if not more, percent of people don't do that. That That's, but I mean, say you win, a monstrous pot. I mean, you're playing 300, 600, or 400, 800, and you know it's it's three bet, and it's and then it's three bet again on the on the turn, 
You know, it, I mean, it, you, uh, you take down a five, six thousand dollar pot. Is it still always a standard dollar? Usually, and if it's not, sometimes I'll throw a two or something. But I, I don't throw a five or anything. Like that. You know why? Because like I remember I was playing recreational. Like I had a friend who was in town who was just a recreational player. When we were playing like three dollar, six dollar limit, and and some big pot by three dollar, six dollar standards built up, and 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 um, and, and, the, and my friend won it, and then just like. Like and then like threw ten dollars to the dealer, and and so I didn't ask him at the time. I didn't want to you know, create any argument over there. But but later I asked, him, why did you tip ten dollars for winning? He says that was such a big pot. How could I not? And I said, you realize that's like kind of like stealing the blinds at the game I play, and nobody even tips for that. Like, let me ask you. Okay, let me ask you a hypothetical question. I know you don't play <clears throat> no limit very much, but I know back in the day. When you used to wait for uh, your limit games at the Blasia, you jump in like a ten twenty to limit game. Yeah. So and that's a game where you know there, there's uh, no max in, in what you can buy in at, at the Blasio. So say you're in a scenario, and I know I think you weren't a big buy in, like you'd, you know min, not min buy, but you buy it for like twenty five hundred or two thousand. If I was not yeah, I buy in two thousand usually. Yeah. Okay. Well, anyhow, say you know you have five thousand behind when a hand starts. And for some reason, there's, you know, this loose, crazy player, and you just get it all in. You have kings, and, and you just think he's being crazy, and you get it all in. You're playing like a ten, twelve thousand dollars $12,000 pot. He flips over aces, and you're just, fuck, I'm just, that, that's, all my money's about to be gone. The board comes dry, the turn's dry, boom, king on the river. The dealer gives you a king. Now, of course, you know, some people really, truthfully, are superstitious. They really think dealers can control shit. That's out to get certain people. We all know that's bullshit. They just deal the cards. Dealer gives you that king on the river. You get $12,000, okay, or 11, 12, whatever, because of her that you would not have had. Are you still tipping a dollar in that scenario? I probably have a dollar or two dollars. I, I just don't, just like I don't expect them to tip me when I'm just getting clobbered or, or, or when I have the aces and they have the kings. Really? And, and, See, yeah, in be- that kind of a situation, I, I would probably give. I, I I probably would throw her twenty five bucks. But, no, but what about the reverse? What about when you're on the other end and and you get uh, you have the aces and they have the kings and then the kings hits the, mean, the kiss the river. Yeah, and, I, I get it, but I just would because I getting it in bad. I don't know. I just would. I I, I just I just feel like the cards. Now one I'm thing I one honest. thing I never do. I absolutely never ever take it out on the dealer when I'm when I'm running poorly. I don't ever think it's them. I don't ever think oh when a dealer changes my luck will change i i never think you know I, I i don't have those beliefs and i never will treat a dealer poorly uh because i'm getting bad cards so so i am always respectful towards the dealer but at the same time i don't think i i don't think they're going to be they deserve a reward an extra reward if i put a bad beat on someone i they're just dealing the cards i don't think that they're yeah, so that's that that's kind of how i see it and 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 the truth is you know it, from the steady dollar tip, dollar tip, dollar tip, they actually make decent money. They're not getting rich, but but you know they're 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 making an okay living for dealing cards, and and so I don't have to feel like. Uh, and and the thing is that if you're playing professional, if you're just playing recreationally, you want to throw a ten dollar tip when you win a big pot, you know, no big deal. Like I I, I was saying that to my friend who did that. I said, you know, I said you, I know you don't play that much, and you know if, if that's what you like to do, I'm not going to tell you how to spend your money. Yeah, I just you know what I'll tell you, they're not making as much as you think they're making. I mean, some people now again. You know, I, I still am in the note to some degree because I still have friends that I've known for, for many years that are in the casino business. And, you know, people that deal at, like, the win, I, I don't care. I know it's kind of like a faux pas. They don't want people discussing the salaries because if people found out and knew how much 
some high end dealers made, then, then, you know, people would be inclined not to tip. But I know for a fact that full time dealers last year at the win made a, a little less than $100,000. Yeah, I know. Now, granted, I, I've, been, I've talked about that for years. Yeah. Now, granted, the win is one of the hardest places to get a job. You, you need to know, uh, you know, multiple games. In many cases, you need to know, uh, Chinese to be able to deal Pai Gao tiles and, and just other games that, Asians predominantly play to understand the language and, and communicate. Um, but I know I have a friend that, uh, you know, I originally met at the Bellagio that was a dealer and I, I've just become friends with him over the years and we don't, you know, talk all the time, but I know for instance, he has days at the Bellagio where he'll walk out of there with 120, $130 after working eight hours. That's not really, that's not a lot of money that comes out to be, you know, a, a 10, 12 bucks an hour. I mean, so it's not. I'm sorry. Where, where is this? I missed, I, I missed where this is. You missed what? The Bellagio, I said. Uh, the Bellagio, really? That's a poker dealer. Not a, not a, not a pit. No, no, no it surprises yeah. me. I expected like at a at a low limit place, then I could see that happening. I was surprised at the Bellagio; they don't get more. Now, I mean, you have to understand, like, because the economy still isn't great and the poker booms died down. There's not a lot of. Full time, or I mean, shouldn't say that. There's a, there's more dealers than there need to be. So a lot of times you're getting sent home early. A lot of times you're getting extra pushes, and you know sometimes, and this is what what amazes me. People don't even realize that what they normally do uh, when they play, in, and you know people have the impression, well, they'll go play in high limit. You know, if they deal in like in a high limit game or in Bobby's room, they're getting paid you know a lot of money because they're dealing fifty, hundred thousand dollar pots. A lot of times, what these guys will do is everyone will just throw them five bucks after their down is done, and that's all they'll get regardless. And I'm not saying they should get more, they should get less. I mean, I'm, I'm just saying. Yeah, I know, I know, I know, I know these players because they're pro players. They're, they're used to uh, not. Of course. Not and and, and of course you have to realize their players don't tip at all. So, and I know I people just, at Commerce, since Commerce raised the rake so high, it's ridiculously high there now, there are some players who have converted from the dollar a hand thing to nothing. And just saying, I'm sorry, I can't afford this anymore. If playing 4080 yeah. limit, uh, if if I continue to tip a dollar a hand, uh, it's going to really start to kill my ability to win in this game. It's strange. It's strange to think about with 4080, but but uh, the the rake is already getting so high there that it's getting it's already getting close to being unplayable. Yeah, I know. Uh, it's an interesting question. I know uh, uh, the X Factor just wrote, "What does Phil Ivy tip?" And uh, I've heard a lot of stories from, from people that have interacted with him, whether it's uh, pit dealers or, or even poker dealers. When Phil Ivey wins, he is very, very generous. That's He's known I, as I a very good tipper. In that. fact, I would have pictured in that. In fact, it's – huh? I would have pictured that. I, I'm not surprised. In, in that, yeah, in fact, it's, it's pretty well known. It's been reported by the press, and it just – you know, he – I mean, I guess I don't know now how his spending habits were, but he would not – tip anything less than a hundred dollars to the valet whether he was at the wow. Bellagio for just five minutes to pick up some money out of his box or I mean so he's you know there's been tons of there's a column in the uh Las Vegas Review Journal and the columnist his name is Norm Clark and what Norm Clark reports on is just uh the celebrity scene the Hollywood scene just what's going on entertainment wise in Vegas like who's spotted at what restaurant who's you know, eating here, who's gambling where, and, and, you know, he has a lot of inside sources, and, and a lot of what he talks about is, 
you know, over the years has been like tipping. Like it's been reported by him and confirmed by many others uh, that Tiger Woods is an awful tipper. He's won, you know, tens of thousands of dollars before playing blackjack, and he stiffed the dealers or left them very minimal amounts. Michael Jordan, the same way, very, very bad tipper. Um, and then, you know, he's talked about other people that are well-known as like Ben Affleck, um, before he got 86 and, and later just stopped playing altogether, he uh, used to play a lot at the Hard Rock. That was his – this is like in the late 90s, beginning of this decade, um, you know, probably like the 2006 or so when that was like the hot spot before the Palms kind of took the the young crowd and then the Cosmo later on. And he would make dealers months. I mean, he would literally – there's stories about him tipping – you know, eighty, a hundred thousand dollars. Huh. You know, and again, like you know, he'd win a million and you know, two million. And guess you know, when you're making twenty five, thirty million a, a movie, it doesn't really mean that much to tip. You know, ten, ten thousand, twenty thousand dollars. But uh, you know, he was a very good tipper. And you know, this is this is a good conversation for for another show. Um, you know about that because I, I know a lot of insight into. Just that, that whole aura of, of, you know, how Vegas used to be table for table and now it isn't. You know, when I say table for table, it means that everybody basically it's called going on your own. And oh, yeah, that's, like, a, that's another big problem I have. Yeah. I, I haven't, I didn't even think of that, but I mean, I've thought about it before. I didn't think about it during this conversation, but yeah, you're talking about how they pull the tips. Right. Now, in today's, well, okay, poker dealers don't pull, don't pull tips. Uh, the only situation in which tips are shared Poker wise, or for dealers that are dealing tournaments, well, that, even if that it's part a makes pilly- sense, huh? Yeah, that makes sense for tournaments. Yeah, whatever the fee is that that is taken out for the staff or left for them after the tournament is over, that's evenly divided among everybody that worked that tournament, and it's also prorated. Meaning, if a dealer only worked two hours out of a six-hour tournament and took an early out, then they're only getting that share of it for the you know, and that's how it works in casinos too. Um, if, if, you know, all casino shifts for dealers are, are eight-hour shifts, but because of the fact that, you know, games close, uh, you know, just due to slowness, um, you know, and there's a heavy amount of extra board in every casino, that when a dealer first comes to work, say you don't want to work the whole entire shift, you can sign what's called an early out list. Every casino has this, even, even in poker rooms. And what that means is if you're the first person to sign the early out list, when the first game goes dead, that means that there's nobody there and the pit boss makes a decision to close the table. If you're the first person on the early out list, you get, you have the option to go home. And sometimes that can be an hour or two hours into your shift that, that you can do that. You're going to, you're going to go home. So if you only work two hours that day, whatever the tips ended up being for that full day, you're only getting you know, one fourth, twenty five percent of whatever everyone else is getting. Wait, hold on, so hold on, hold on. Policy for the cost of one action figure. We oh, can sorry, I, th- I thought they were back on. Yeah, no problem. So, so tips are always being prorated. Now, the trends stopped, like in the mid to late eighties, where it was very commonplace for dealers to be on their own, even crap tables where the crew was on their own, meaning that whatever they made that day, okay, they kept for themselves and it wasn't pooled. But due to a lot of hustling and, and you know, because at that point, you know, if you're working on your own, you kind of have an incentive to hustle because whatever you make, you know, you're getting yourself. So yeah. if you want to flirt with 
you know, females want to flirt with male customers. Guys want to kind of flirt with old ladies. You even want to say, hey, you know, why don't you put something here on the line for me? You have an incentive to do that because you're, you're, you're getting that money. It's yours. If, if you, if they win that bet, you know, it's yours. So casinos didn't like that. Um, and so what they ended up doing, um, you know, like I said about the early nineties is they converted everything over to, being split over a 24 hour time period. And normally that started at graveyard and then carried out to when graveyard began the next day. And anything that was pooled, there'd be what's called a tote committee. And by Nevada gaming law, uh, other than dealers and dealers that are voted onto the tote committee, no one else in the casino is allowed to touch this money, meaning foreman, supervisors, pit boss, even the casino manager. And at the end of the shift, every single night, this happens at every casino, the members of the toke committee uh, gather, and what they do is they collect all the toke boxes that are at the blackjack tables, craps tables, let it ride, everything, and then they dump it out in an open area that there are cameras there to make sure no one's pocketing money. They count the amount of money that they have, and then they report it to the cage, and then it's you know divided appropriately – as I mentioned before, prorated based on who worked a full shift, who worked, you know, only, you know, half a shift, et cetera, et cetera. And then now it used to not be this way. It's also, and I think this is a huge fucking scam. Uh, they're, they're fully taxed on whatever it is they make. Unlike cocktail waitresses, uh, or, or, you know, bartenders that have a tip compliance and they can claim they made 20 bucks a day or whatever it is. It's a very small amount, even though they're making, you know, in some cases, four or five, six hundred a day, and they're only claiming 20 bucks. Yeah. Whereas dealers have to report every dollar. Yeah, that's just like, it's, and that, that's never seemed fair to me. That's not right at all. Um, but that's the way it's been. Now, recently though, I will tell you something. And this, this change started about five years ago after a good 15, 20 years of casinos, being, uh, pulling, pulling their, uh, tips. They started these fun pits, these dealers that deal in bikinis, um, these party pits, you know, dealers that yeah, have yeah. outfits that, yeah. that will, will deal and then they'll dance. Like, I think you're at Caesars. It's called like the Pussycat Lounge or, or, or Pussycat something. The Pussycat something Dolls like for a while. I think they converted to something else, but yeah. yeah. And yeah. I, I'd Golden Gate downtown at Binion's. A lot of casinos have this. And anytime you see these dealers that are wearing skimpy clothes or they're not wearing a normal uniform, they're working table for table on their own. And that's the incentive to get them to be, you know, wearing these bikini tops and these skimpy outfits, um, is that, you know, whatever tips they're making, they're keeping. So always keep that in mind. If you're in any party pit or, okay, here's another example. When the Imperial Palace up until, you know, a couple years ago, used to have their what they call dealer dealer tainers where the dealers would dress up every single night like Madonna or Diana Ross or um you know just I just so many Olivia Newton John you just you name it they as well got to keep their own tips because that was a concession for them having to you know put on the makeup and the outfits and and just have to really entertain not just or entertain and deal yeah, I, so, I remember those things. I didn't know they were keeping their own tips. That's interesting. And and yeah, uh, that's, you, that is how that is how it is, um, in in every casino now that when you see a pit that just looks differently the way they they're dressed, those people are keeping their tips. Whatever you give them, they're taking home. 
Yeah, you see, so that, just uh, keep that in mind. I, I I understand why they do it, and I understand trying to cut down the tip hustling, which is really annoying. I've I've, I've been at tables before where the dealers have tip hustled. It's probably at places where they could keep it, like smaller casinos. But uh, at the same time, I I hate pooled tips because it is defeating the purpose of why the customer's tipping. The customer's tipping to give a reward to the individual for a good service. And when it's split several ways and they're only getting a tiny percentage of what you're giving, you may be tipping dealers who are giving poor service and, and you have no choice about the matter. And that, and I, I hate that. And, and in tournaments, in fact, um, this can be a problem because if you have deal, dealers who are awful or even ones who are rude, you cannot penalize them from the tip. If it's a flat tip that's, that's uh, you know, what, even the tips that you just leave in general, but unless you are able to leave no tip and then just walk up to the individual dealers, which is very hard because you, you get so many dealers dealing to you, you can't go track yeah. them all down. But I, I also hate the, the, these guaranteed tips like they have at the World Series. I like it much better when there's not a guaranteed tip. And then, then I just decide at the end overall from the dealings I've received. But you I, know what? They have to do it that way because I, if they didn't, they're going to make way less money, and then they're, they're going to not be able to fully even staff. No, I, I know. I'm just, I'm just saying it has, that that's, it has to be that way. Beer and Poker had a question for you. I guess he asked a couple yeah. of times. Uh, he wanted to know if Druff, if you want a hundred k from a bad beat, bad beat jackpot, such as like at the Orleans, that commonly gets even higher than that. What would you tip, Druff? Huh, that's a good question. Hundred K uh, from a bad, bad beat. Jackpot. I, I don't know. I don't even. I don't know what. What? What? What is? What is like the expected? What's customary in those situations? I, I don't know. Because like I, um, I've seen, I've seen people tip several thousand. I, well, okay. The only place I've ever played in my life where I've seen it hit actually, um, I've seen it hit once or twice at Red Rock, and I've also seen it hit at the Orleans. Those are the only two places I've ever seen it actually hit, and. Um, to my memory, all, on all occasions, it was a, a pretty decent-sized tip. I remember at the Orleans, uh, well, one time an employee hit it, and that caused a huge controversy because the room was packed. Or it, was, it, it was up to like $150,000, and an employee ends up hitting it. It pissed a lot of people off. In fact, they ended up for a while banning employees from playing there, and they later uh, rescinded that rule. But uh, I've seen people tip four or $5,000. On, on, yeah, you know, I, I don't, I don't know. Uh, that's a good question. That's something I'd have to think about. It's, uh, you know, I, I there was a bad story that occurred from like 2006. Oh, there was, there was a, there was a kid, a young guy, uh, new to the, fairly new to the poker scene. It was a good player, but he, you know, I hadn't been around for that many years, especially in the live scene. He won a tournament, and uh, I think in Northern California or something, he won a big tournament for like a million dollars or in the high hundred thousands, something in that range. And there was an auto tip taken out for the dealers. And, and at the end they said, okay, well, do you want to leave an additional tip for the dealers? And he thought about it for a second. And he said, all right, a thousand dollars. So he left a thousand dollars. Well, some asshole there who, who, you know, a dealer who, who was resentful about this for some reason posted to two plus two well, well, you know what? Hold on. Before you even go on with that, I'll, I'll even give you a better better scenario that the same thing happened on a much grander scale. When Brandon Cantu won the Bay 101 and didn't tip, somebody leaked it 
on two plus two, and he got fucking hammered. Yeah, say, say this with, say with this guy with a thousand dollars. I thought this was even worse because here he actually reached in his pocket to give additional money over the guaranteed tip, and he got hammered. And because well, so so everyone on two plus two bashed him. I couldn't believe it. And the reason they were bashing him is they said that when you win you know, a million or whatever he won to uh, to give. A thousand dollars is like a slap in the face because it's such a tiny percentage of the thing. It's like a slap in the face of the dealers. It, he would have been give, better off giving nothing. I thought this is ridiculous. They already got such a, a fairly large tip from him uh, from, from well, the guarantee. I end up winning a bracelet tomorrow or in three days from now. I mean, I'm not tipping anywhere near close to ten percent. Not it's. And I'm not. You think I'm tipping them twenty? What, I don't know, say the limit, Holden tournament pays a quarter million dollars. I mean, I don't even think it'll be that much, but just say it does. Think I'm going to tip them 25000 bucks? No fucking way. Well, no, no, they weren't expecting you to do 20, 10%. They, they, $1,000 out of a million is, is only 0.1%. But the thing is, that wasn't his entire tip. He had already tipped from the auto tip. So so uh, it, it was crazy. They were treating him like he won a million and tipped a thousand on it. He actually tipped a thousand over what was already taken out of the pool of of, of three percent or whatever. Uh, that that was the standard tip that that they already took out. So he's trying to explain to everyone, look, I actually gave extra. I didn't screw them. I gave extra. And they're saying that's still an insult. You can't do that. And and I couldn't believe this. The guy, the kid tried to be just do something nice and give a little extra over what was already taken. And I I think, but yet I I. Well, I said to myself, what if the kid left the tip on, what if there was no auto tip and it was, you know, th they gave him his full million without a tip taking out. And then they said, what do you want to tip? And he tipped 3% plus $1,000. There would be no question. Nobody would question ask, Let me ask you this. And of course, you know, it's your privacy. You don't have, you can just say, I don't want to answer. When you won <clears throat> your WSOP bracelet, besides the tipping that you, that was included, did you tip after you won? Well, I'll, I'll, so I'll tell you what happened. Um, uh, let me go back. You one, don't have to answer. I, I'm gonna, I'm well, I'll tell you what spot. happened. I'll, I, I went back one month before. Go back one month before that. When I entered my first World Series tournament ever and finished third, and I got $116,000 paid. And uh, and they asked me when I got the payout, "Do you want to leave any extra tip?" And I thought, "Huh, that's a good question." And I'm thinking, "Well, what 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 do people do here? What what is customary?" So they wouldn't answer that for me. They just I even tried to ask that. They, they just wouldn't answer. In fact, they gave me a misleading answer like. Uh, like uh, I forgot what it was. So they told me something that wasn't true over there, but I didn't necessarily believe them. So I said, you know what? The, for right now, it's no. Do I have the option to come back later and adjust it if I want to? That is adjust it up, not take money away. And they said, yes, you can come back another time and add to it. I said, all right, I'm going to think about it and come back tomorrow. So what I did was I consulted various people I knew on the poker tournament scene. And said, "What should I, what, is, what was I supposed to do here? Because if I if I if I if I'm supposed to leave more, if that's what's customary to do, then I'll go back and fix it. But just tell me honestly what I'm supposed to be doing." And they said, "You're not supposed to. If there's an auto tip, then then uh, the, you're not supposed to. And the rationale for that is that an auto tip is guaranteeing them a tip whether they do a good job or a bad job. And while maybe they did." Wait, a, hold on. When you, I'm sorry. When you say auto tip, you mean the amount that's already included in the buy-in that goes to them? Yes. Okay. And, and so, so they, what, they okay. said when that's there, you can't go. You can't go to them and say the, the dealing was awful. The dealers were rude to me. They didn't know what they were doing. I don't want to tip them. Give me my my percentage back that you withheld for the dealers. 
they won't do it. You're not allowed. You've, you're forced to tip that. So the person said the the rationale for not adding to it is that it all averages out. Sometimes they'll do a worse job than what the the auto tip would be. Sometimes they'll do a better job than the auto tip would be. But because you don't have the opportunity to remove it, you also shouldn't add to it. It should be it, they can't have it both ways. They can either like not have no auto tip and then you give something very generous if they do a good job and give them nothing if it's a bad job or you can have the auto tip where they just know what they're going to get every time no matter what and uh and and, and they're not getting more or less uh, depending on on yeah. uh, and so i thought you know, I, I said that makes sense so so i didn't go back and leave any additional tip and then when you won same same when I went feeling to the, so that's that's my general same feeling now now however every time i've played at a casino that did not have an auto tip i tipped I, I didn't. I didn't try to where, skate away with no that tip. Even at though. Oh, like I don't the, even know tournaments oh, the, anymore where it's I, not a you well. Can build I, in. I don't play. I don't play tournaments anymore except for the World Series. But like when I played the bike, they didn't have an auto tip, and I. I think Commerce okay. didn't have an auto tip at the time when I was I playing. Think, I think at this day and age, you're not gonna. You're gonna be hard pressed to find any sort of tournament. That doesn't already include some sort okay. of gratuity. But, but for I, the I'm just saying, I'm not looking to to get out of leaving a tip. I, I'm. I'm. Uh, but but at the same time. Uh, if one's already taken out, uh, and and I have no control, I like I believed with the reasoning that was given to me by more than one player when I asked them, and it was all pretty much the same line. Like once there's an auto tip, then oh. then uh, then then you you don't have the opportunity to reduce it, so you shouldn't be well, increasing. Just because Alan Kessler tells you to do something, <laughs> you don't have to do it. No. So that that's well, you know the, here's an interesting question, and you know I think. Uh, you know, we have so many diligent users. I'll, I'll put this out there. And if anyone wants to do the research, uh, you know, you could find the information on the Internet. I'd be very interested to, to know this. But what would you just guess off the top of your head if you combine all the bracelet events, the uh, Rio Deep Stacks, the satellites, everything, so on and so forth? You know, actually, maybe that may be too hard to figure out. But I know you could figure it out in terms of the bracelet events. What would you just guess the estimated amount? that is taken out throughout the whole series for the dealers? I mean, obviously it's in the millions, but what, what would you guess oh, it would be? That's a good question. Um, if you just had a guess. I mean, I have no idea. I, I wouldn't even know what number to propose. But I'm just curious, and I know somebody that's listening it's, will do the research and post a number <laughs> or come up with some sort of number. It's, it's definitely in the millions for sure because they they give away more than $100 million in prize money. What is it like? Is it three? Is it like three? I, I don't even read it. I, I know I should because it's on every tournament structure sheet. So like three percent withheld for the dealers, three and a half. It's never been clear to me because it says it on there. No, Hold because on. they 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 withhold some, but then uh, I'm not sure about this actually. Hold on, I'm going to tell you right now, actually. Cause, no, I just read it. It's on the structure sheet at the bottom. At least this year it is. But I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you right now. But anyhow, go on and and, and just try to. Uh, Give me an idea what you think. Uh, two to three million dollars, maybe. I don't know. Maybe three million. Okay, let's see. So tomorrow's event. I mean, it's, it's a lot of dealers that are splitting okay. it. So it sounds a well, lot of money. Here's an example, but... right? Okay, so it's three percent. Uh, the Omaha tournament I played in, and the tournament we're playing tomorrow, three percent of the total entry pool will be withheld for uh, the tournament staff. Yeah. So that that's three percent, and so I think that's standard. Let me go. Yeah, so it's got to be it's got to be at least three million. Maybe it'll be the uh, main event. Maybe it'll be five see. million. Uh, well, Anonymous is saying the main event was sixty two million. So that three percent of that right there is is already getting close to two. Yeah, so I know. I know it's in the millions. Yeah. Um. Let me. 
I mean, there's a lot of different dealers working, so it's not as big as it sounds because it's, it's splitting a lot of ways. But well, it's still millions is million. I mean, it's it's okay. Uh, oh, okay. Well, here, well, well, I, here, I don't here look at it that way. I don't look just, at the total. It, it has it's to actually, do with per dealer. Kind of, this is kind of strange. Um, for the main event, though, I'm reading 4.2% of the entry pool will be withheld for entry fees, and only 1.8% will be held for the staff. Well, I'll tell you why. It's because it's a more expensive buy-in, so they figure... Of course. And it makes sense because when the buy-in's more expensive, at, at some point, of course, there's a big law of diminishing returns there of how much the dealer isn't doing much more for an expensive event than a cheap event. So while you can say, well, the player's winning more, so they should pay more, but they shouldn't pay that much more. So that, I think that also needs to be considered. How many, How many? roughly how many people were in the main event last year? Do you remember? It's, like, it's always like around mid-sixes, 6,500, 6,600, sort of, that sort of thing. 6,800. Okay, so going by what they're raking this year and last year's numbers, uh, if if the same numbers hold this year at, at 6,500, or I'm sorry, 6,600 I put in here, at 1.8, the dealers are getting close to $1.2 million. The actual number is 1.188. Yeah. 1,188,000 for the main event. So that's a lot of money. It is. I mean, that's, that's you know, even chopped a bunch of ways, but when you consider the grand total of all the other tournaments – I mean, that's – I mean, I would probably say over a series, what do you think, maybe $10 million is withheld without uh, anybody else I don't, I don't think I don't think it's that much because the other ones don't add up to as much as the main event because the main event is a large field and it's a big buy-in. So that makes it a huge thing compared to everything else. Well, what, like, well the Colossal, let's, let's look at that. I don't the Colossus know, is I, simple. I, I, the Colossus is uh, – it was 565 – Times twenty two three four one, so so it was twelve point six two million that they collected, and then times they said three was it three percent? Well, I'm checking. I'm going right now. It to probably see is three percent. Okay, fifteen dollars for every entry. So how many oh, entries oh, did they say they had? Entry? It was a twenty two three four one, so it was three hundred thirty five thousand. The dealers made. Yep, three hundred thirty five thousand. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I mean, there were a lot of dealers, obviously, but yeah. I think actually them making three thirty five thousand for this. So, but anyway, the, the point that I guess we've established is they're getting pre tipped several million dollars, several million dollars. Yes. Besides anything else that anyone decides to tip on top of that. So, and I and I, you know, I'll tell you that's one of the things that's always bothered me. Uh, the Venetian is a good example that does this, and the Sahara used to do this, and you know, this is years ago when I would just play with friends over there. When, you know, the Sahara, I mean, they they raked it like it was almost 28%. I mean, it was something so awful. But, you know, you would just go for the social you know, yeah. experience with your friend. You weren't going there. And you, you, I played it with you before. We, You know, when you used to come to Vegas, we, you know, sometimes all go down there, like six, seven of us, and, and you know, have fun, make prop bets, whatever. Um, but after the tournament, the Venetian always does this as well. They pull out that envelope and look at you, and they're like, if you'd like to leave something else for the dealers, you know, I, I, I don't. I don't even think they should be doing that. That's always seemed to offend me, you know, where they're asking you for even more money, you know, especially when they've already raked the tournament 28% and then they're basically kind of saying, you know, give me more money. I don't know. I, that's, I don't think that's appropriate. You know, they could have something there. They could have a jar. They could have, you know, 
whatever it is, but that for them to say to you, you know, you want to take care of the dealers. And in fact, that's usually how they phrase it. If you want to take care of the dealers, you know, not really insinuating that you've already taken care of them, you know, here you go. And I've, I don't know, that's always kind of sat wrong with me. Yeah, I agree. That's that's putting people in the spot. Yeah. You know, I I'm, I just saw something on Twitter. Is this true about who's still in this? Let me see. Did I miss something? Well, here's another reason. I want to add the one drop. I don't know what the numbers were, but uh, Anonymous was saying you had the one drop. That was, what, $45 million? Um, So, yeah, I mean, it's – it's. I mean, listen, they do well. I mean, I, I, look, I know they work their asses off. You know, they work sometimes 12, 14-hour days, but you know what? They make a lot of money in a short amount of time. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if they made, you know, ten, twelve thousand dollars, if not even more, in, in six weeks. I mean, that's very, very plausible. Um, you know, and you consider how much you're making such a short amount of time. I mean, it's it's not a bad gig. You know, you need to pay off something. You need to pay off a loan. You need to get money for a down payment on a house. You come, you deal for six weeks, and boom, you have ten, twelve, you know, fifteen thousand dollars. Well, it's interesting stuff to think about. By the way, in the Colossus, Ray Henson is the leader right now. Seven point four million. Wow, that's the guy, the son of the guy from the Muppets, or no? <laughs> that was he should, Jim he, Henson. Yeah, no, he should hope not. That, that family does not live long. Wow, well, who else died early? Jim Henson died at around fifty-one or something, and his son died at like forty-nine. They just like both abruptly died of separate Jim things. Henson was four, 51, Are you sure? Or fifty something, fifty three. Yeah, he was young. Yikes! Jim Henson. He kind of he could have prevented it. What happened was he just didn't like to go to the doctor, and he started wow. he started 53. getting he started getting really sick, and uh, he actually was with his his ex wife was like hanging out with him or something. So like he called his ex wife, and he was on the road somewhere. Toxic too. shock syndrome. He died yeah, from. yeah. So he had her come over. Huh. And 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 he's like she like kept saying go to the hospital. He's like no, I don't want to go. It was never made clear why he didn't want to go. But finally, he, when he was coughing up blood, then <laughs> they convinced him to go, and then it was too late, and and he died. I mean, his his son died at like age forty nine recently of a heart attack. Right. So yeah, I'm looking at this now. What are the, how many players are they? Thirty nine. Thirty nine. I don't. I let's see. Paul Lentz. I recognize that name. Do you know that name? I know. Okay, well, Actually, though, I'll, I'll, um, I don't want to give – well, I probably shouldn't say anything unless I was told. But I, I did get a text that uh, somebody that's in the top 39, um, that's all that's still left him playing, one of a, a PFA user went to uh, – was either elementary or junior high with. Huh. And one of his friends, one of his childhood friends is – and they're still friends to this day. Huh. But he's in there. I, I don't know if you wanted me to yeah, – Interesting. To so- and I yeah. see, I see uh, Ryan Laplante of Rainbow Flops is still in, and uh, Mike Lee is still in. And oh, it's amazing! Danny, I'm just looking. You know, it's Danny funny Wong to click on. In. It's funny to click on the uh, the link of their names and just see what they've accomplished because a lot of people have stated the person that wins this is going to have like four thousand dollars or you know some small amount of career earnings. Um. I'm like one guy that's in the top ten has eight thousand dollars in career earnings. Well, who's this number two? This Adita Prasieto. I've never heard of him. I wonder one seventy eight. That's not that bad. Yeah, the guy that is in third place right now, or whatever. Ibrahim Nahim. 
He has fifteen hundred dollars in lifetime winnings. Well, and, and David Farber, who's actually I show him in third, he has twenty thousand. So and Ibrahim is well, fourth. Burns has never cashed in a tournament before. <laughs> Wow. Never has no caches to his name. This will be his first ever cash. Well, I mean, this is this is good for guys like Ray Henson and and Mike Lea and you know guys with a lot of experience that they're playing against a lot of people who who don't. That's got to be a big edge for them. Yeah. Well, here's an example: the guy from Vegas, the top guy from Vegas, Anthony Blonda. Where is he at? Uh, number seventeen. I think he's the highest guy from the city. And he has eight thousand dollars in career earnings over oh, wow. seven years. In over seven years, <laughs> long-term goals win a WSOP bracelet. Well, he's got a chance. Yeah, yeah, I see that. That's funny. Poker players respect some else. Negranu and an Admetic. That's pretty <laughs> funny. That's interesting. I, I'd, uh, yeah, I don't know anyone else here. I mean, I know Mike Lee. See old Stanley. That's a Jewish guy. I, I know. I like. know of uh, yeah, Stanley Kremerman. Never cashed in a tournament before either. <laughs> no, the ones the only ones I know of here in this list are uh, Danny Wong, uh, Mike Lee, Ryan Laplante, and uh, uh, and Ray Hansen. That's it. Yeah, another guy, eight thousand. Like most of these players have no caches. There's a guy in there from Kabul. <laughs> Wow. Uh, the last guy, Jano Kazamaya from Kabul. Wow. I see that. No, from Netherlands, though. It's not Kabul, uh, Afghanistan. Oh, okay. I just saw the Kabul part. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's misleading. Yeah, I don't. Uh, Anthony Spinella, that sounds familiar. Yeah, that sounds familiar. You're right. I've heard of him. He's uh, got 198000 yeah, it's almost two hundred thousand over a little over two hundred thousand dollars. Never won a bracelet. Uh made a couple final tables. Yeah, okay. Interesting. Very, very interesting. Well, we we know who the group Rainbow Flops is rooting for. We know we know who PLOL hopes wins this. <laughs> we we know who they're behind on this one. But uh I don't know if he still listens. He may or may not still listen That's to the show. And you know, I'm just looking right now. I said this to you uh a couple weeks ago. Um, fucking rep Porter again, fucking final table. I, when I started, and I know you, you probably played with him way more than me, but I mean, I remember when he just played limit hold'em. I remember him even saying, you know, I got to start playing different games and learning them. He's at the 10 K. Uh, he's a little low on chips, but the blinds are so high. It doesn't matter. He very well could win it, but he's at the, uh, the, the, uh, limit deuce to seven triple draw. He always runs deep in these, in these, uh, limit, well, he's, he's won a bunch of them. Hold on, let me look here. Now, I don't think he's won that many bracelets, but he's he, he he goes to a lot of final tables of these limit events. Any kind of limit event of the World Series, oh, he's, he's won. He's won two bracelets. Yeah, and he has a second of four. Well, let's see. Let's see how many final tables he I, made I, a final table last year. He bubbled another final table last year. Then 2013, he made. Two final tables. Then the year before that, he finished 11th, 6th, 14th. Then the year before that, he has a first and a nine. I mean, he's made, Jesus, he's made about 12 final tables. I, that's what I'm more. saying. I, I always see him very deep. As, yeah, he only won twice, but I always see him very deep. And it's, probably, it's mostly these, these limit type events. Two. But I just, I'm saying I remember when he just played only exclusively limit. Yes, oh, I remember three, that. Four, five, six, seven. Eight, nine, ten, 
He has, this will be his 11th final table. I mean, that's pretty impressive. He's only been playing. It looks like he's only been playing non Holm events for about eight years. Um, I mean, yeah, that's, that's, that's about a final table a year. Now, did you know, I think Rep Porter is younger than me. Um, I think he is by a few months. Doesn't say the age. Oh yeah. Birthday, 1971. Oh no, no. So he's a little older. Okay. But he's right yeah, around the same age. 1971. He's I, I always thought he was older. I thought, I always thought he looked old. He's got a, you know, what's a, you know, what's really amazing. He, uh, he's cashed at the world series 27 times. And 11 of those caches were final tables. Yeah, that's, that's surprising. I thought he did more than 27, but that's interesting. Oh, according to WSOP.com, that's, that's kind of amazing. Well, you know, one of his final tables that he made, one in 06, I should have been there. He he, he screwed me big time, like with bad beats. Okay, I'm going to guess it was a 2006, was it the Limit Hold'em shootout? That's what it was. I had him yeah. down to almost nothing. Finished fourth. Right, I had him down. It was, it was a six-handed final table. And, and – uh, I had him down to almost nothing. It was a hand where it was an interesting hand. I had I had queens on the button, heads up for the to win that table. It was the second table, and I, and I had more chips than him uh, by a lot. And uh, I I had queens and I yeah I was I raised, and I, I forgot the way the pre-flop action went. But the fl- flop came all low and he check raised me, and I three bet him and he called. The turn was a jack and he check raised me again. Well, knowing him from when I played him at Commerce, I knew exactly what was going on. I knew he had over cards in the flop, and I knew he hit the jack on the turn. I wasn't even slightly worried for some reason. I wasn't even worried that he had like a pair and then it became uh, a two pair. I was sure he was doing this with over cards, and I was sure I was correct to three bet him when that jack hit. And he just called, which made me very happy that he just called. He didn't four bet me. So the river was a king. And keep in mind, after the turn, he had almost no chips. He had, like, one more bet plus maybe one behind it. That was it. And he was done. If he loses the hand. River's a king. He bets out at me. Like, oh, my God, he's got King Jack. I called, and he has King Jack. Well, after mm-hmm. after that, he just won every single hand. Had he lost that hand, and funny, someone happened to take a picture of me. I don't know if I still have it. Someone happened to take a picture who knew me, who walked by seeing this, moments before I lost that hand. So you can see, I think his arm's out so you can't see completely. You can see he has almost no chips in front of him. And after I lost that, it was a big pot. And then I started losing just every hand after that, and, and I lost. And he went off to the final table instead of me. And my parents were there watching too. They happened to be in Vegas. And uh, they they were trying to console me after this. I was like so... That was my first really like awful tournament moment, and yeah. uh, and I was I was I was like really depressed over that because I was thinking I so badly wanted to be at that six handed final table, uh, because because I was I've been playing so much six max online at the time and a lot of people weren't back then, so I, I really... here's a perfect example of of why the World Series is just what it is. Guy has eight thousand dollars in in lifetime earnings. His name is John Reading. And uh, he wins a hyper turbo tournament, the thousand dollar hyper hold'em buy-in or tournament for a little over a quarter million today. Yeah, I, I thought the hyper was ridiculous. I didn't want to play it. I just thought it's. it's just... I didn't even look at it. I mean, enough to. What, what do you even recall? I think it has like twenty minute levels. How... It was just whatever it was. It looked like too much of, of a luck fest. 
But do you remember how it was it like twenty minute blinds? Yeah, something like that. And I, I just I just felt like I know there's a strategy to these. I know that's not just all luck, but one I have no experience playing these, so I'd probably be a fish at these anyway. And 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 second, I, I just don't like it. I just don't. I just think it's too much of a luck fest. I think it's like a combination of a luck fest and the parts that aren't a luck fest. I wouldn't have experience with, so I'd suck. So I said, forget it. I'm not doing it. Funny. What, what are the? Uh, <laughs> I, mean, I know we talked about it, or I, I, I think we talked about it uh, at some point. Um, but what a, what a what a final table that three uh, K shootout. Oh was. yeah, no, we didn't we didn't talk about this yet. Brian but... Lemke's Brian Lemke's sitting right next to James Woods. Yes, yeah. So we we had but... so James James Woods was there at the final table of the three K shootout, which Anonymous played by the way. So, it, so it, James Woods was there. Uh, Brian Lemke, who's the cousin of Justin Schronk, who used to be part of this community, Esoterics, who who who, who, who passed away. Who's a bracelet away. winner? Yeah, Brian Lemke was not Schronk, but, uh, yeah. but yeah, no, I'm saying Brian Lemke's a bracelet yes, he's winner. he's a bracelet too. winner who won just after his cousin Justin Schronk died. And one of like the hardest events of the year, like, yes, it was like a 5K no limit. Yes, and 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 uh, and he actually like put a bad beat on to win it, and he he was saying that Justin sent it to him from heaven. He was like, you know, it was like this whole emotional thing when he won it, and and. Uh, and then we also then there was also uh, a listener to this show who, who acknowledged he still listens every week and in fact said that he enjoys our long episodes like this one. Leo Wolpert, who's a uh, a pro player who's not really well known, but he's uh, I, I had heard of him before he approached me last year and and told me that uh, he actually approached me at the Monster Stack during that clusterfuck and he was a victim of it too and and told me that he enjoys the show and introduced himself. So he still listens, and he was at that final table. He unfortunately finished ninth, so he, he knew how's that one. And then also Lonnie Harwood, the, the breakout female star who seems like a lesbian but isn't. So I, I don't know. Did you ever see Lonnie Harwood's interviews? No, I mean I've seen her in person. I've never talked with her. I've she, never she watched really, anything. She really has like she doesn't look butch or anything. I mean, she doesn't look super feminine either. She's kind of like tomboyish, but she does have long hair and you know, she she's not like super butch, but she has like masculine mannerisms to her if you watch her. And like all these people on our forum were saying, "Oh, this is a lesbian for sure." But then shortly after that, it came out that she had a boyfriend in poker, I think an Asian guy or something, but whatever, she had a boyfriend and she had him for a while and, and, and like she didn't even, it's like she was using for money, like she was doing well, she was making her own money, she didn't need to use guys for money, so like it, it seemed to be like a legitimate relationship and, and so I think she's just one of those girls and I've known someone like this before, I've known like totally straight girls that have like masculine mannerisms and seem like they're lesbians but they're not at all, so I, I have a feeling that's like Lonnie's situation, I have a feeling she's like, she's not going to be like Vanessa Russo coming out in a few years. I think she's right. just straight and seems like she's not. But uh, anyway, she, she was at the final table too. But none of those four won. Yeah. Hmm. But I, I, it, it was interesting. Uh, I don't look at many uh, final tables with like four no- people that are notable to me in some way. It's amazing that James Wood won two tables. Yeah, I thought about that. Like, like uh, you know, it's, it's one uh, thing. It's got to be good. I mean, just it's it's hard enough to win a table, but. You have to have so many things go right. You won both tables. Yeah, and, and it's a hard event. It's a, that's a, that's... Oh, I like, by the way, the tweet, the tweet at him. You oh, get yeah. Upgrade now and get, a, get a better girlfriend. Yeah, no, I, girlfriend. I, tw- I tweeted him, if you win this one, uh, now you can you can upgrade to an 18-year-old and dump your 22-year-old girlfriend. <laughs> I don't know if he's still with her, but, the, you know, the, the girl he was with last I saw, like he had a previous girlfriend in her late 20s, 
And that one also looked kind of ridiculous, but at least the last girlfriend just had a... She didn't look super young. She looked like someone in her late 20s. She was very pretty, but she looked like someone in her late 20s. The one he was with most recently was 20, and she looked about 15 or 16. And that just looked really weird. Like, it's one thing to see, like, a young woman with a really old guy like him, but to see someone who looks like they're a teenager just looks crazy. She looked like she was with her grandpa. So, I don't know if he's still with her. But I... I once played on this show another radio host, not not involved with poker, but who talked about uh, James Woods having a gigantic penis. Have you heard about that? No, I've never heard those rumors. No, no, no it, it's more than a, like apparently someone who saw it, a radio host who had seen it. Uh, I, I played a clip on the show once about that, who had actually oh. seen James Woods' penis like when he was changing or something like that and confirmed it was, it was a huge penis, like, oh. one, like the biggest penis he'd ever seen. Uh, in person, like like maybe in porn, you seen the thing. But it was one of the biggest he's ever you know, known could exist. So maybe that's you know, amazing. Uh, apparently, he's given up on acting because he's taken uh, a anti Hollywood view at uh, just in, in terms of his politics, and he's not getting offered any roles anymore. Huh. And I know he's older, but you know, still now with with it's kind of I guess now. It seems like it's kind of retro, you know, how like everything just kind of, you know, comes in phases and comes back into style. Now it's kind of retro that all these older stars from the 80s now are, you know, like the Expendables kind of made, you know, that trendy with all these older action stars and, and just stars in general. And, of course, it's always been different, you know, with men versus women that are aging still getting roles in movies. Like with the exception of like, you know, actresses like Meryl Streep that still get leading parts. You know, think of someone like Michelle Pfeiffer. Once, yeah, I, I know. I know. Once they lose their looks, and the, that's gone. Yeah, it's you know they'll get like a token you know role in a, in a movie, but not you know no no more starring roles. You know, you can go on and on. You know, Kim Basinger, another one. Once she kind of hit her mid forties, you know, where has she been? I mean, you know, she don't see her in the movies anymore. But uh, so apparently, from what I've been reading, a lot of his views have pissed off Hollywood. I'm talking again about James Woods. That uh, he is resigned to the fact that his career in acting for the most part is over. I wonder, um, I, you know, I, he, he's had some recurring parts in, uh, in family guy. I wonder if they're good, but I haven't seen him in a while there either. He was like, in, he was in one like hour long episode, which was centered around him. But then yeah. since then, I don't think I've seen him. But what I've, what I've read a lot is he spends most of his days at uh, commerce. Plant. Really? That's, <laughs> yeah. Huh. I've actually seen him there a handful. You know what? I used to see a lot there, and one of them actually just sadly died, which surprised me. Um, former uh, Laker announcer, or he was a play-by-play or broadcaster, color commentator, something, Jack Cayley. And he was always – I mean, I know you've seen him because I, you know, I don't live in L.A. Yes, yeah. And, uh, he was a fixture playing. I think it was like you know, 10-25 no limit. I think that's the game that goes there. And he recently died within the last year. Um, I don't know if you even knew that, Druff, that he passed away. No, I didn't know. You know, and uh, you know who used to play all the time in commerce was Jerry Buss. Jerry Buss. Yeah. Jerry Buss got obsessed with poker, and he, so much that he cared more about poker than the Lakers. I, I I remember the Lakers were deep in the playoffs. Well, you know what? Hold on. I'm gonna. T- I, I know exactly what you're talking about. I know the team they were playing. It was the Orlando Magic, and and he said. 
And I'm not saying this is true. You probably know more than I do. But he claimed that it wasn't because he loved poker more. It was because he didn't want to be a distraction. And, okay, part of it was in his later years, he stated that he was unable to travel the far distances. So I remember there was a lot of controversy. He never went to one game when they played the Magic, however many years ago it was in the finals. And he blamed that on travel. But he also stated publicly when asked about this, because one day when they actually, I remember, they actually won a world championship, and he was here playing in an event. Yeah, yeah. What are you doing here? And he later stated that he didn't want to be a distraction, and he wanted the everything to be on the team, and, and they them to get all the accolades instead of him as the owner. Um, well, but, I'm, I'm sorry. Go ahead and, and well, no, that wasn't what I was going to tell you. It was actually a different playoff series, and this this will show you what BS that was. What you just said that uh, that what he claimed. This was a small limit hold'em tournament at Commerce. In fact, you could probably find the exact date by looking up my results and seeing when I finished second at Commerce, like in 05. I think it was, I, you know, I can't say that it was the one I finished second. It was, so it may not be that date. I take that back. But it was, the Lakers were deep in the playoffs. You'll have to find sometime around that, you know, June or late May. And it was some kind of, you know, minor commerce tournament. It was a limit tournament. And they were on TV. I don't remember if they were in LA or in the, uh, on the road. But, I was watching the game with him on a break. We both went over to a TV and stood together and watched the Lakers play on the break. But he wasn't even interested in sitting home and watching it on TV. He he was more interested in playing some kind of minor commerce tournament with like a $1,000 buy-in. With, with like few people to where the top prize was total meaningless money to him and the prestige of winning wasn't very big because it was a small limit hold'em tournament there. That's exactly that's exactly what I was going to comment on. I remember talking about this um, on, a, on a former show. In 2011, I actually played with him for the first and only time. Uh, the day before I played with him, he played in... Uh, the $10,000, it was either stud or stud eight or better world championship here at the Rio. And he busted in day one. The next day I was actually playing a $350 tournament at the Golden Nugget. It was an eight-game tournament. I just love those tournaments. And I ended up actually finishing third in that tournament. And he was there. And I remember thinking, yesterday you're playing, he was playing in a $10,000 World Series of, you know, poker tournament, which again, still the money wouldn't mean anything. But then the next, the very next day, and even then, you know, it was five years ago, four years ago, he was still very frail. He walked with a cane, you know, he needed assistance, but he still had a hot little young something that was with him on every break. And I remember thinking, this guy just must love the game, you know, because besides the fact, that, you know, again, at that point, the Lakers were deep in the playoffs. But after getting eliminated from a $10,000 tournament at the WSOP, then to make your way all the way down to the Golden Nugget, and, you know, I don't want to say he was harassed, but, you know, people were constantly talking to him and asking him questions, and he was always very polite, you know, soft-spoken, didn't really talk much. You know, he just, you could tell he just wanted to play poker and be treated like everybody else. But uh, the fact that he's in a $350 tournament, I mean, it just—he—he he just loved the game. There's no other way to explain it. He just loved it. He just loved the game. Yeah, he and, did. And, you know, and he would do that. He'd go. He'd play in tons of those. If the if the World Series of Poker had a tournament that he didn't have any interest in, 
and the Golden Nugget had a stud tournament or an Omaha tournament or something you preferred more, you'd go play in the $350 tournament. The buy-in was irrelevant. Yeah, it you was. Yeah, the prize money was meaningless to him because he had so much money. And and, uh, and it, it was, but the thing, he played some kind of small tournament. He just wanted to play them. He was, you know, that was what his, his interest was in the final years, was not the Lakers. In fact, he had such an interest in poker that even during critical moments for the Lakers, he didn't even watch them on TV. Forget the whole thing about not wanting to jinx them or, or being too old to travel that far. He, he could have sat at home and watched them on TV and did not. He he played a minor commerce tournament with me and didn't watch any of the game except for a few minutes on the break where we could stand by a TV and do it. So you yeah. think he just stopped caring about it? Yeah, I think he got bored. Later he life, just doing what he enjoyed. Yeah, he just got bored. He, and the Lakers accomplished a lot already during his lifetime. He like he figures, okay, you know, so I win another championship with the Lakers. We, I have so many. Who's going to care how many I won? You know, during my lifetime effort, you know, I, like poker was exciting him at that point. Do you, speaking of the Lakers. It's very interesting. You know, we, I like how we go on these tangents. Um, a lot of times, you know, as, as time has proven, like with, oh, we can go on and on with stable ownership, like Jack Kent Cook in Washington and um, just other owners that, that have left it for their kids or you know, just whatever. The franchise never seems to become the same and eventually it's sold. Do you think that, I mean, because this is the f- only, I believe, the second time Maybe the first, but if it's not the first, it's the second time that the Lakers have ever missed the playoffs in consecutive years in their history. Um, it's much do you worse think than they're that. Be, huh? It's much worse than that, even just that situation. It, it's a disaster at the moment. It's, it's a do you think – I mean, I know that from my readings, even though they, they lately have been putting on uh, some solidarity that uh, the sister Jeannie and uh, – what's the brother's name? Jim. Jim, Yeah. Do you, you know, even though they've, they've, they've done some interviews where they say they're on the same page, but, you know, it's it's been printed and well-documented. There's a lot of animosity between the two, and a lot of it started over, you know, Jeannie's boyfriend or fiancé or maybe even husband now, I don't remember, Phil Jackson not getting the job and it going, which was a huge mistake, to, uh, what's his name, the Suns guy, Mike uh, D'Antoni, which was an awful yeah, hire. Yeah, it, it was an awful hire. An awful, awful hire. And then them, you know, with the putting the blame on the father. I don't know if you ever met, you know, said this, they both came out and said the father or not. I'm sorry. Yeah. I actually both. posted, I posted about that on poker fraud alert. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Jim came out and said, no, this was my dad's decision in the hospital, you know, while he was dying that he wanted, he didn't want Phil back, which I don't believe. I don't believe that at all. I think that was just him being, you know, putting his father as a scapegoat. But anyhow, do you think that they're going to get their shit together and be able to maintain the uh, the status and and this the high level that the Lakers have maintained over the last thirty years, or do you think it's just going to be a dysfunctional franchise for the foreseeable future? No, I think it's going to have a lot of. Pro- First of all, they are so far off right now from being a competitive team that I, it's hard for me to even picture anytime soon, yeah, barring some kind of thing where they get a number of or a few impact players in free agency who are willing to come and the problem it's a vicious cycle because when the team sucks you're not going to have a top tier free agent who's going to want to come even as 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 much as they like to play in la a lot of these players um like when Shaq came over Shaq came over to what was already a good team but couldn't quite get over the top 
uh, and and it took a few years still for them to get over the top half. But but at least it was a team that was fairly good. That was not that it, that that adding him looked like it could immediately go win a championship. It didn't, but at least had that look. They had they had some players who were good enough who along you know, along with Shaq could have done it. And and then you know they, they also just gotten Kobe as well, who uh, you know, was very young at the time, and he improved greatly. But now they they just don't have really any building block. The team was just awful, and it, and just adding like a superstar now would not make it a championship team, not even close. Yeah. So so I, so, so that's the problem is to to bring someone over. They 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 have to get some kind of foundation to the team. Well, Right, but you know, you have to remember, and again, it's not like there's going to be another Kobe Bryant, but during the uh, Brian Shaw, or actually not Brian Shaw, I'm sorry, during like the Dell Harris years, before Kobe got there, and like basically the, the the time before the Kobe years and after the Magic James Worthy years, they were very bad to mediocre for for several years. Not as, as bad well. as this team is, though. This team is real had really is really hitting the bottom, and and well, I. But- yeah, but you know what? You almost want to hit the bottom. Than well, I know, for the, I know like... for the draft picks, but they—that's what they have to do. They have to the, the, the you know whoever they get in the they get in the draft has to um, become an impact player and actually really succeed. And then they have to have solid players behind him. And then they have oh. to have stars. There's so many things that have to come together to make this team. Or they have to they have to get you know like like Pat Riley did. I mean, he literally he they went from a team that didn't make the playoffs. To the NBA Finals in one year. I mean, and again, I know there's only one LeBron James, and but you know what? You, you get a pair in there, you know, like they did with Bosch and LeBron. You get two max free agents. Who's it going to be? Like, who are they going to get there? Like, that's, that's what I'm wondering. Like, uh, well, you, this year, okay, I'm I, I'm just telling you what I what I hear and I read. I don't know what's true and what's not. A lot of people are saying that Kevin Love is not going to resign with Cleveland, and that LA he, was, is he wasn't very good with Cleveland. He wasn't very good last year. I know he got hurt too, but off? yeah, he wasn't that good. Well, I mean, he he, he wasn't bad. He averaged a double double. I mean, he, he it took a while for him to to get going, but I mean, his his skill isn't isn't in question. Maybe he had an off year. It's a new team, and but, but it's, it's not like bringing a LeBron conference. to the team. Like it's not LeBron okay, or Kobe. Either way, the point I'm making is Kevin Love will definitely command a max contract, one hundred percent, one hundred. Whether it's staying in Cleveland, whether it's going or opting out. And, and, and resigning with Cleveland, going to LA. He went to, where did he, he went to UCLA, didn't he? Uh, I know yeah. he went to school in California, is that, is somewhere in, in LA, in the LA area. USC, UCLA. I forget okay. where he went. Anyhow, so a lot of people are saying that the, that the Lakers are going to go hard after him. I mean, look, look, that, how, look how well the Cavaliers are doing without him in the, in the playoffs. You know, like, uh, but that's, that's another reason why. That's, I mean, that's another reason why that, that, that he, he's going to leave. And yeah, well, okay, but it, it, it also indicates how valuable he really was to the team. That's what I'm just saying here. Like, like it's, uh, um, no. I, there's, I, I, for some reason, I've just no, beat, last last year watching over, him, they, I just didn't beat, find him impressive at all. They beat an overrated Atlanta Atlanta Hawks team that was injured and overrated. Okay, and then before that, they beat a Chicago team that really shouldn't have given should have given them more 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 of a run for their money. That basically laid down at least you know the last two games, so I'm you know and, and you know what I think they may win two games at the at the most against Golden State. I think Golden State's gonna they're gonna maintain home court advantage and they're probably gonna steal one in Cleveland. I think the series is gonna go four two in favor of Golden State, and I wouldn't even be surprised if it's four one. 
I think Golden State's going to demolish them. That's what I think too. Yeah, I don't think it's going to be. I think they're 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 two. They're they're one of the heaviest favorites in in NBA in, in, in terms of the lines here in Vegas. You have to lay nine dollars to win two bucks. They're a two to nine favorite to win the series against Cleveland. Well, so you got to win nine hundred dollars to win two hundred bucks. One of the years the Spurs won. I think it was actually against Cleveland. LeBron back in the early. I think there was like something like that too. I think it was like ninety two. Uh, but the uh, that's another thing. There's so many good teams in the West right now, and and the, Golden State, of course, being the best of them. The Lakers have to rise up and beat all of these teams. And yes, some of them will degrade over the years just from players leaving or getting older, but there's a lot of teams. I mean, how much would it take for the Lakers to surpass what Golden State is? It's just, it's just uh, a huge gap in, in talent they have right now, and there's just so much to do to, to rebuild. And I, I don't know, and, and it's not even like they have the the brilliant ownership or, or general manager that that they had at one time with the Lakers. Well, no, I think, I think the general manager still is... I mean, you can't, what are you going to say, that, that Mick, uh, Mitch Kupchak isn't as smart as he was four years ago? I mean, if he doesn't have the talent, the assets, the resources around him, then he's going to look like a No, but I'm, mean, saying, I'm saying things like like Jerry West when he was he, – he pulled off so many amazing – like even just getting Kobe the way he did to see, to see in Kobe what uh, a lot of the others didn't. You know, at the time when he got Kobe, Kobe was thought of someone who could be a raw player who ha- may have some – you know, potential, but well, it, it was, he wasn't, he wasn't, he wasn't, he wasn't like LeBron. When LeBron was out of high school, everyone was so excited. This is going to be a huge superstar. And, and he was, he turned out to be, he lived up to it, but Kobe wasn't yeah, that. You know what? That, yeah. But that was different. I mean, still back when Kobe came, it was right when the internet was starting. And back then ESPN wasn't televising high school basketball games like they did for LeBron. I mean, Kobe was a superstar. I mean, he, he, I don't think he was a he wasn't a raw talent. No, no, he was I mean, he I, was regarded I, as I'm telling you he was regarded as and that's why they let him go is because well first of all he didn't want to play on the team uh, he wanted to go to, he wanted to leave he didn't want to play. Who did they give up? Who do they give up again with Vlade Divac? Vlade Divac. Okay, yeah. but and like, like they were able to get him just for Vlade Divac, partially because he want he said he need, he wanted to leave, and, and partially because he did not seem like a sure thing like LeBron seemed like he did, he was someone that was thought to be a potential superstar, but also was not thought to be a sure thing and someone who could have ended up a fail. That was kind of the belief about him as it could have gone various ways with him. Yeah, he wasn't a number one pick. Uh, but Kobe's, Kobe's going to get $25 million next year. Drugs. Yeah, that's obscene. So, so he comes, well, a lot of people are saying it's just his goodbye. That's what it know, is. I mean, he, appreciation he, he has nothing left. For just, yeah. So, I mean, obviously, yeah, he's not worth $25 million. Next year he comes back healthy. And he averages 23, 24, maybe even 25 points a game, plays in 70 games. I'm just saying hypothetically. And he's back and he's healthy. Okay? It's obvious. You know, the Lakers hope that he just retires so he has his legacy as a Laker and, and he goes away. And that's basically what they want. They want to be respectful, but they want him to go away. He's not going to resign a contract with the Lakers. Anyhow, he has a great year next year. He's healthy. Okay, the Lakers make it clear, you know, we need to rebuild. We're not, we can't pay you money. Does he go to a championship contending team and try to get one more? No, he's 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 done. And uh, I mean, he should. Really think so? Oh yeah. Well, first of all, I can t- I can tell you from watching him, he he really is done. First of all, he gets injured all the time now because his body's so beat up. And even if you put aside the injuries, 
he just uh, he just doesn't have anything like what he used to. It's not even just a little. So a you huge... think he's really gonna rehab all summer long, and and for the past you know four or five months, come back, play eighty two games, and then just be done with it? I think so. Or, or I, and I, th- I think I think it won't even get to that. I, I think don't he's think gonna, so. I think he's going to get hurt again, and that's going to be it. But I well, think if he makes it through next season healthy, and whether it's a, a Chicago team or a Nick team, or but, but he doesn't want to be—he doesn't want to be a supporting character. That's the problem. He will never be a supporting character. And that's why, as long as he's on the Lakers right now in this condition, they're not going to be able to even attract a high-end star who because they don't want to play with him because Kobe still wants to be the man. He doesn't want to—he doesn't want to accept a role of okay, I'm old now, and I've been playing since I've been 18, and I, and and I just. I don't have what I used to physically, and I never will again, so I'm going to be a background player. He can't do that. He can't be a second or third option. He doesn't want to be that. And, and the other players know that it won't want to come as long as he's here. So that's the, that's the problem. He really needs to just uh, – because he doesn't want to ever be a second banana, uh, he shouldn't even try to extend the career. He should just he, – he really should just give up. Now, if he wants to collect the $25 million, I guess, sure. But, but I don't even understand the point of this whole thing because the Lakers, there's no chance they're going to contend. So what is he? What is he doing? Yeah, but if that was a case, why wouldn't the Lakers then just do uh, what a lot of NBA teams do and reach some sort of settlement with him, where you know he gets twenty million or fifty million? I, I don't think he play. wants to because he believes he can still compete. That's why. Well, that's my whole point, though. But if he proves that to himself, and and I, I agree, the chances of him making it through a full season without you know just re-injuring something. Or, 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 you know, pretty small, but he does make it through the season. He has a good season. You really think he's going to retire? I don't. I don't. It, I know, think if, of course, if he, ha- if he has a very good season that's surprising to everyone, then, yes, he'll think, okay, I, I've got it back. I, I'm, yeah, he probably will play another year. Yeah, but if he has, uh, like, even a season that isn't that injury-plagued, uh, if he struggles, which he, already, he was struggling during what little play he did last year, he was also struggling and even complaining well, in, in interviews that he's not that that okay. his body isn't the same. I guess this is my biggest point. He's he has not firmly said next year is my last year. In fact, the Lakers at this point, and I've read this, are in some sort of a, a you know dilemma because, in essence, they want to give him like what they did for Kareem. Uh, a goodbye farewell tour and, you know, other teams as well. Like, you know, when the last time he plays in Miami or plays, you know, in San Antonio, you know, they give him a gift and, you know, kind of what they did for Derek Jeter, but because he has not firmly said like, like Jeter did or Mariano Rivera did before the season, this is it. No matter what I'm done. They they don't know how to treat it. You know, they know he's not going to be a Laker again after next year. I mean, there's no way that's going to happen, but, uh, I and mean, it's interesting, you know. We'll, we'll see what happens. Yeah, we'll, we'll talk about it. But if it really, as long as he's on the team, I, I, they'll never be able to even attract a superstar. I, I again. truly see him just like at the end of the years of uh, uh, of Carl Malone and Gary Payton when they came to the Lakers and tried to win that last championship or their first championship, uh, and they lost. Uh, they got killed by, by the Detroit. Pistons. Yeah, yeah. I can see him going to a contender. And and you know, a team that needs that final piece and, and giving it one more run because I think regardless and I, I I agree that he's very ego egotistical but you know what Jordan was the same way Jordan was the same way and you know what he wanted to play he wanted to prove at forty he can still contribute and what did he do he went to Washington 
He averaged 40 points, or at 40 points. He averaged 20-something points, you know, a game still, like 22 or 21 points. Yeah, but there, there was a lot of criticism that he actually hurt the team more than he helped it, that, he, you know, he was just a ball hog. Well, and... you know what? He made them relevant. He made them, I mean. He made people pay Jordan... attention, but 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 they said they would have actually won more games without him. Well, you know, if Jordan wasn't on that team with Kwame Brown and Rich Hamilton and they weren't going to win more games. I don't. I don't buy that. They had nobody on that team. And no, I don't think he was a, a contender. But they said that he was uh, hogging the ball and he was just. Uh, well, he was lying. But either way, I mean, he made them relevant. I mean, do you remember? No one ever cared about the well, at the time the Washington Bullets. No one cared about them. They weren't, you know. But he made them a, a show. People, their games were aired. People wanted, you know, he was the hottest ticket in town, you know, in, in D.C. I mean, just he made them relevant. So I, I mean, I'm not. I'm not. And you know. You're saying the same thing basically about about Kobe, but the same can apply to Jordan. I mean, he wanted the ball. He was a ball hog, but yet people still came to Chicago. He was able – you know why? Because he was a winner. I mean, he still got those little pieces, you know, Steve Kerr, and he had Pippen next to him his whole career, even though Jordan wanted to always be the man, and he never wanted to, to, you know, to play second fiddle to anybody. So I don't know. I don't don't think he's done. I think he wants one more run in him, and I could definitely he see him. Be, I'm not sure if he wants. I'm not sure if he wants it though. Being like a, a role player, though, I think he wants it to be like his team that wins. That's a, that's even why he and Shaq huh. didn't get along. He was he was unhappy sharing the spotlight with Shaq. Well, and you know what though? I mean, I think he was right in that sense. I mean, he was a better, he was a younger player, and it, it should have been his team. And, and the thing is, they could have got Shaq had a few very more productive years. They should have. Oh, kept absolutely! It. They, they, they could have won. They, they could have probably won three more championships. Yeah, they, they 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 broke it up too early. Shaq was older, and he, and he went downhill eventually. But but uh, but he still had a few more good years before he I after he left the Lakers. They had any choice? I mean, it was a terrible trade to trade Shaquille O'Neal for Lamar Odom and whoever else was involved in that trade. That was but a fail. I know. I know. I, I, I know. Kobe forced them away, but I'm just saying that. Yeah, Kobe, I was just saying it wasn't going to work. It was either you know Shaq. It was either they were going to have to get rid of Shaq or Kobe, and they did the wise thing. They had to get rid of one or the other. They're going to well, – I know. They know, had to get rid of the older get... player. I know. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, I don't know. It's interesting. It, it really is. I, I'm curious to see how this plays out. And uh, just in my mind, it's hard for me to imagine he's doing all this rehabbing and all this work just to come back to play for a failed – that team he knows isn't going to be any better than it was this year. In fact, it may even be worse next year. Yeah. Well, he's – this is going to be – uh, it may be a moot point. He may just injure himself again and say, "Fuck it, I'm done." That may be. Yeah. That, that's a good chance that's going to happen. And what what's kind of isn't that well known yet is what effects there are on players who've been playing in the NBA since 18. There's been some before him, but there haven't been that many. It, it's more of a recent phenomenon, and that those players are, yeah, you know, the the ones who got older. It's just happened a few years ago. So I got a good one for you. Who's the first player to play in the NBA directly out of high school? Right, was it was it Garnett? No, got to go way back. Way back. Yeah. Oh, know. I mean, like you know, seventies, late seventies. No, I, I think mid seventies. Hall I, of Famer. Really? I, I didn't know any of them did that until until like the Garnett days. I, I wasn't. Mo- I didn't notice that. Moses Malone. Really? I didn't know that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Yeah. I I didn't see that practice until around the Garnett time. Then it started happening a lot. Oh yeah. Well, you know what? You got to remember. There's so many now that that. We've never even – we don't even remember. I mean, there, you know what I mean? There's so many that failed. I mean, of course, remember, like, you know, that that era, like Garnett, Tracy McGrady, um, yeah. you know, and, and I'm trying to think. Who are the other studs right out of high school uh, during that Garnett era? And that's another question about, you know, Garnett. 
is still playing. That which is Jesus. He's he's been in it's twenty years. <laughs> Dunk it too. Next year's gonna next year will be nineteen years for Tim Duncan. Yeah, I know. Can you believe that? Right. Well, the amazing thing is Duncan still is pretty good. That's the amazing thing. He's not. He's not I mean, what he, he can't was, run but... worth shit. But yeah, he's he's. I mean, he's, he's still uh, somewhat. Of, he's a lot more effective than you would expect at that age. But I think at this point, I mean, you know, and there, it's not like they have the money, uh, San Antonio, or the resources to uh, you know bring in anybody else other than their core. Just you know, add a, a couple maybe role players. Uh, I don't think it's it's likely at all. I mean, I think that group is done. No, they got I would San Antonio astounded. got lucky that they got Duncan right after, right as as David Robinson was starting yeah. to uh, degrade. But I'd be astounded with how tough the West is right now if San Antonio even made it to a final or even a semifinal. No, I agree. They're probably final again. I, I just I can't see it. I mean, the or Oklahoma is going to be good next year. I like Billy Donovan as a coach. They're going to be good. Uh, you know, Houston if they can get. You know, uh, Dwight Howard to play up to his capabilities, stay healthy with Dwight Howard, with, um, what's his name, James Harden. They're going to be good. The Clippers, you know, I don't know. I don't know what you do about them. The Clippers, they just can't ever win. I mean, they can't win. Uh, you know, I, I could see them again next year going out in, in the second round or maybe in the, in the conference finals, but what do you do? You can't break them up. What are you going to just blow it all up? Get rid of Blake Griffin, get rid of, you know, Chris Paul. I mean, no. You know, yeah, they're going to keep trying. They're going to keep trying. I think they're going to just be a, a a semi fail where they they get semi deep into the playoffs and can't quite get past that. Yeah, but uh, I, I the West is so tough now. It's amazing yeah. when you look at teams that like almost have fifty wins and they they you know don't make the playoffs. They don't make in the it West. In, yeah, and, and, and or, teams or, that are or, like eight. It's been like this for a decade, and teams that are like eight, ten games under five hundred are making like the fighting for like the seventh and eighth seed. Oh, you know, you know, it's been longer than that. Back when the Bulls were having their good years in the nineties, people didn't realize how crappy the East was because they had one super team over there. But the truth was that that if you look at the lower seeds in the East back in the nineties, they sucked. It's been forever that the East has sucked. That's why there's talk of realignment. That this has gone on. For, I don't know why it's been going on, but it's been going on for two decades now. So they. They're thinking maybe it's time to either realign or change the way the playoffs are done, so you just stop having these under five hundred teams making the playoffs, which I think is stupid. I like I I think an under five hundred team should never be in the playoffs for any reason. Like how yeah. how, how, can, how can you have a losing you know, record into the it postseason? Is, it is it is strange, but you know a lot of what it is it seems like is all the all the dominating centers. You know, basically after Ewing retired. Um, you know, all the dominating centers and big men have, have just been in the West. You know, whether it was, you know, Yao Ming, whether it was Shaquille O'Neal with the Lakers. Um, I mean, you know, they just, the East hasn't had a really good center in, in, in many, many years. And, uh, I don't know. I don't think realignment's going to help because it could very well eventually turn in five more years. It just, well, no, with the, with the that's what, they're, has... what they're thinking of instead of realignment is just a change in the playoffs to where they're not taking eight from each. Uh, each conference, yeah, it's actually top, it, it can it can be unbalanced or something. Where it can it can be a, a unbalanced. Uh, it doesn't have to be eight and eight. So there's been that thrown around. Uh, I whatever they need to do that they need to stop the situation where losing teams can make the playoffs. I know in the NBA they have almost no chance of of winning anyway because the, the, the unlike baseball where a hot team can can win the whole thing. Yeah. Uh, uh, in basketball, the team that has a huge skill advantage over the other is going to win just about every time in a seven game series, but. But but still, 
uh, it's I'm talking about a huge skill, not just a moderate skill. I'm saying like a, like you're not going to have an under 500 eight seed beating a, a, um, making it all the way. It's just not going to happen unless there is injuries that made them lose and then the players came back. It was a, yeah, but even even in that scenario, I mean, it still takes time to to you know just learn to play with each other. So I don't even think in that scenario you can't just you know. You bring you bring any superstar back on a team. Even you bring LeBron, LeBron James back as an eight seed, and he hasn't played for sixty games. I don't think it's possible to win a championship because you still got to learn to adjust to each other. And you know, just look. Well, look in the beginning of the season, how bad Cleveland was. Yeah, he always said, he had the how, same, he had the same in Miami at the beginning. They they yeah, tra- they exactly, were troubled. Same, exactly, same exact thing. And then it took took them thirty games or so to mesh and gel and learn to play with each other and. You know, now, you know, I, I still think he's going to lose. And, you know, it's actually funny. There there was an interesting uh, conversation. I think it was on uh, ESPN radio the other night. And somebody was – one of the hosts was suggesting – and, of course, he was of the belief, as I am, that uh, Golden State is, is going to win this series. And he stated that in terms of LeBron's legacy, it was almost better if they didn't make the NBA Finals this year than – Go on to the NBA Finals, end up losing, and now being winning two out of what would this be his fifth loss in the NBA Finals, fourth loss? Yeah, he lost I, I understand the, what they're saying, but but at least there's some dignity losing to a great loss. team like Golden State rather than losing to a, like a semi-fail team in the, in, in the East that uh, that happened to make it to the end there. Like, how do you think in the end LeBron's going to be remembered? Because, well, yeah, uh, if, if he doesn't turn it around, it'll, it will be remembered that he chokes in the finals, but. Yeah, I mean, Jordan's never lost a championship. Kobe lost, if I'm not mistaken, two, right? He lost to Detroit and he lost to the Celtics? Yeah. Yeah. And LeBron has already lost three. So, and you know, he lost one with Cleveland and two with Miami. So, it's, it's I don't know. I, uh, and, you know, and he's starting to show his age. I well, think I was going to say, he's, he's, thir- th- he's 30. He doesn't have that much longer before he starts to decline. Yeah. I mean that body's taking a lot of wear and tear. Yeah, and he's thirty, so like there's yeah. not much time left before you. In, in basketball, you don't even last as long as, as you do in baseball. You, do, you late thirties, you're already a, a, really a shell of your former self if you even make it that far. So speaking of baseball, I think it's it's pretty funny, and I kind of saw this coming. How all the pundits uh, said that when Texas traded for Josh Hamilton from Anaheim, that he had nothing left. And you'd see once in a while, you know, spurts of the kind of performances you saw, you know, during his heyday with Texas when they made back-to-back uh, uh, World Series. Uh, and he's – I don't know if you've been watching. He's been on a tear. He had a walk-off double the other night. He had another two-run or two-home yeah, run game. It's it's so uh, ridiculous. The, the Angels made such a dumb mistake there. They, they paid him all this money. It's not just that they let him go. They paid just about his entire contract. The only thing I they, know, just to be the, done with the, the only thing they got back was he gave them back some money because of a tax difference between California and Texas because Texas doesn't have state tax. So, so they calculated like they calculated how much money he would make after tax, and and uh, since it's so, so they gave him back like six. He gave back like six what? million dollars to account for that difference. But other than that. He's- he is a lucky son of a bitch because he just basically—I don't remember what he's making this year. I know it's upwards of twenty million or something, but he basically got a fucking twenty million dollar free roll because, you know, if you recall what what ended up happening, 
he self-admitted himself or self-reported himself to Major League Baseball for uh, violating the drug program. He had a relapse of, of alcohol and cocaine. And Major League Baseball ruled that it violated previous agreements that he had in place and that he would be suspended for the year, thus you know forfeiting the salary and even voiding his contract. It went to a, a private arbitrator, which I guess is in the CBA, that ruled that because he self-reported himself, it didn't violate, you know, so on and so forth. And that's the only reason why he's allowed to play. I don't know if you remember, Major League Baseball wanted him suspended the whole year. And it took an arbitrator to rule that he didn't violate, uh, you know, the collective bargaining agreement. So, I mean, if that happens, he doesn't get paid this year. But uh, I don't know, it's amazing. They're, they're, they're back to, I think, one or two games over 500, and they're playing the best baseball they have all year. And- yeah, so the, the problem is that they – you have to be very careful about empowering a division rival and and you can't and even if it was, he didn't end up going to Texas you you can't the thing is Hamilton has enough talent to where when he gets his head on straight with things uh he can be very effective so you don't make it easy for other teams especially a division rival to acquire him for free that that's a huge mistake and, and so that they should have just they just should not have let him go unless he was going to give up the money and 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 if if he was just going to be a fail and not play at least at least he's not playing for someone else and beating them i don't know what they were thinking i don't know what they were thinking it was it was the dumbest move i know they kind of felt like they just were so well, tired I think of him it was personal because there was some words being exchanged you know art moreno said i don't you know they wanted to get rid of him he wasn't going to play i i think a lot of it was just personal i think you Ward is welcome there, and yeah, I still did. agree. You know, I mean, look what the Yankees did. You know, the Yankees, you think they want A-Rod there? No, of course they no. don't. You know, but, you know, what would they do? What would they rather do? Would they rather have him there under their control, or would they trade him or release him and he can sign with someone like the Red Sox and then shove it in their face? I mean, it, it's, you know, I mean, what a fucking headache he is, too, oh, A-Rod. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you just know they can't. They're just – Saying why do we sign this motherfucker for until like a ten year contract? Yeah, until he's like forty. Until to... he's like forty three. Too, that's so ridiculous. The, product, yeah. the contract is just goes for so long. Well, you know, because they were under the impression, and it's 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 idiotic that you know players like Barry Bonds, whose last season he was like forty one and still you know very very productive. They thought that's where they were getting out of him. But I, I, I yeah, but it's all because of the roids. That's why Barry yeah. Bonds could do that. Yeah. I don't even know. I know he he started off pretty good. Has he tailed off? Yeah, you know, I I, I haven't watched what has happened recently with him. Yeah, I know he had a, a very good start, and uh, it's a lot better than I thought he would. But me too. I thought he was going to be a complete fail. But it's amazing. I mean, to be out of baseball for a full year and well, come and, back and, and not using the roids anymore, unless he's still sneaking them. It's uh, which I'd be surprised at this point after everything that happened. Like I, I really thought that the reason he was still productive at the late age is because of the roids, and that if he's not doing them anymore and still hitting well, I'm surprised that. Yeah, he's uh, actually this is quite amazing. Um, this is actually an article he picks up. He has 11 home runs this year. He's yeah. eighth in all of Major League Baseball. It's amazing. Uh, he's eighth in Major League Baseball this year. I mean, actually, yeah, and he's hitting two. He's hitting two eighty-two. Yeah, and he has. Uh, he's been walked twenty-three times, and he's almost forty. He'll be forty in, in July. Twenty-seven RBIs. I mean, yeah, that's. Uh, yeah, that's amazing. I don't know how he's doing it. 
It's a shame. I mean, he could have been one of the best of all time. Yeah, I mean, yeah, he, just yeah, he had a talent. talent. It's just like Barry Bonds, just another highly talented player who also did steroids. Yeah, wow. He's uh, <laughs> he's he's their biggest offensive weapon, even more so than Mark uh, Texterra. That's amazing. Yeah, everyone thought the Yankees <laughs> were going to suck, and then they're they're doing so well. Yeah, that'd be ironic, wouldn't it? That uh, you know, clean legendary guys have to go out like Rivera did, not making the playoffs, and the following year Derek Jeter not making the playoffs for him to get them into the playoffs. <laughs> you know, and 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 it just. It doesn't almost seem right, you know. I mean, I'm not a Yankee fan by any means, but, you know, I, I do admire and respect, you know, both Jeter and, and Mariano. I mean, they were class acts, never got in trouble. They were never tainted by any of this stuff, never had any off-the-field problems, um, you know, both of them. I, I, th- I don't think you'll even argue with me. Both of them are, are surely first ballot Hall of Famers. I mean, I don't think there's even a question, uh, you know, that – that that um Jeter and, and Rivera getting on the, on the first ballot. May, should even it should really just be unanimous. I don't even think that that they should probably be on everybody's, uh, you know, vote. But I don't know. Very interesting. We'll see what happens. And I know they still have to fight about uh, with A Rod all these home run bonuses. I don't know if you've read about this. Oh, the no. Yankees have withheld bonuses that were instilled in his contract several years ago for incentives and. Reaching home run milestones, and they've refused to pay him, but he has not taken any uh, legal action or action with the union as of yet. Hmm. So, uh, by, by the way, it yeah. looks like they've uh, they've shut down for the night at thirty nine people. So that there's no yeah, change. I saw that. I saw that Ray Henson was the chip leader, and it's bagged. And you know what? I don't think. They, I mean, I thought that. I don't think they won't finish tomorrow. Well, let's see. What are the blinds at now? Ooh, do you, do you know, I don't even know how to read this. Site where it tells you the no, no tomorrow. Tomorrow they're going to play to the final table, I'm sure, and then they're going to then they'll do the next day. It's going to be a full. But extra... is, is, is to, was tomorrow supposed to be the, the final table? The final table? Yes. Yeah, I, I think there's going to be an extra day. Just tomorrow will be play to the final table, and then the next day will be the final table. That's yeah. what I think. I'm looking at structure. It says the blind structure is not posted yet for this event. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to wait to the last moment. Jesus, I'm trying to see what the blinds were, but yeah, I. I I don't know. I don't okay, even so, know. I so, mean, I think there's at least two full days left. So, so before I mean, I, before we, yeah, that's what I think too. Before before we go, I know it's a four forty five. Yeah, it, we've, uh, we, we're at seven and a half hours, buddy. We got nothing to be ashamed of. Are you hungry? I got to eat. I, I I have to eat again. I mean, I hate eating right before I go to bed. For some, but reason, I have to I, have if for some reason, I'm not. I'll go down with you though. Like I'm not. I'm not hungry. Not, right not now. hungry. Don't eat. It, I'm a big boy. If you don't want to. So, but but the, the looking at the structure, we're, we're both playing the, the limit hold'em tomorrow at four, as we said earlier in the show, and and I see the as we mentioned in the previous show, the the some levels repeat at the beginning, and it starts a little higher. So we get seventy five hundred chips. Uh, we're immediately playing hundred two hundred limit, which honestly, if you if you run bad at the beginning, you can go through seventy five hundred at just hundred two hundred limit. Like a, it's it's not easy to do, but you can. Uh, it will be. We're we're going to play ten levels tomorrow, meaning the final limit we'll be playing is six hundred twelve hundred. That's not the blinds; it's the limit. The blinds three six. And uh, but but what's good here is that it starts immediately at one two. This event used to start. You're playing twenty five fifty, and it was a fail. 
Like you know, you you start off even you had fewer chips, but still it was just it was meaningless. Here you're immediately starting out playing 100 200 limit, 7500 starting chips, and after four hours, you know, in the in the fourth hour you're still only playing 153. So it's only gone up from 100 200 to 153 in the first four hours, and then and then even by the end of six hours you're only two four. So that so in six hours it only doubles. And there's no antis unlike the poker fraud alert one. <laughs> so, so, uh, so that that's what I like about these things is that uh, now it'll be a long night because it's ten levels and we're starting at four. I was thinking about that with the fifteen minute breaks. Yeah, every uh, two levels we're talking about four a.m. or so. I think three a.m. three thirty. Yeah, yeah, three thirty or so. So it'll be late if we make it all the way. Uh, there will be a lot of people busted though by the end of ten levels. Because uh, if you think about it, everybody starts with 7,500, and here you're playing 600, 1,200. You know what? They're probably going to be a decent crowd because tomorrow the only other event is that it's uh, the the 10K heads up starts. And and it'll be done. I believe it'll be done. What will be done? I think the 10K heads up, because it's it's a heads up, I think that they will have stopped play by the time this starts. Do they? Do they? I thought they played two matches. Oh, they play two matches. Okay, then it won't be done. Yeah, no, okay. they always play two. Okay. They, yeah, so no, it's not going to be done because it 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 You're won't right. be it's, done it's, by four. It's, it's two matches. There'll, yeah. there'll still be matches going on at four o'clock probably. Okay, so so I guess guys involved because they don't always. But, but get the thing the, is, even, they can come in late, and it's not even as much of a disadvantage to come in late because uh, the 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 way the limits are structured now. So. So we'll probably get some latecomers. I don't mind. Most of the 10K limit people who uh, – 10K no limit people who will come in here, uh, I'm happy to have in the tournament because most of them are not good limit hold'em players. There, there's some exceptions, but – What do you think uh, – how many runners do you think tomorrow? Well, it, last year it was a fail. It got 197 last year. Or no, Sorry, no, it, was, it got 657. That wasn't a fail. The, the fail was a different one. Uh, they got six fifty seven. I think they're going to get somewhere in that. Name. I, I'm I'm thinking high fives, five ninety, five eighty, something like that. Is my guess. Yeah, so, yeah. I'm looking at now. Dan Kelly won last year. I remember he he, he he ended up beating uh, Yegor from Commerce in a head in a heads up. Hmm. Apparently, apparently he now it was interesting. I saw Yegor very shortly after this in the elevator of the Rio, and he goes. Uh, he's a dandruff. Uh, I said, yeah, I, I, I saw you got second. He was actually at my table when I busted. I cashed in this one, min cashed. He was at my table shortly before I got moved with, with a super short stack, but he was, he was like rising quickly. Like me and him were about the same stack and then he went up and I went down. But, uh, so I, 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 I wasn't even saying it to him like, oh, you lost. I, I, I said, oh, I, I saw, I saw you got second. He goes, yeah, I lost. He said, I fucked up. I fucked it up bad. Like he was, he was. He felt like it was his fault that he lost. He didn't just feel like he got bad cards. He didn't go into detail, but he was uh, venting to me that he fucked up against Dan Kelly. Hmm. So, yeah. well, Druff, I got to be honest. We I, I, we got a tournament in a little less yeah, than twelve I hours. I know we got to go. I, I want to stay up late, but this is about as late as I want to stay up here. Yeah, I need to go get some food in me and and come upstairs and get some sleep. So. Do we have any final, uh, final closing uh, things? Yeah, what we have to say is that in, in five days, and I don't know if you'll be part of this show or not, it's up to you, but uh, in five days, 
will be another show. In fact, now four days, now four and a half days. Wait, I'm coming back on su- sa- Sunday? Saturday. Oh, no, yeah, it's not good for me. Okay, no problem. I'll, I'll do that one myself. It's the only day I can make it from the schedule I have of the World Series. Uh, Saturday, June 6th at 3.30 p.m., a, or a daytime show. And uh may just be me. Oh, you're playing the Billionaire Maker on Friday? And I'm playing this, the 3K Limit Hold'em. So there's a, I, I, I could not find any time in there except for June 6th. Otherwise, I couldn't do it all that week. So. What are you playing on uh, oh, June 9th? June, June, June 9th, I have something else I'm doing. So I, not related to poker. A secret, a, a secret engagement. So, uh, yeah, that's it. So that's the only, June 6th was the only day I could do it. It's either cancel or do it on June 6th. I'll do it on June 6th. So if you like the show... It'll be back, probably not with a seven-hour episode, if Brandon's not part of it, but uh, I'll do a regular episode on Saturday, June 6th, and, and you will know. An but afternoon show, Jeff? What? An afternoon show, huh? Yeah, an afternoon show uh, at 3.30 p.m. for everybody who wants to. Uh, I figured I could do it because people will be home from work. You know, they can. Uh, so, oh, by the way, Brandon, I apologize. I, I turned you down. I just realized now I'm talking over the song. I... I I'm supposed to pause for a second. I turned you down in volume when Matt the Rat called because he was very loud. And mm-hmm. and so I had to turn the whole thing down or I was going to blow everyone's ears out. And then I forgot to turn you back up. So I, I guess people heard you, but I'm a, you were a little soft for that part of the show. A little but, uh, soft. A little soft. I mean, to me, you sounded okay. I just I just realized it now and I was looking at the levels. Anyway, uh, yeah, June 6th, 3.30 p.m. And then there won't be another show until June 15th. At, at 7 o'clock so be aware that that'll be the last show for 9 days and by by Saturday's show I will know whether I won a bracelet or did not cash in the 1500 limit and we'll know that about Brandon and Jay Jami who's also playing the limit event so good luck to all Poker Fraud Alert people playing that and other events here at the World Series thank you Brandon for being part of this again tonight get some sleep have some food good night and Shalom. Shalom.